This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is the politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Playing that, one of uh, Sid Rosenberg's all-time favorites. We're going to get to him momentarily as I have launched a campaign, ladies and gentlemen. On this day, actually uh, Friday, this is Saturday, and as you know, my job is to take you to the break of dawn from 12 midnight to 6. So nice, the suits... The mock is some muckety-mucks here at Red Apple Media, our parent company. Then let me do it twice on Sunday nights, which is really uh, <laughs> at the end of the Quinella. That's when I finish five different programs all weekend long with WABC. The acronym stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis, including another six-hour trek from uh, Saturday uh, night. A Sunday morning, 12 midnight to 6. And remember, in just a few hours, you're going to have Anthony Weiner in the middle going solo. And then I act as the antidote from uh, 3 to 4, where it's left versus right. Almost reminds me of that uh, Thunder thunder Thighs song, Beyonce, to the left, to the left, to the left. Because that's what Anthony Weiner is. 
But uh, then we come in the Sunday, and Sunday come on from 3 to 5, which is like midday, right in the middle of uh, what's left of the Major League Baseball playoffs. And then actually uh, Smash Mouth football, American football, the nation's pastime, unfortunately, it has superseded baseball. And uh, that's much better than that fake pony fraudulent football they spell with a U. Kickball, kickball, kickball. Soccer that I hate, I loathe, I despise. And that one of our colleagues here at WABC decided about a week ago to spend a half hour talking about the upcoming World Cup. Please. Give me a break. Oh, but we don't go in that route. We go in a million different directions because there is no real pattern. I could move to the left, to the right. It matters not. I could say right in the middle. It could be cultural. It could be political. It could be a courtesy with Super Sports Spectacular. Oh, we'll get into the Yankees coming out of Houston down too. And as I've said over and over again, even though I broke the curse of Eric Adams, who had uh, predicted the Yankees would uh, sweep their way right into the World Series, uh, when he said that, they were having a tough time against the Cleveland Indians in the first round of the American League playoffs. And I call them the Cleveland Indians because they will always be the Cleveland Indians to me, Chief Wahoo. Never the Cleveland Guardians. If you're going to go that far, I'll call them the Cleveland Guardian Angels. So I went the last game, sat not far from uh, first base, and I gave the Malukia to Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. He wasn't there. But I broke the curse, and as you know, the Yankees went on to beat Cleveland, get into the uh, American League playoffs against Houston that they seem to be stymied by every year. We'll get into that later on because I really hate their manager, Aaron Boone. We're never, 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 never going to get into the World Series with this guy. He chews gum on the sidelines like a cow chewing its cud. And it's all about the analytics. And I see on that note that uh, Broadway Billy has returned. Uh, He had gone down to Fort Myers to check on his uh, property to see if it had been damaged uh, by the terrible hurricane uh, Ian. Still, there are Floridians trying to recover from that in Lee County, which incorporates incorporates that area, Venice, Fort Myers. And I know why you were down there checking on your massive property uh, condos that you own. Broadway Billy, you were checking on your very dear friend, Warner Wolf. Let's go to the videotape. And I see he's safe and secure. Uh, his property was not damaged by the terrible Hurricane Ian. Although I understand you took on a few Canadian challenges while you were down there in shuffleboard just to sort of buff up your expertise. Since the wave of Canadians have come into the western portion of Florida, especially the southwest now near Fort Fort Myers and uh, Venice. And uh, they have basically become the shuffleboard champions uh, of uh, Florida. So I understand you and Warner did uh, relatively well there, uh, I see, Broadway Billy. That's good. See, there you're sharp, sharp in shuffleboard. Because if uh, you foul up, uh, it's a quick trip down on JetBlue to what remains of the tarmac in Fort Myers. And you can join your lifetime partner, Warner Wolf, down there and play shuffleboard to the day you die. Wow. What a great welcoming back for you there, Broadway Billy. And, of course, uh, we are saddled with um, 
our telephone talent coordinator, Avery, who, uh, that's right, uh, Avery, uh, who is also our nighttime producer, and consistently he spies on the worst side of the other side of midnight for this show, the best side of the other side of midnight against uh, the team of Frank Morano, the Mameluke. You have, uh, oh, my God, Alex. It's got to be the biggest brown nose that has ever existed in radio, and there have been a lot of brown noses. Trust me, he's got his he's got his schnoz up the tuchus of Frank all the time. And then, of course, there's Matt Blaze. Obviously, is one of many aliases. This guy is a fugitive. And then Ken, the muscle head, who once again this week I lost two out of five days trying to come to work to be the telephone talent coordinator coming in from eastern Pennsylvania across the bridge over the river into Phillipsburg. And somehow he wasn't able to make it through the Lincoln Tunnel and to the studios at WABC. Well, now that our team is fully intact, the brothers are back, and we're not tainted by the Mick Whitey Whitey factor that Frank Morano has, that Mama Luke. Oh, God, and we're going to get into him later on because they're planning to build a casino. If they can wine, dine, and pocket line whoever the new governor is on November 8th, and Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. That's right, Caesars in Las Vegas wants to put up a statue of Caesar in Times Square. You know Black Lives Matter is going to tear that down as soon as they put it up. But, um, yeah, Frank Morano's already getting the itch, already getting nervous that if they're given one of three potential line licenses for an old gaming uh, casino, that the moment he walks out the door here at WABC on a Friday, on payday, for that uh, check, will end up going right to the craps table at Caesars in Times Square. Absolutely. And there goes the life of Carmine, who's just about almost one years old. I believe it's Thanksgiving. He'll be about one years old. And this Welcher, Frank Morano, this cheapskate, this guy with alligator arms, would take that check and run cash it at the new casino in Times Square, running past the naked cowboy, the naked cowgirl. Oh, my God. Is she a horror to look at? All the nudistas, those are the women who are nude, uh, illegal aliens from Passaic, along with the cartoon characters and superheroes, and uh, lose all of his money, lose his BVDs and his fruit of the loom. Come on, come on, come on. Five, five, sir. Come on, five. Okay. You'll see if he can schnor uh, the owners of Caesars in Times Square the way he has the Borgata in Atlantic City. But I'm on a mission, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we're playing U2. This classic U2 rendition because it is one of the favorite songs of Sid Rosenberg. And we need to save Sid Rosenberg from the clutches of Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, who has now unfolded a nefarious plot to bring our own our own Sid Rosenberg back into the fold. Unbeknownst to a lot of you, there's been massive negotiations behind the scenes to establish a sit-down between the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, and Sid Rosenberg, now that Bernard is taking an easy pass right through the pearly gates of heaven into radio heaven 
There's nobody to balance out Sid Rosenberg. So you know, you know Broadway Billy, you stroke him like a peacock. You get his attention real quick. And I'll never forget on that uh, day of the Columbus Day Parade, Eric Adams finally decided he was going to march. And at the very beginning of the march, who did he run into but our own Sid Rosenberg of the morning show. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10, you got to listen. Because if I don't catch some of the audit, some of the hours, you got to rat them out to me, that's for sure. I'm the man. Yeah, you're the man, all right. And he took a picture with Eric Adams, and Eric Adams had his finger up. And basically, I could almost read the guy's mind. I've known Eric Adams for over 40 years. He was basically saying, I got this cracker back into the fold. And you should have seen the smile on his face like the cat that swallowed Tweety Bird. And there was uh, Sid Rosenberg, all proud, that he was buddies once again, pals with Eric Adams, who uh, might as well be Bill de Blasio 2.0. We're going to get into all of that, what that plot is about. And now you must help me in my new campaign. It's called SSR, Save Sid Rosenberg. Uh, first from himself, uh, and then actually from the evil cabal of Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. Yeah, you're the man, all right. By the way, I saw one of the lead stories was um, Steve Bannon was found guilty of contempt of Congress because he uh, would not accede to the subpoena. And I said, man, look at this guy, Steve Bannon. How come How come all of you conservatives, all of you Trump supporters, everybody never say, God, this guy looks like he needs a shower and a bath. He is the dirtiest, scuzziest looking, I mean, rattiest looking guy I have ever seen who's not a homeless guy. Maybe he is homeless. I've seen homeless people who've been living on the E-Train, which goes completely underground, from the World Trade Center to Jamaica Station, where you can uh, catch either the J-Train going in the other direction or the monorail, the train to the plane, JFK. But, I mean, when I'm, when I'm looking at Steve Bannon outside that court, because he was all defiant, he got four months for contempt. I mean, why not take advantage of... Taxpayers' generosity, maybe they'll force him to take a shower. I mean, that is the scuzziest, dirtiest-looking guy I have ever seen. My God. Now, I know when he was the uh, senior advisor to Donald Trump and he had to sit in the White House, he was not dressed like that, man. He did not look like a hobo. Can you, can you imagine the smell that that guy emits? Mud on the mud. They will never shut me up and kill me first. Yeah, they got you. I have not yet begun to fight. Yeah, you're, you're political prisoner, right? Four months. Take the shower. My God, de the guy. Oh, he is scuzzy. And I noticed all the conservatives, all the Trumpers, oh, Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon. Would you take Steve Bannon home without ordering him to take a shower or a bath or hosing him down? I mean, oh, my God. I don't think I've ever seen a human being so dirty in my life. Who is that character? Remember in, uh, what was that, uh, Charlie Brown, who had that, uh, that like, dust over him all the time? For the first Curtis Booby Prize, who is the character in Charlie Brown, 
No matter where he went, that dust cloud was following him. I mean, he reminded me of Steve Bannon. Dirty, scuzzy, ratty. I mean, oh, my God, he grosses me out. You think we need to introduce him to soap and water and a comb? Man, who raised him? I don't know if he's got emotional issues. He looks like it. His eyes are always bulging out of his head. But, my God. I mean, uh, Avery, telephone talent coordinator. Why am I the only one to look at this guy every time he comes on TV and say, My God, this guy's the scuzziest guy I've ever seen on TV. And I've seen it. Spanish come on our side. African-Americans come on our side. We're taking down the Biden regime. Yeah, yeah, sure you will. Why don't you go uh, participate in hillbilly hand fishing? I mean, there are hillbillies that are cleaner than this guy. Oh, my God, has that hair seen a comb in about a year? You imagine the grease? There's probably enough grease you could file up an oil refinery. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. The first of the many courtesy of booby prizes. Are out there. Who is the Charlie Brown character who reminds me so much of Steve Bannon, who now wants to be a political prisoner? Four months. Yeah, in Camp Fed. That's going to be a tough time. What are we talking? Al Capone, Alcatraz here, Atlanta Federal Pen. You know, it's the anniversary of Al Capone going kaput. Yeah, they bagged him 11 uh, years on a treasury violation. A lot of people think it was the FBI. Now it's treasury. Elliot Ness, that was treasury. Sorry, they got him with the sharpened number two pencils because Greasy Thumb Gusick, who was his uh, Polish accountant, by the way, kept two sets of books in Cicero. And they knew it was Greasy Thumb Gusick because the same greasy fingerprints were on both sets of books. Oh, you're going to learn a lot here on the Curtis Lewis Show as we take you to the break of dawn. Our number is one 800 848 that's 1-800-848-WABC. Well, let's go to Barry, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Barry. Good evening or good morning, Curtis. Yes, the answer to the dirty guy's question is pig pen. That's right, pig pen. Yep. Now, Barry, you've seen Steve Bannon many times on TV, right? Yes. What the hell is wrong? What the hell is wrong with that guy? Why doesn't he comb his hair, brush his teeth, take a bath, shower, you know, crack a hydrant, something? Yeah, he needs a clothespin for my nose because uh, just looking at him makes me want to uh, roll up into a ball and roll away. I, uh, yeah, he needs a he needs like a subscription to Life Boy, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're absolutely correct. And yet all these conservatives and troubles, oh, you know, he's, there's Jesus Christ, there's God the Father, there's God the Holy Spirit, and there's Steve Bannon. I said, uh-uh, all three of those people would run from the stench. Yes, he's like a fungus among us. It's really bad, Curtis. And, oh, I, I, I like that, Barry, a fungus amongst us. Among us, among us. Oh, among yeah. us, among us, yes, that's excellent. Barry, stay on the line. That Curtis, uh, yes, man. Yes, yes, I, Barry, yes, Barry. Air hug, man. Air hug. Air You're hug. the best. No, no, wait a second. I don't go that way, Barry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't go those air hugs, I, man. Hey, Curtis, could I just tell you, I used to work I used to work in Manhattan. I was offered a position as a screener on a <clears throat> competitive station, 
And uh, I declined it because I had to go down to Wall Street, and I was just afraid of getting my you-know-what kicked and stabbed. Oh, you mean WOR, Women's Only Radio. Exactly, exactly, yes. I have my third-class radio telephone, and uh, I could do Avery's job, but uh, I wasn't good enough back then. Well, let me tell you something, Barry. Uh, It's good to know, Avery, uh, you got competition. (laughs) <laughs> Barry's in the wings. He's warming up in the bullpen. I mean, the Yankees have no relief pitching, but Barry's warming up in the bullpen for Avery, our oh. telephone talent coordinator. Curtis, could I just get one other thing? You know, I'm right where Ron Swoboda used to live nearby, and I met Bud Harrelson. Wow. And, yes, and uh, Bobby Nystrom. I'm, my mother knew a lot of famous people, and uh, Swoboda has lived about a mile away from my home. Back in the day, now, you know, back in the you know, day. there was a time probably before that. What year was that, Barry? About when the uh, Swobodas were living there? I think maybe 1972, something like that. Okay, before that, if memory serves me correctly, he was in a cul-de-sac in Bayside, and uh, uh, on one side was uh, the Swobodas, the other side was Jerry Kuzman, and the neighbors were complaining because Kuzman was from Minnesota. He was a whack job. Remember, he didn't pay his taxes, went to prison. But he would go hunting, and he would bring the carcasses down and put them in the pool. And the people in Bayside went out of their mind, Barry. Wow. I think he, that's uh, that ranks right up there with uh, you-know-who, Pigpen, man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, we're renaming him. Steve Bannon oh. is Pigpen. Oh, hey, Curtis, do you know that I, I play the piano and I can play that, that theme from Peanuts? Oh, that's great. Play, wow, that, that's, you, you know, that's a talent that Avery does not have that could come in handy as a telephone talent coordinator there, Barry. I've got a good left hand, Curtis. <laughs> oh, that's good. Let's hope you use the right hand to pleasurize yourself and the left hand to answer the many calls that come here to, to WABC. You're the best, Curtis. Thank you very much, man. Well, well stay on the line. Stay on the line. Yeah, right, you got it, no, Curtis. No, no air hug, please. Stay on the line. Uh-oh. Will uh, Avery process this winner? Because it's competition for you, Avery. Barry is. He's in the wings. He's waiting in the bullpen. He was going to go work at WOR, Women's Only Radio, but he decided that subway trip down here at Wall Street, he'd be taking the life into his own hands, and he is absolutely correct. Actually, you'd be taking your life into your own hands going down to WOR and actually being in the studios. <laughs> There's nobody there. They, they don't work there. They're all at home. It's like, don't they realize that COVID, it's over. The president said it's over. And I see all these uh, schlumps walking around with the masks on. They're in the subway with the masks, the bus, the masks. They got the visor on, the mask, the Playtex gloves. You go to the studios of WOR, it's catacombs. Nobody broadcasts from there. They're all at home. Oh, I might get COVID-19. They use that as a ruse, an excuse. I see the Surgeon General has released a report claiming that there's a lot of trauma that occurs on the workplace and that more and more workers are going to need to take mental health days, weeks, and months off. That's another excuse for the slacker, the Norderwell Frank, uh, the Mameluke uh, Morano, to take more vacation time. You know, I need a mental health exit. You do that, Frank, and anybody else here at WABC, and I'll eat up your talk radio real estate, and you may not get it back.
Frank Morano is a pathetic excuse for a man. Yeah, he is. This idolatry, Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon, oh, Steve Bannon, what the hell, man? That is, that is the dirtiest, scuzziest-looking guy I've ever seen. How the hell could you like somebody like that? You know, if he went to that tent in Randall's Island, those six Venezuelans would kick him out and say, not until you take a bath or a shower or you deal house, you ain't coming in here. He'd go to a homeless shelter. They'd kick him out of the homeless shelter. He'd go into the train. The underground train, the E-train, which is the moving hotel. And the homeless and emotionally disturbed would say, not in my car. And yet, oh, my God, oh, he's such a patriot. He's such a fighter. He's a thief. He's a thief. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But my mission this morning is to save Sid Rosenberg. Save him from himself. He has been lured to the dark side. All of a sudden, he's calling Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, pal. Refers to him as my pal. Yeah, I want to I want to be friends with him again. And I've warned him. I've said, don't crawl into the belly of the beast because he will chew you up and spit you out, you cracker. And yet... I could see the look in Sid's eyes. He's tempted by the notion of thinking that he can influence this mayor of New York City. The only influence he has at Club Zero Bond, he arrived at 12-12 this morning. Eric Adams had his entourage, including his brother Bernard. Remember, Bernard was parking cars at the uh, Virginia Commonwealth uh, College. When all of a sudden the mayor said, I need him. I need him to head my security team, my intel team, to protect me from white supremacists. My, not on my, where? Where? And now they're all in the Club Zero Bond. And whatever happens in the Club Zero Bond stays in the Club Zero Bond. And if you want to wine and dine the mayor and not do it under the electron microscope, that's where you go. Because you can get up there. You can bring the loot. And then it's the uh, Intel team that carries the loot back down into the SUV when they sail into the midnight. Actually, until the break of dawn. Show me the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I hear that again? Can I hear that again? Show me the money. That's all he says. Show me the money. When you uh, approach Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, he tells you very simply, Show me the money. He did that up in Albany when he was a state senator. You'd walk into his office. Show me the money. You'd be at Brooklyn Borough Hall when he was the Brooklyn Borough president before you could even shake his hand. Show me the money. And you'd have to open up that statue. And let me tell you something. It had to be American dollars, not uh, not uh, counterfeit. That'd be the real deal. And everywhere he goes. Show me the money. This is his calling card. Imagine. He walks into a dinner. He's there to cut, you know, the blue ribbon. He's there to give out certificates. And what does he tell the people that have invited him? Show me the money. The guy is motivated by the green in between, the scattle, the mula shmula, the <laughs> money. And if you notice that dopey white boy who got lured in by a honeypot... Sent by James O'Keefe. Oh, he's brilliant, James O'Keefe of uh, 
Project Veritas up in Westchester. Graduate of Rutgers, a Scarlet Knight, who has caught so many people on video saying things that they might have only whispered to themselves. But this stupid white boy from Manhattan who had been part of the advanced team of Eric Adams, remember he had been pistol whipped on one of his ventures outside of the Navy Yard, outside the projects. Two brothers surrounded him, one on a city bike, one came up behind him. They pulled him down. They said, your money or your life. He had no money, so they beat the living daylights out of him. And Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, said he's replaceable. So I think the guy had a grudge against her, and man, he dropped on big time as he was trying to impress this young lady at dinner by saying that Eric Adams is corrupt. How good a man who earned money only as a police officer with a pension and then a civil servant have amassed two and a half million dollars? Show me the money. Damn right. That's how he's done it. And that's what he's doing at the Club Zero Bond right now. They're all queued up. There's a line of the Bitcoin bandits, the cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers, the hedge fund monsters. And what is Eric Adams telling them? Show me the money. Now, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to save Sid Rosenberg. I hope you will join me and my uh, venture. I'm the man. It's called SSR. We must throw a lifeline out to save Sid Rosenberg from himself and from everyone else. It's another side of midnight, 77 WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. You got to know this about Sid Rosenberg. He really wanted to be born an Italian stallion. And even though I told him, that one of the roughest, toughest guys ever to live, Jake Lamont, who was uh, the focus of the movie. Oh, yeah, man. So good, right? With De Niro and Pesci. Remember that, right? Raging Bull. Maybe the number one movie of all time, according to uh, some uh, who have rated it. That it was really Jewish first and then Italian because his mother was Jewish. So I say that to Sid, but... He so desperately wanted to be Italian, so desperately. When he went to uh, Baruch College with his sharpened other two pencils uh, after leaving Poly Prep and I guess Midwood, who knows? Who knows the Michigash that uh, Sid has been through? But he really wanted to be an Italian stallion in the worst way. And I told him, man, you should be happy you were Jewish. You know, you should really be happy because if you were Italian stallion with the guys that you were hanging with, you'd have been dead and buried or doing triple life without parole. And then he nods his head and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's been on Gravesend, the uh, weekly program. He's in a brand new move, movie coming out. You know, the bar on Troy Avenue that uh, the Tester Brothers and Anthony Centaur and the... <laughs> Guys I grew up with that were a murder machine hung out uh, for a Curtis Lee with Booby Prize. What was the name of that bar? In fact, uh, 
Soon uh, the movie is coming out to a big screen near you. One of the stars is our own Sid Rosenberg, although he refused to play Mad Dog Chris Rosenberg. I said, play the character of the Jew. He said, no, 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 I want to be an Italian. Okay. Played some guy. I didn't even recognize who the guy was, some skinny baleni. But who knows? It may lead to uh, an Academy Award. That's right. For Sid Rosenberg. That's not the starring role, but uh, it is a... An essential role in this movie. The name of that part that I'm talking about, that gin mill where they used to take you, and after they uh, punctured your lungs a few times, they'd take you upstairs, and they'd uh, kashogi you as they'd hang you upside down, and you would bleed out right into the tub. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But I want to take you back, ladies and gentlemen, to Thursday morning. It seems like uh, it's been regular ever since Bernard McGurk uh, was not feeling well. I've been coming on Thursday mornings at 7.05. It's been pretty, pretty damn consistent. And I think my role is to bring... uh, Sid Rosenberg back to the promised land to get him out of the belly of the beast. I I, I want you to listen to the conversation we had as I I tried to do an intervention. Uh, If you listen to the station on the weekends, it's all him, which is good news. He also does a great show 12 to 1 every weekday afternoon. He has spent his life dedicating his time to protecting New Yorkers and he gets no money for it, and quite frankly, from some of you, very little respect. And he is, um, he's been a dear friend to me. He's one of the reasons why I'm back here in New York. So here he is, my good buddy, Ron Kuby. Good morning, Ron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whose mommy is a commie. Ron Kuby, whose mommy is a commie. Let me tell you something. What are you coming in with, uh, you two, in the name of love? There's yeah. no love here. Let me tell you something straight oh, up. Oh, you're not really mad at me, are you? It's vertical. Vertigo, their song Vertigo, because you, Sid Rosenberg, are giving me vertigo. I don't know which Sid Rosenberg I'm dealing with. I realize you continue to sit shiver. That's eight days, remember, eight days shiver, unless you're extending it. Right. I am extending it, but go ahead. Uh, I'm doing it twice. I'll bring you the hamantashen cookies, all right? (laughs) I understand all of this, but something has happened in you. Since Bernie has departed to Radio Heaven, he went right through the pearly cage. And I see my boy Lou has to sometimes smack you back. Like the other day, I'm listening in the morning. Like I listen every morning from 6 to 10. Got to listen. And I hear you talking about, I hate Kathy Crime Wave. Oh, come on, same thumbs up. But I don't know about Eric Adams. You know, I'm I'm wanting to like him. And then you asked Lou, and Lou said, yeah, it's like uh, picking between Mussolini and Hitler. Well, that, that, in terms of who, who you like better. Well, I'm not sure Lou's wrong. Look, all I'm saying is, I, right now, they're both horrible at their jobs. Horrible. And believe me, I mean this, if I had the opportunity to install you as the mayor today, I would do it. You would have been the better mayor. But you're not, okay? So, Hochul, I believe, is a lost cause. Adams, while he sucks, he sucks. I believe there is some hope. That's all I meant by that. Let me tell you something. I know from Intel... Yeah. Hush, hush, mush, mush. And I'm going to reveal to you at the end of this interview who has been a washwoman here at WABC, who's a male yenter, giving me all these details. They're setting you up for big sit-down at your favorite restaurant. Who's they? 
The Eric Adams team. Team Adams. The mayor's office. Of course. All right. And they know you, and they've studied you, and they listen to you intently because they take the notes. They know your favorite restaurant is Michael's. That's very good. Right across Flatbush, you go across Gil Hodges Bridge, right Avenue R. And so it's not too far from your house because you got to be up in the morning. You can't go to the Club Zero Bond, right? I mean, come That's on. not for me. No, no. <laughs> exactly. Years ago, yes. <laughs> Nowadays, no. And you can't go to Rayo's because Bodito is no longer so hot to trot. I, I give him credit for that he's, on he, Eric Adams. Oh, he's not all oh, right on Eric. That's right, right, right. He's right. not like he used to be. Right, he, he's right. he's become, what, what can we call it? That's because of me. I sound no, no, Give me yeah. some credit. But okay. he's a street guy. He understands. Yeah. Hasn't Eric Adams has not delivered in the streets. So I know that your very dear friend is Eric Ulrich. He used to be the city councilman for Howard Beach, especially. I keep saying Howard Beach. Well, let me just stop you for a second. There was a time when Eric and I were very close friends. Yes. In the days of, uh, I don't even think you like this lady, uh, Ariola. You don't. No, like no, I, I hate them all. Right, you like Paladino for some reason. He's also a psycho, by the way. But um, Ulrich uh, and I got close, and we had that big thing at Russo's uh, on the bay. Yeah, yeah Russo's. Yeah, sure. it was all the. In fact, that was the night they may have even announced what's his name. He ran the Republican Party. Now he ran for office. Uh, Nick Langworthy. So we got close, but then we weren't close when he started to work for Eric Adams. Now, I saw him and his girlfriend, who's very cute, by the way, in a bagel store in Rockaway. The schmear, right? Well, well, he was getting, what kind of schmear did he get? That tells you a lot <laughs> about the guy. Well, we had a nice little conversation, but that's been it Hold for like two second. years. So he's I'm not a, that close with Eric anymore. He's a neighbor of yours. He's the buildings commissioner, which, under any circumstance, is the most corrupt agency in the city of New York. And he's going to drive you. To Michaels. That's the way it's going to be. He's an Eric Adams Republican. He's he's already being paid by Eric Adams as a building commissioner. So Eric Ulrich is going to drive me? Yes, and talk to you and say, hey, look, we know, we know you can't support Eric Adams directly. We just want you to ease up. Ease up on the gas pedal. And you're going to walk into Richards. And sitting there at the main table, his table. Is Frank Caron his chief chief of staff? No, he's gone, Frank. I no, thought. no, he's gone January first. He's still there. <laughs> he's the chief of staff. He's right there, Marine Park, and all. See, I know these guys. I grew up with them. You know that, Sid. <laughs> I know all these guys. But what do you, what do you mean his table? Eric Adams has a table at Michael's. Uh, Frank Caron. Oh, Frank Caron. Does. That's right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we here, silent partners. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's go on to another subject. So there you walk in, and all of a sudden there's Eric Adams and Frank Caron saying, "Sid, welcome back to the." family welcome back to the family and i know who's organizing this behind closed doors no you don't you have no idea yes i do because you, think you know because frank morano the male yente here he he, he lets everything go uh, he he's like a washwoman you know you're you're very... about the frank morano is if he was ever taken captive by the russians yes he'd give it up in two seconds no torture he's a great guy he's a tremendous host by the way but you're right. He is like uh, like one of those ladies who plays Mahjong. On he's Tuesday a washwoman. Nights. There's yes. no, no other way to describe it, right? He's a male you're right. You're right. So he's already given away the fact that your very dear friend, your lifelong friend, a person who's been there for you through thick and thin, Arthur Idella. Oh, my God. You went with him to poly prep. His mother, who's Mashug, chasing me down Fifth Avenue, <laughs> saying, Why are you calling Mario Faccio Bruta Cuomo? Why? King Cuomo the first. The lady is out of her mind, right? Every time I'm in Bay Ridge, 
She's just running up and down, and she loves you. She worships you. She adores you. So I know Arthur is very friendly with Eric Adams and Frank Carroll, as he was with de Blasio. You gave him a pass on that. No, I didn't. I he, killed him for that. He's still friendly with Bill de Blasio. In fact, I saw him doing some uh, his cockamamie radio show, who I love, Arthur. He's, he's actually really talented, but uh, no one listens to that. Yeah, now, now de Blasio is, uh, is going to be a pain to the, the parents who spend like $100,000 right, to right. send their kids to NYU. Yeah. He's going to ruin that generation there. But Arthur was sitting outside. In like Times Square, a couple of nights. Of course, doing his show. I think Bill was even there. Of course, but he's the peacetime consigliere for Frank Caron and Eric Adams, and he arranged all this. And the idea is, it can't appear to be too obvious that all of a sudden you're in love with Eric Adams again, like when he was Brooklyn Borough President. He can't appear. I can't. Right. But they just right. want you to ease up off the gas. Don't be going for the jugular. Well, well, well stop you right there. Give, give me an example, then. Let's say that, um, first of all, this scenario, if it's true, is uh, I, can, I can see it. Just I can see it. Yes. So they went to you and they said, give me an example of something Sid says about us where you can kind of, like you're saying, take your foot off the gas. Sid, give me an example. Sid, you got to understand. Look at the analytics, right? They're going to yeah. do an Aaron Boone with you, right? <laughs> Look at the analytics. Hey, screw you, Aaron Boone. What about passion, right? <laughs> anyway, you caused me to digress. Right? We'll never win the World Series with Aaron Boone. It's always about the stats, the analytics. I hate this guy with a passion. <laughs> Let me get back on track. Okay, so now they're going to say to you, you can understand. Let me show you. There are only six felonies a day committed in the subway system that carries about three million people. It is your perception, Sid. Look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. And they'll say to you, hey, did you ever read the racing form? Right. And you'll say, of course I did when I played the ponies at the track. Isn't it all about the analytics, the numbers? Study the numbers. Now, Sid. Hold on a second. Aren't those numbers true? Aren't those numbers true? That there's only that amount of felons and those many millions do travel every day. Is that not true? I tell you what, Sid. Yeah. Uh, both you and Lou, after the show, why don't you take the A train back no. to Beach 116th Street no. and see if it's perception. <laughs> you know, last week it was raining so hard one day. Yes. And uh, even then I refused to take the train. I went on the damn ferry. It was like that movie Perfect Storm. Like the boat was up in the air. I thought I was going to die that day. I'd rather die in the cold waters on the ferry than take the I want to remind you, I want to take you back on the time machine. It was when I was running for mayor, and you were out in Coney Island and was pouring cats and dogs. It was a miserable day. Oh, I was staying at my apartment, 22A, at the beautiful Ocean Drive buildings that John Katzmatidis owns. And you told me, you said, I'm going to take the D train into the studio. And what did I tell you? Stop! You did. I'm coming to pick you up. I got to hit the Cary housing projects where the bloods. (laughs) About 50 bloods were having a, a commemoration and a memorial for one of their dead blood gang members. I went in there and gave them the malukia, and then I came across, and it was raining. I said, Sid, you can't take a D-train. Come with us. Come with us. You did do that. You were nervous at my walk even to Stillwell Avenue. Oh, my uh... God. I was nervous <laughs> for you on the D-train. Do you know the D-train is now rated by the strap hangers, the commuters? The worst subway line of the many bad subway it's lines in the city. It's even worse than the L train? Yeah, it's D, D for danger and D for dirty. It's always <laughs> dirty. Nobody ever cleans it up. You know, guys, uh, they're having a good time on the D train, and the maintenance guy doesn't even want to come in and clean it up. Sort of like that scene in Taxi Driver. Remember at the end of his shift when Tra- Travis Bickle has to clean up the back seat of his cab? <laughs> My God, it's miserable, the D train. Up to 205th and Perry Avenue, Coney Island. Stillwell Avenue, 
Remember, I came and I saved yes, you that you one. Did. You would have yes. never made it here to the studio. <laughs> they would have stuck to shiving you so many times. You know how many homeless people, emotionally disturbed people, go back and forth on the D train? I don't know. No, I don't take the But train. it's the perception, Sid. You don't understand. <laughs> Look at the analytics. That's what they're going to try to uh, sort of get That's you funny. to... Get you to understand their point of view. It was it was brilliant what you just. Did. They're gonna work it you was, over. They're gonna work you over. I sure. heard this yesterday on your show too, which I love twelve to one every day. This was brilliant how you laid it out this morning. So now that you laid all this out, yes, and you may be right, all of it. I don't think you are, but you may be. Uh, when in fact I get the call to make this meeting happen, there's not going to be a gun in the bathroom, by the way. Should I do it or should I not? What you, what's your recommendation? No, no, you should do it. Uh, wait a second. You I should do it? Intel. Intel, you understand? I need you to go inside the belly of the beast. Be nice. Uh, be um, uh, be very uh, very flexible in terms of your performance. <laughs> and you bring the intel back. Now, look, there is a show between your show and my show in the afternoon. And that gives everyone a chance to take a deep breath. Because after I listen to you every Monday through Friday from 6 to 10, I am so fired up when I come on right after O'Reilly from 12.15 to 1. I think I'm going to dedicate all 45 minutes to critiquing your love affair, your renewed love affair with Eric Adams. Oh, my God. When I saw that picture you took with Eric Adams right before the start of the Columbus Day Parade, it went viral. People would, and they sent it to me, and I said, oh, my God, look at, look at the look on Eric Adams' face, right? He's got his finger up, thumbs up, and I said, in his mind, he's saying, I got this cracker back. I got this cracker right back where he needs to be. Oh, I need you to go my. to this meeting. I need you to do intel. Okay. All right. Well, you would. I, I will. I promise you this. You will be the first, even before John Katzmatidis. You'll be the first person. I. By call. the way, let me tell you something about Eric Adams that I give him a thumbs up for. Really? If I ever get kicked out of my house by yeah. Nancy, which is always a possibility, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, I've Not a possibility, out. a probability. I'm going to Randall's Island. Man. <laughs> They got the lounge, they got the Xbox, they got the 72-inch, big-screen, pleasant TV. Guy can't even speak a word of English, right? They're from Venezuela, they're going, yeah, you go Chavez, you go Chavez. And look at that, three hots in a cot, they do their laundry, they bring it to them. It's like being at the old World War for story the Plaza oh, Hotel. No. And best yet, there are baseball fields there. There's only one positive here. The Mets scouts and the Yankee scouts... You got 500 single able-bodied <laughs> Venezuelans who love baseball. Oh, There's got to be a few catchers, pitchers, gotta utility be. players. Got to be. Try them out on the baseball fields of Randall's Island. Let's get let's get <laughs> some value for our dollar. This is crazy, Sid. You know the other homies who were there in the homeless shelter. They're looking like what? That's why they got the National Guard there. Because these homies are gonna bum rush that place. Take the Xbox phones. They got international cell phones. <laughs> Who has only drug dealers have international cell phones, Sid? And only two people showed up yesterday. They get the bus. Two people got oh, off the bus. Oh, my God. You got to stop. I'm begging you. Please, please. You got to take this sit right, down. I'll, and take, I'll take the meeting. Can you wear a wire for me? Come no, on, man. I know it's I'm going to draw the line right no, there. No, no, no. You know, right <laughs> yeah. by your testicles. That's where you put the wire. <laughs> They'll never know because they're not going to. They're not going to pull your chain. No, that they won't do. That, that's right. that's not a sign of respect, man to man. If they pull your chain, then you're in trouble. You see, I'm working it. I'm working it, Broadway Billy. I got him. I I, I had him like halfway. Medze medze, poco poco. Here he is, the uh, the mayor of New York City. Our old friend Eric Adams. Eric, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, pal. 
And that's not the PAL, no, Police Athletic League. Good morning, pal. I got my uh, my tentacles out there because, you know, that's where I'm strong in Brooklyn, real strong. I was at Avenue U uh, the other night for the Russians who were running for office as Republicans for Assembly State Senate. And they couldn't believe. They, they listened to Sid Rosenberg religiously, 6 to 10, Monday through Fridays in the morning. He said, we couldn't understand Sid. I said, what you got to do is, because you're Russian Jews, you got to light the Chavez candles on Friday and stir the Empire kosher chicken. You really do. Pray to Torah, do your Torah and Talmud, Davin. And if you happen to be uh, Catholics out there, you got to light your uh, novena candles on uh, Monday. And hope we I can. throw Sid in the Hudson. <laughs> hope we can get this guy back. Our number is 1 800 849 222. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. I'm too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love, love's going to leave. You know, this should have been uh, Sid Rosenberg's theme song. He's like a peacock. You know, he flexes. He's in the gym. He loves to flex that... uh, So we were playing uh, at the uh, New York Mets uh, minor league field about two summers ago for a charity of Sid Rosenberg's. It involves his son. I'm the man. Yeah, you're the man, all right. And we're in the field there. We're playing softball, and Sid is walking around with no shirt on. Who was that person? I want to beat him up. Flexing. Flexing. Like a peacock. Oh my God! I gotta, I gotta save this guy from himself, and then from crawling into the belly of the beast. But anyway, let's go to Frankie in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard. Yeah, WABC, Frankie. Curtis, how are you, my friend? I've had better days, Frankie. I'm living in the last American Italian to live in East Flatbush for 64 years now. Wow, East Flatbush, that is a rough area. How did you survive? I survived. I'm on 49th and Forster. Ooh, I'm out of mind. You're a brave man. Uh, the people are Caribbean. They're not that bad. Nah, but, you know, some of the young bloods, uh, they have respect for nobody. You, Caribbean, West Indian, African-American. So watch your back, Frank. Watch your back. Uh, everybody knows me. Anyway... I spent a, a few nights in that bar when I was 16 years old. Thank God I didn't know what was going on there, and I never went back there again. The Gemini Lounge. That's right, the Gemini Lounge, right on Troy Avenue. Uh, in fact, uh, there'll be a premiere taking place. Uh, you'll uh, be able to see uh, Sid walk the red carpet. Apparently, uh, according to people that I've talked with, uh, it's a lot better done. It's not quite Goodfellas. It certainly isn't Godfather. It's not Casino. But it's relatively well made, Frank. And they say that uh, Sid Rosenberg's part, he really comes across like a supreme cuisine at the Gemini Lounge. And, by the way, um, we usually have an Italian 
Yeah. yeah, so very. I think he might be the first Jewish guy at yeah. the at I'm more the table. Italian than all you put together. I'm not a good Jewish guy. I, 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 I was in Brooklyn during the John Travolta era. I was so mad at my parents for being Jewish. I'm like, what are you doing to me? All my friends are polyphrasing myself or Italians. What have you done to me? Sidney Rosenberg, come on. Now I'm an actor. Now he's playing Italian and everything. Now he's an actor. He's a Tesbian, Frank. And actually. According to people who rate uh, actor and actress performances, he's done a very good job, Frankie. Curtis, I got a question for you. I'm I'm going to guarantee you will probably answer it. I was watching a series from the late 70s, early 80s, that the star mentions the guardian angels. If you don't know who it is, I'll give you a hint. Do you know who it is? No, no. There have been a few different programs that have had guardian angels in it, but give me, uh, give me a hint. The guy was born in Forest Hills, Queens. Oh, the guy was born in Forest Hills, Queens. You got me. Who is it? Michael Landon, Highway to Heaven. Oh, Michael Landon, who then uh, moved to uh, Jersey down in Camden County. I think it was Cherry Hill. You're right. You're absolutely right. You have not only gotten uh, me... Uh, by uh, throwing a trivia question at me that I deflected, but you got <laughs> the answer to the Gemini Lounge. So, wow, that we, we should really make that a double booby prize. Plus, you're a survivor right there in East Flatbush. <laughs> That's rough stuff. So, hey, Frankie, stay on the line. Stay on the line, Frankie. Avery, take good care, Frankie. God, a guy lives in East Flatbush there, man. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> and he, he's an old timer too. Anyway, let's go if we can to uh, Jim, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jim. I just want to say that your description of Steve Bannon was really funny, really funny. Well, he is. Look at him. He looks like a scuzzball. I mean, my God, get the hose, hose the guy down. I mean, does he does he ever bathe? I mean, here, everybody here at WABC, they, like, worship this scuzzball. And I'm like, would you would you be talking about a homeless guy like that in the train? <laughs> Take a freaking bath. Change your clothes. I don't know how people get near this guy, but if he smells anywhere like he looks. You know, Pepe Le Pew, you remember the skunk Pepe Le Pew? <laughs> Oh my God! And then he's got that that greasy stuff in his hair. <laughs> my God, oh my! You know, there are probably bed bugs in his hair. God, four months in camp fed, and at least they'll be forcing him to take showers. They'll hose him down. They'll check all of his cavities, if you know what I mean, to make sure that nothing's hiding in there. Man, sight. Just go to a, a comedy club and just do that, that, that routine about Steve Adams. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't understand. Like he, he's like, what? An, an untouchable here at WS. Who the hell is Steve Adams? He's a crook. He took money to finish the Trump wall at the border, and they never did anything with it. Show me the money. Show me the money, Steve Adams. You're a crook. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The language used by Curtis Sliwa is replete with spoonerisms, malaprops, and fractured phrases, and is not a reflection of the language that you should use in your normal conversations. It is Sliwanics. And a glossary of its words and definitions are posted on WABCRadio.com. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. This was the uh, one-hit wonder by Eddie Murphy, who left Joe Piscopo, his very dear friend at Saturday Night Live, went on a sabbatical for a year up to Orchard Park outside of Buffalo, which is where the Buffalo Bills play, and they'll have a new uh, stadium uh, based on the uh, generosity of we, the taxpayers, who got to pay over a billion dollars for a new stadium that we don't want, that nobody wants. But not far from uh, the Buffalo Bills Stadium, best known because of the exploits of O.J. Simpson. Oh, yeah. O.J. played there. Number 32 was uh, the Palazzo, the mansion of Rick James. Rick James was Mr. Buffalo. And for a while, he was the number one R&B guy in America. You know, with the greasy uh, Jerry Curls and the Mary Jane Girls. And a guy who would do keys of cocaine. I mean, sometimes he would show up at a performance and he had white powder all over his nose. I mean, this guy was addicted to coke. And a lot of people think that's why Eddie Murphy went up there because, man, coke flowed back then. But he also wanted to become a number one singer. And this this song actually became number one briefly. On American Bandstand, Pick It or Pan It, Dick Clark. And yes... On Don Cornelius says, Soul So Eddie Murphy was somewhat like uh, Michael Jordan, who left the NBA in his prime with the Chicago Bulls because obviously he was a degenerate gambler. We're going to be talking about casinos in Times Square coming up, and especially the impact on the other uh, degenerate gambler, not Michael Jordan. No, 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 no. Uh, Frank Morano. Uh, shooting craps at the Borgata, snoring, snoring on opportunity to shoot craps. Well, we'll get into that, especially if a casino license is granted to Caesars in Las Vegas that is partnered up with a real estate firm. You will be very interested to know who the owner of that real estate firm is partnering up with Caesars. And I ask this, when you go to Times Square, if in fact they ever get the license, and they put up the statue like they have of uh, Caesar in Vegas on the Strip. You know, right next to uh, the naked cowboy and the naked cowgirl. Oh, my God, the naked cowgirl. Oh, God. And then all the nudistas, you know, the women with no uh, no clothes on who are painted 
blue and red, the illegal aliens that they are. They live in Passaic with the cartoon characters and the superheroes ripping you off for a photo, right, right, in Times Square. You know, Black Lives Matter, which is now big, large mansions, is going to try to rip down Caesar's statue. You know that. Because Caesar had slaves. Although I think they were Slavic in origin. I'm not quite sure because, remember, the Ides of March. They did them in. Ides of March, right? So for a Curtis Lee Booby Prize, who was, uh, who were the two senators of the Senate in Rome who stuck the shivs into Caesar in the Ides of March? And what date... Did the eyes of March fall on? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Ah. <laughs> oh, this is too much. This should become the theme song for Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan. He's uh, appeared with Chris Wallace. Yeah, I thought Chris Wallace went away. You know, he's no Mike Wallace, that's for sure. I mean, I saw Mike Wallace on 60 Minutes. Chris Wallace is no Mike Wallace. But he's doing some kind of a trendy celebrity show now. It's going to be on HBO this weekend. In which Eric Adams, a swagger man with no plan, brags about how he can party until the break of dawn, only get four hours of sleep, and then be at the wheel meeting uh, with city leaders and business leaders at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm saying to myself, no, 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 look, I know how to stay awake. But you need a little help if you're going to be doing that all the time. Right now, he's in the club Zero Bond. Whatever happens at this uh, private club stays in this private club. But if you want a wine, dine, and pocket line, Eric Adams, that's where you go because nobody's going to know when you show up with the bag of loot, and then you leave. And then you you get whatever it is you're there to wine, dine, and pocket line him and his cronies with. But the reason that there are so many private clubs, that there used to be four private clubs in New York, all spread out. There are now 24. Yeah, yeah, Broadway Billy, you thought you were hip on that. There are 24 private clubs in which you pay $10,000 for a yearly membership. If you pay a little more, you're entitled to bring guests from time to time, but they have to be vetted. So the, the mayor is does not have a $10,000 pass, a yearly uh, membership. But he's always somebody's guest when he goes to Club Zero Bond. And the reason that so many have proliferated is a lot of the uh, guys who go and the gals who go, they work at Wall Street. They, they roll right out the door 5 o'clock because, remember, the international markets are open in Asia and Europe. So they're at their desk 4 or 5 in the morning, and they need a little toot, you know, to keep going. They've been partying all night, right? So whether it's a two to cocaine or Adderall, Adderall, very popular. Because if you have attention deficit disorder, people take Adderall. In fact, so many people are taking Adderall now with a prescription or in the black market that the FDA has said there's not enough Adderall. There's a shortage of Adderall. So I'm betting that the mayor and his cronies either toot a little bit of cocaine since he's hanging out with French Montana. Uh, who is a uh, coke boy. Remember, uh, he is a drug dealer who got busted with a key and, remember, got shot in the head in a drug deal gone bad. And uh, he owns a record label. And, Broadway Bill Lee, you never spun those stacks of wax over there at uh, WCBS-FM, you know, from the coke boys. No, 
No, no, I'm not talking the brothers, you know, who made billions. Uh, I'm talking Coke, Kukina. Oh, my God. Ah, and I think I'm going to demand after the first of the year, if Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, continues to drag our city right into the abyss, that he's got to take a drug test. He really does. Because uh, you can't do this naturally, you know. You can't pop a vegetable energy drink in the morning. <laughs> and, and, I mean, percolate for 20 hours a day. It's impossible. you got to have an edge. Now for another Curtis Sleeve Booby Prize. Congressman John Lewis, when he was first running for the congressional seat in Atlanta, was running against a stately African-American, a patrician, the first African-American member of the state legislature in Georgia. And at their final debate, it was like neck and neck in the polls, John Lewis told this guy, this guy he had known for 20 years, had been involved in the civil rights battles, here are the results of my test for cocaine. Are you prepared to take a whiz test right now? And let's see if you have a cocaine problem. Well, let's just say... They weren't friends after that. And John Lewis went on to become the congressman representing that area. But who is that stately African-American who had made history by being the first African-American elected state legislature since the end of the Civil War? uh, Remember, everything changed at the end of the Civil War until all of a sudden it changed back. Reconstruction, you had blacks who were part of the state legislature back then, and then all of a sudden, it reverted. Who is that person I'm talking about who was so devastated and humiliated and mortified that his long-term friend in the civil rights struggle, who won the seat and became Congressman John Lewis, would ask him to take a drug test and show his own drug test and the results right there in the final moments of the debate? That's pretty slick. But everybody knew his adversary was dabbling with the kukina. Yep, yep, that was word, word in the upper echelon uh, that this uh, state senator hung out with. He was not a street guy like John Lewis, but he was a upper echelon African-American. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Wow. This is interesting because after uh, Eric Adams in a few uh, hours hosts a mayoral summit on crime and criminal justice, and remember he said that we only have a perception of crime. Remember he said that. I don't know how all of a sudden this has become a crime emergency. Hey, you got to have a summit. And then at 2 o'clock, he and Kathy Crimewell Hochul, Crime Wave Hochul, will... Um, be at the um, number one Vanderbilt subway entrance located at East 42nd Street. No, 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 between Madison and Vanderbilt. That's not the number one chain. I'm sorry. That's uh, We're talking the four, five, six. That's right, right downstairs in the seven train. So they're going to Grand Central, and they're going to have some kind of announcement uh, about uh, subway safety. Maybe Governor Hoku will be doing those PSAs. Like the uh, police commissioner, Sewell. Oh, my God, please spare us. What is so Hello. bad? I'm NYPD Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell. 
New York relies on its subway system like no other city in the nation. And your NYPD officers are working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to keep it safe. Enjoy your ride. And thank you for choosing Mass Transit. Yeah, put on a bulletproof vest. You know, there's a guy down in uh, Chambers Street there with the samurai sword at rush hour in the morning. Just trying to chop off people's heads. Yeah, I try to enjoy my ride. Don't fall asleep. You never know what you're going to wake up to. This woman is too much. So uh, she had visited 53rd and uh, Lexington, the station that uh, connects the E to the 6th, where uh, two Saturdays ago, a teenage guy had been surrounded by six uh, guys, all dressed the same, like ninjas. You know, black hoodies, black masks, black pants, black uh, sneakers. And they robbed him, and then they stabbed him a few times, left him to die. Luckily, he survived the process. They haven't made any arrests since. And she decided she was going to ride the subway. She was going to see for herself. She was with the transit police uh, chief, who is a uh, person of no consequence. He's a real failure. And they decided to ride one stop from 53rd in Lexington on the 6th down to Grand Central. She was getting so many complaints from the strap hangers. They only allowed three media outlets to follow them. Channel 7 Eyewitness News, AM New York, the newspaper, and WINS 1010. Wouldn't allow any of the other media. And oh my, it was so embarrassing, she decided to leave the station after one stop. Because she couldn't deal with the heat. Hello, I'm NYPD Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell. New York relies on its subway system like no other city in the nation. And your NYPD officers are working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to keep it safe. Enjoy your ride, and thank you for choosing Mass Transit. Now, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, doesn't that reassure you when you're taking uh, the uh, subway ride that the uh, police commissioner are making these... uh PSA statements both on the platform and in the moving subway cars. Doesn't that reassure you that you're safe and secure? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, this woman, they have so isolated at one police plaza, they don't permit her to meet with any of the chiefs, any of the deputy chiefs. Her only role now is on Sunday. She has to meet with Phil Banks, who's lucky to not be in jail. He's the deputy mayor for public safety. Years ago, he was an unindicted co-conspirator in a police corruption case, and he decided to become a CI confidential informant and rat on the other guys to avoid going to jail himself. He's in charge of public safety for the city of New York as the deputy mayor. He meets with Sewell on Sundays, and I'm hoping... Broadway Bill Lee that it's at church. And it's not at a no-tell motel Holiday Inn Express. I really, I, I hope they meet in the pews in church, you know, and discuss what has to be done for the public safety of the citizens of New York. Our number is one 800 And this is Eric Adams. I want you to hear him talk about how we should be doing the Tarantella. We should be doing the horror. We should be doing the Crip Dance and celebrating the fact that there are six felonies a day in the subway system. Yes, we must deal with the six felony crimes that happen on our subway every day. 
But we have to celebrate the 3.5 million people that ride that subway every day and get to their place of destination with no problems at all. Uh, Avery, uh, our telephone talent coordinator, will you uh, be uh, dancing the Tarantella, the horror, the crypt dance in celebration that you are not one of the victims of six felony violent crimes that are committed each day in the subway system. Uh, are you prepared to celebrate that fact, Avery? Well, look, it's, um, again, like, this is one of those things where he needs somebody like monitoring what he says. But, uh, I mean, you embrace life. I mean, I, I don't know what to say with him, man. I, I'm, I'm trying to help him out, but I just... Uh, I understand his complexion is his protection with you. See, you you never talk talk up above, uh, against the brothers. It's always the McWhitey Whiteys. No, no, no. We, no we, we, we try, but... If you don't give us, if you don't give us something, sometimes you gotta cut a brother loose, man. I understand. Well, let me let me hear this again. He said this at the Italian Heritage um, gathering he had at Gracie Mansion. It was a night after the Christopher Columbus Day Parade. He had all these uh, Italian Americans, Democrats and Republicans there, and they were applauding him like seals. I, I guess they don't take the subways. Well. Knowing who some of them are, they don't. Uh, let's see. There was the uh, Eric Adams Republican, Joe Borelli, the minority leader of the city council from South Shore of uh, Staten Island. He doesn't take the subway. No freaking way. And Joanne Ariola, who was like, might as well have been tongue-kissing uh, Eric Adams in her introduction of it. Oh, he's on me. He's so good. Ooh. She doesn't take the subway from Howard Beach. You saw the last woman to take the subway at Howard Beach, right? Elizabeth Gomez? You 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 check out Elizabeth Gomez, right? Joanne Ariola. Maybe you should go talk to Elizabeth Gomez in Far Rockaway, mother of five, who almost got killed by that maniac at the Howard Beach station of the A-train. Do you know how scared I am now? I was never a person to be scared. I can't see anything on my right side, honestly. And it just hurts. It's an incident in the subway. What happened to all these police officers? They said they will have there to protect us, to be there. There's like nobody to be found. I, I don't understand. Hello, I'm NYPD Commissioner Kishant Sewell. New York relies on its subway system like no other city in the nation. And your NYPD officers are working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To... No cops at that station when she got that beat down. By the way, she said she never saw cops there or on the train, the A train coming from Far Rockaway. Yeah. Do you think that announcement of the police commissioner Sewell at the Howard Beach station would have scared this maniac away? Do you know that Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, has never visited this mother in Far Rockaway with the five kids who will probably lose an eye if a uh, upcoming surgery is not successful in saving that eye. Imagine, he'll be at the Club Zero Bond, but he can't schlep out to Far Rockaway uh, to meet with the mother and the husband and the kids. Uh, no, because she said bad things about him, right? So, oh, man, you know, it's, it's affecting my ego. I'm not coming out there. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC.
Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Time to party hardy. It's cool. You know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> cool and again. that one time that Eric Adams, the swagger man, went out to L.A. He was on Hollywood Boulevard going from fundraiser to fundraiser, being wine-dined and pocket-lined. And he told his staff, one day, one day, you're going to look down and see a Hollywood star, Eric Adams, president of the U.S. of A. This is so good. So good. He was making mad money. What's up with that, Avery? Really? We don't have guests here on the Curtis Sleewood. What, is he mad crazy? You know, look, other programs have guests. They do it a lot better than I do. I talk to our listeners who are our callers. <laughs> oh, he's calling the Frank Morano Show, the worst side of the other side of midnight. Tell him. Psych. Wrong morning. <laughs> Oh, wow. You know, this is probably arranged by Jennifer Grodd. She is a celebrity uh, a booker of guests. She probably gave him the wrong information. Because, you know, Frank, he's the great interviewer here at WABC. Uh, almost won a Marconi Award. Didn't quite. He said they booked it August 9th. 
Frank Moreno is a pathetic excuse for a man. Now, it had to be legit. How could he have called in, write an author on the guest line? We don't give the guest line number out. So they booked this on August 9th. They gave him this date. Jennifer Grodd, the celebrity booker, and Frank the Mamaluke Morano. At 1.30 a.m., the guy is supposed to be on. What, what's he going to talk about? Do you know what book it is? Uh, I'm, I, I got him on hold. <laughs> good, good. So please find out what the book is. Because uh, maybe I'll do the guy a solid here. I mean, I feel bad for the guy that Jennifer Grodd is leaving him hanging. They said call in three months at 1.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! And what about Alex? You know the brown news, uh, brown nose producer of the Frank Morano show. He's got his schnoz all the way up Frank's tuchus. They they tell this guy call three months later, and on the exact day, the exact moment he called, could you find out what, what his book is about? Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm all right. Man. You you do that. We'll, we'll leave you to have a discussion with this guy. Man. Hey, Michael. That's right, Michael. Now, it's got to be legit, ladies and gentlemen. This is like uh, this is like the uh, secret telephone uh, from the White House to NORAD. You know, uh, SAC Air Force Command out in Omaha. Nobody has this number except if you are a guest. And even the telephone talent coordinators don't have the number. It is a number that only Jennifer Grodd, she is our celebrity booker. Uh, she books for all the shows, for Sid Rosenberg in the morning, 6 to 10. And then she books for uh, Michael Baticic, Rudy Giuliani from 3 to 4. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, who I just uh, eviscerated uh, last week. Uh, he's on in a few hours from 7 to 10. And she has... Uh, Gotten yes for Rita Cosby, who's on from uh, 10 to 12. And, of course, Frank Morano on the worst side of the other side of midnight. So, Mike, what what did you find out, Avery? What did you find out? Well, his name is uh, M.R. Gorga. M.R. Gorga. His book is Demons Among Us. Demons Among Us. Boy, the, shocking, I... the shocking real-life stories from the paranormal. Well, that sounds like a Frank Morano. Yeah, it's right up your alley, too, man. <laughs> <laughs> Three months ago, they booked this. Three months ago. Oh, my God. They said, don't worry, man. We got everything. We got it together here. Just call in three months at 1.30 a.m., and we'll put you right on. Uh, now you know why I call that the worst side of the other side of midnight. It's not pro style. Uh, it's JV. You know, junior varsity. Oh, oh, well, yeah, well, you hook him into uh, that, that guest, okay? Maybe he can have a conversation from his house there in the South Shore of Staten Island, you know. Oh, my God. How embarrassing. How embarrassing for WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation, with the iconic call letters, WABC. Rescued by our owner-operator, John, and Margot Katsimatidis of our parent company, Red Apple Media. This may be the darkest day of our radio broadcasting life in 100 years. We just celebrated our 100th anniversary. Imagine this guy, Gorka, 
No, 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 no. Not the former uh, advisor to Donald Trump, who now you see on talk TV and talk radio. Not Gorko. My name is Gorko. Not that guy. I don't know what the hell they put him on the radio for. I can't even understand two words that he says. My name is Sebastian Gorka. It's not Sebastian Gorka, right? It's not him, because he's always shilling a book. He's always trying to make money shilling something, you know, snoring something. So let me get this straight, Avery, because this is really a dark day in the annals of WABC. I am humiliated. <laughs> on behalf of the owners and the operators here of WABC, that on our hotline, our guest hotline, by the way, I'm telling you, it's like the SAC Air Force Command line between uh, the general in charge. There's always a general 24 hours a day, and let's say in this case the president of the United States calling from the White House, although if it was Joe Biden, I don't think he's capable of calling. It might have to be his wife, Joe Biden. But anyway... The only, you don't even have that number, right, uh, Avery? You don't have the guest number. No. It's a number that only Jennifer Grodd, our celebrity booker, has. And that's how you know it's legit when the person calls that line. It's a red phone. It has a light on top. And it beeps and it blares. And we never have that ring on the weekends, 12 to 6. Uh, Saturday mornings, 12 to 6, uh, Sunday mornings, I keep you up to the break of dawn. And as you know, I don't do guests. Uh, I talk to the people. Uh, I find that I get far more from our listeners than I do from guests. Now, there are others who do uh, guests much better than I do. That's why I was surprised. I I thought you had a guest. Now, come on. I know. That's why I was so surprised. There was only (laughs) one guest I ever had, right? One guest. (laughs) When I was uh, substituting for Frank Morano, who uh, took, what, three vacations in like a two-month period of time, and I told uh, John Katzmatidis and Chad Lopez, uh, president of Red Apple Media, he, he Frank gave him them a list of 72 people to substitute for him while he was away with his wife, Rachel, and young Carmine. 72 people, every one of them at one point or another had worked at WABC and had been fired. So when they, they ran the list by me, I said to them, Broadway Bill Lee, I said, no, 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 no. They, none of these are good. I'll do it. They said, you sure? I said, of course. If he's going to give up the, the talk radio real estate, man, I'm just going to buy it up and take it. And now I see the Surgeon General has just published a report that people who work in traumatic workplaces, you know, where there's a lot of trauma, should take a lot of mental health time off. I'm welcoming everybody here who has a show. Take time off, and I will take that time from you. Oh, God. So, oh, uh, I digress. So they wanted to keep the same format going. When Frank Marano was here, he has a lot of guests. So I tell Jennifer Grodd, what do you got? The celebrity uh, uh, radio, talk radio booker. And she goes, oh, I got this guy who's an expert on Sasquatch. He's just written a new book, and uh, he would love to come on the radio. And he was staying in Kodiak, Alaska, and he said that he had been in Morocco researching Sasquatch. No, not Sasquatch. Excuse me, the Loch Ness Monster. And I said, but that's in Scotland. That's not far from Glasgow, where I was. I have a little subway there in Glasgow. 
And he was on with me for 20 minutes. I don't think you were our telephone talent coordinator that uh, morning, uh, Avery, nor were you uh, at the uh, at the controls. It was Matt Blaze, uh, the guy who clearly is a fugitive from law, and I think Alex, the brown-nosed producer. And I talked to the guy for 20 minutes. I asked him, first off, was he hand-fishing for the salmon in Kodiak, Alaska? He had no... Uh, no sense of humor whatsoever. And then, after 20 minutes, and I talked about the Marrakesh Express in Morocco, how a lot of uh, North Americans and Europeans went there uh, to score hash. He had no sense of humor. And then he drops the bomb on me and after 20 minutes, and he goes, I got to be perfectly honest here with you, Curtis Lee, there is uh, no Loch Ness Monster. There is no evidence of a Loch Ness Monster. And I introduced him to Mr. Click, and I said I would never, ever interview a guest again just because I'm substituting for another show, which is guest-driven. And Jennifer Grodd won't talk to me since. She said, oh, my God, do you know who you hung up on? This is the number one expert on the Loch Ness Monster in the world. I said, Jennifer, do me a solid. Don't ever call me again. The Loch Ness Monster, huh? Yeah, Loch Ness Monster. They thought that was a good guest. On the Boogeyman. This is the guy who saw the Boogeyman. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my God. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Carmine in Linden, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carmine. Mr. Curtis Lewa, I want to say something to you. You're the only, you're the only man, you're the only man that I would ever wait an hour and ten minutes to speak to because I respect the heck out of you. Thank so you. I want to get Thank that you. point across first. Thank you. Next point, I want your listeners that are still on the phone to know that I never met you. I don't know you. What I'm about to say is is from the heart. And it's just out of respect, and I think it's important. And that's why I waited an hour and ten minutes for Avery to get get me through. And I respect what he does. I, 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 nobody there knows me from Adam, so I, I don't mind the wait. I'm 73 years old. I'm only a little older than you. I go back to uh, to down neck north, the Ironbound, the next when the Tony Imperial out of Bloomfield Avenue. Uh, a lot of my buddies were a part of his Raiders and, and involved with Tony and Perial. I live out, we talked about this one other time when I called you. I live outside of Avenel. I live in Rowway, the North State, outside the prison. I got involved when the Scared Straight program was going on. I wasn't in it. I'm, not, I'm no angel or guardian angel, but I took young people through and I saw the effect that those those men had on those. At points, there were times where they thought uh, we had left them, and they thought they were going to be killed inside the prison. It really had a great effect on them. But let me tell and uh, just to answer, I've been on so long that I heard three trivia questions. I'd be honored to wear your beret or a hat with the best side of midnight on it. Uh, but one of the questions, I can answer part of it. I, I, always, I always say it, two days before St. Patty's Day, March the 15th, beware the Ides of March, was, was the saying. Beware the Ides of March, March 15th. And I'm not looking for the booby prize, but like I said, I'd be honored to wear it. Now let me, let me get to my, to my final point, which regards you. 
I started listening to you after listening to Cousin Brucey, who I loved and adored. Again, I'm 73 years old. I listened to Cousin Brucey for years and years. And then Tony Orlando, without Dawn, I, I started advertised by, by the, the Bean Company, I call them. The point being that then I found Mr. Curtis Sliwa, who lost the New York mayoral race to the fool that's in there right now. Okay? I'm not going to use any profanity. I'm an old-time Italian guinea. Okay? My father was Italian. My mother was Italian. I know your mom was Italian. Your dad was Polish working on the waterfront. At one point in my life, I was uh, I worked the port in New York and New Jersey. I worked at a Red Hook. I worked a lot of tough areas. My son lives in Staten Island right now. He gets on the Staten Island ferry, the free ferry, and then he takes to Midtown. He's a server, and he takes the, uh, the subway to, to Midtown, right to Fifth Avenue. Uh, I worry about him every day. He's 38 years old. He can take care of himself, but I worry about him every day. I told him, don't wear any kind of good jewelry or anything. He says, Dad, don't, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm fine. I said, I know you can take care of yourself. But the, the, the idiots that are out there, remember, you don't have Curtis Sliwa. You don't have Mr. Curtis Sliwa uh, taking care of New York City. You have, you have people that don't give a damn. So take care of yourself. Son, I, I don't want to hear uh, that, that you were beat up or something. He said, don't worry about it, Dad. I am convinced that the people of New York, if they listen to this show, and I'm from Jersey, but I, 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 I like I say, I venture into New York, and my son goes works in New York every day, living in Staten Island. I'm convinced that we wouldn't be dealing with... The mayor is right and he's wrong. Uh, he's right in that historically crime is down. But government's number one job is not only to keep citizens safe, it's to keep people feeling safe. It is the perception that you go into the subway and you take your life in your hands because there are these crazies that kind of still roam free in the subway and they, they frighten riders, they scare people. There should be much more aggressive and visible law enforcement. Where are the guardian angels from days of yore, Curtis Lewa and the guys mm -hmm. with their berets and their red jackets? I want to see them. I want to see more good guys on the subway. Make people feel that they, the subway is the artery of the city. If the arteries, uh, you know, clog, then the city stops. We really have to do more and make people know that we are doing more and that they yeah. feel a sense of security. You know, I went out uh, while Carmine was talking, giving us his Wikipedia life story. I, I made a liverwurst sandwich. I ate the whole liverwurst sandwich. It is not easy making a liverwurst sandwich. You know, if you don't, you don't slice it the right way. You walk to the deli to get the liverwurst. <laughs> I'm telling you, I went around the block. I was hungry. I figured Carmine, he, man, he, he's a real male yenta. He's still talking. But Geraldo had to sort of interject. So Geraldo, who went out on patrol with us, the Guardian Angels, in 1979 with his uh, brother Craig, who happens to be uh, 68 also, born in 1954, Craig. And he did a piece for 2020. Remember, ABC's 2020. And so he's always been a supporter. So uh, when it was brought to my attention that Geraldo said that on the Fox News Channel the other day, I sent him a picture of me 
and the guardian angels in Far Rockaway patrolling uh, when that 15-year-old kid was shot at Mont Avenue in Far Rockaway. No cops. No cops. And that's rough out there. And I said, Geraldo, you and Craig are welcome to come with us to patrol anytime. And Geraldo said, we're going to set it up. But you see, we're going to set it up. Meantime, Carmine's still talking. Carmine from Avenel, uh, near Rawway, still talking. On and on and on and on. It's another side of midnight, 77 WABC. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now, Curtis Sliwa on 77 WABC. I got a honey to honey out from New York, New York. And you know I'm all about big chips because maybe I'm from New York, New York. Oh, man, this is this degenerate hip-hop monster, Jaro from Southeast Queens, who's palling around with Eric Adams. Yep, him and French Montana. By the way, this song, I don't know why Eric Adams wants to be seen with a guy who's uh, rapping, I got a hundred guns, I got a hundred clips, I got a semi-auto that spits. So how would you want to be hanging out with him for? I hate Ja Rule, man. Ripped off so many people and always claimed my complexion is my protection. By the way, ask uh, 50 Cent, Curtis Jackson, who uh, culturally appropriated my name. Who shot him nine times outside of Rochdale? Huh? A lot of people say Ja Rule's boys. But we'll leave that for another day. Uh, by the way, our telephone talent coordinator, Avery, is uh, the author of that book, uh, Gorka Still On. Oh, he just hung up. Man. This is how we do No, we don't do that like this here at WABC. We don't do that. We don't do that like that. I must apologize uh, to Gorka out there. What, what was the name of his book uh, again, uh, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator? Wow. Not really. It's so uh, low budget. So low budget that the poor guy is calling in on the only number, the only one who knows that number, the guest hotline, is the celebrity booker, Jennifer Grodd. So uh, this obviously had to be true. It's uh, Demons Among Us. Shocking real-life stories from the paranormal. All right, so Demons Among Us. Uh, shocking uh, life stories. Real-life stories. Real-life stories of the Demons Among Us. Yeah, M.R. Gorga. M.R. Gorga. Not the guy who used to be advisor to Donald Trump, you know, who's on talk TV, right? I'm, I'm, I'm Gorga. Not M.R. Gorga. M.R., like J.K. Rowling. <laughs> He made a point of he made a point of letting me know that his book was a bestseller. Wow, wow! And we, it was such a bestseller that they had him calling in at one thirty in the morning. <laughs> they didn't pre-record it. They had him calling in at one thirty. Oh man, I, I really feel sorry for the guy. I, I just don't do guess. I mean, I would have pimped uh, the worst side of the other side of Midnight's Ride. But, you know, we have our boundaries. We have our lanes. We stay in our lanes. And as as even Broadway uh, 
uh, Bill Lee, who's back from having checked out his condo next to Warner Wolf in Fort Myers, knows you don't do that. You don't bogart another host or hostess's guest. That would have been inappropriate. Very. Although, I must tell you, the poor guy was hanging on about 30 minutes, right? He did. And we had put out an appeal for somebody in the uh, – He's got six employees, right, to work with Frank Morano, the worst side of the other side of midnight. None of them responded. At least least six. And Jennifer Grodd, the celebrity booker, she couldn't be bothered. Wow. You tell the guy to call up 1.30 in the morning (laughs) on the weekend show, you know, Curtis does not interview guests. I don't know, man. Three Three months ahead of time. Three months ago, they booked this guy. No, four months. Four months. I'm sorry. <sighs> he wrote that in his day planner. <laughs> the little bell went off like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I do have that call at 1.30 a.m. One, on October the 20th. <laughs> oh, man. So let me get this straight. <laughs> Jennifer Grodd, a celebrity booker, books this guy four months ago <laughs> and tells him to call now. Call now. Don't worry. Should I follow up with you? No. No, don't follow up with me. Uh, I, October the 22nd, call it one thirty a.m. And we know it's legit because you, even though you're a telephone talent coordinator for many shows, you don't even know the guest line, right? The only person who gives out the guest line. It's like uh, the secret of the ingredients in the Mac sauce for Mickey D's, the Big Mac. Only Jennifer Grodd has the guest number. Nobody else has that. You cannot call in on that line unless she has booked you as the celebrity booker here at WABC. Man. It is, uh, look, I've been doing this for 33 years, I would say. And I've uh, been subjected to a lot of humiliating situations. I've had a lot of radio partners, which was quite humiliating. I survived all of that. This, I may not survive. I may not survive. This guy is going to go out there and start bad-mouthing us. You said he was like the number one author. Uh, what, what was his credentials? He said he had. He was a best-selling author. I think in, in boogeymanology or something. I don't. Yeah, well, you know, they'll <laughs> he'll go out there amongst all those authors and really badmouth us. You know, the guys who wait for the New York Times uh, edition to come out. You know, where they list all the books and uh, what they are—hardback. Uh, uh, paperback, uh, whether they're fiction, nonfiction, you know, the literary. Yeah, the extra, uh, extra whatever. It, it, it was something about yeah, paranormal, paranormal. Right, but, you know, he's going to badmouth us to uh, all the people in that world. And, like, uh, yeah, there's no way he could tell this story and, and look good. So I don't think he could ever bring the story up again. <laughs> and then think of it from his point of view. He is a world-renowned world author. World-renowned. Call at 1.30 a.m. We're not even going to pre-tape it and then play it at, at, at 1.30. We're going to have you call up at 1.30, world-renowned. Wow, he's calling from Europe. 
which meant, wow, that's like three, four hours. From, Ooh. from Transylvania. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just shows you. You see, um, Frank Morano, the worst side of the other side of midnight, his crew, they're not really seasoned enough. They don't have, look. Uh, Avery, you've been doing this a uh, little bit of time now, but look, Bill Lee, right? He's 40 years in this business. He's experienced. I'm experienced 35 years in talk radio. Frank Morano's crew, they're all wet behind the ear. They don't know. And Jennifer Grodd, she's like living in her own little world. She's like a little princess. You know, God forbid we tell her this happened. She won't be able to take this. She'll, she'll collapse in the middle of the newsroom there and never recover from this. So I told him in August to call it. <laughs> What do you want me to do? Call him again? Follow up? <laughs> so she booked this guy in August. In, <laughs> August 9th? To call in October. October. At 1.30 in the morning. And the guy, to his credit, that's why he's a number one best-selling author. Right on the money. So good job by him. His assistant called him at 128. <laughs> But, see, I have a dilemma that you're not supposed to be in somebody else's lane. That that would not have been good form if I interviewed him because it was supposed to be for the Frank Morano show. That would, uh, Bill Lee, you would uh, agree, right? That would not have been uh, good form at all. It's like at WCBS-FM. If you have uh, one of the uh, singers come on, right? And all of a sudden, you take Scott Shannon's guest from the morning show, right? I mean, you might not have a job over there during the week at WCBS-FM where you start rhyming. You know, Bill Lee is famous for his rhymes over there. We don't let you do any rhymes here because it's corny. And we don't want any of that corn porn here. But imagine if you did any of the guests of the Scott Shannon show in the morning, you know, any of the singers, Oh, that'd be a hell of a price to pay. Everybody knows you got your own your own lanes. I hope management doesn't find out about this. Our owners don't find out about this. This, uh, wow, you know, this could end up being in every talk radio magazine forum blog. Hey, this is a, this is your lane, Curtis. What are you talking about? Like, I, I don't think you was doing anything wrong. We plugged this book like how many times? What was the name of that book again? Shoot. Come on, man. We got to do the guy solid. Look, he called right on time. But you see, by rules, I'm not permitted to interview him because it's not our guest. Understood, man. Understood. And, boy, that would be considered sacrilegious. Yeah, you, you just, That's like stealing guests. Demons Among Us. Shocking real-life stories from the paranormal. M.R. Gorga is the author. You got a lot of good stuff in there. You're going to find out where the boogeyman lives. You're going to find out <laughs> where Sasquatch is, like the region. Like, he might not know exactly where Sasquatch is, but the region for that, that you can go looking. And the Loch Ness Monster. Wow. This is your lane, Curtis. Huh. That's your lane. I know. A part of me wanted to interview the guy just because this way he wouldn't just be hung up. But the other part said no. That would not that would not go over well in the talk radio industry. I would be like persona non grata, a guest stealer. That's what they call it, stealing guests. I got to tell you, this has happened quite a bit. 
Hey, the book can also tell you what the guy's saying in this song right now. <laughs> It'll give you a guide to, to decrypt this. <laughs> well, that's our lane. You know, back, back uh, uh, scratching records and then interpreting uh, what this is, Stairway to Heaven. Right, I mean by Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Well, uh, that, nobody else does that. No. Talk right. That's all. If somebody else did that, I would take offense to that. I really would. We get you the closest to Satan as possible, like right next to Satan. This guy helps you with that. Did you apologize for a lack of professionalism uh, for the Frank Morano show, The Worst Side of The Other Side of Midnight? Did I you? didn't get a chance. He, he hung up. Uh, it's unfortunate. Oh, man. Hey, Gorka, if you're listening out there in Transylvania, I really apologize uh, for our station, WABC. I, I really, really do. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Don't know much about the science book. Don't know much about the French I took. But I do know that I love you. And I know that if you love me too, what a wonderful world this would be. Don't know much about geography. Now, this is the kind of song, 
You're probably here on Tony Orlando without Dawn coming up in a few hours. He's on from 10 to 12. Sam Cooke, what a wonderful world. Or even Cousin Brucie, a.k.a. Bruce Morrow from 6 to 10. Or possibly uh, from that uh, young whippersnapper who's moving up very quickly up the ranks, uh, Vinny Madugno teaches high school at Port Richmond by day, entertains at night, and then hosts back-to-back, belly-to-belly, uh, one-hour shows uh, from 5 to 6 on Saturday before his mentor, Cousin Brucey, and then 5 to 6 before Jersey Joe Piscopo, and the two-hour Sinatra extravaganza that's sponsored by Ramsey Mazda. And the reason I'm playing Sam Cooke, which is a bit of a departure for me, Broadway Billy, you know, I don't normally go in this direction, is it's so appropriate for what happened to this 84-year-old chemistry teacher. His name is Maitland Jones, Jr., and he was teaching at NYU. He's world-renowned in his field, and then all of a sudden he decided to publish a paper Talking about the students nowadays who come to NYU, as you know, very, very expensive for parents. In addition, kids have to take out student loans. So no frills is about $60,000 when you add everything up, room and board, food, all the ancillary things. My cost, uh, undergraduate, uh, four years, $100,000 each year, easily, easily. So this professor of chemistry decided to uh, send out a note to all the parents who are probably working two jobs apiece to make ends meet in order to pay the tuition, that their, their sons and daughters are really, really coddled as students. And they're not being pushed to their academic, what I'll call... The academic uh, areas in which they can perform things beyond anything that they ever, ever before thought. And that it requires tough love. And he wanted all the parents to know that he was going to be that kind of a professor. Well, there was blowback from the students. They went to the chancellor. They complained. They said this guy is over the top. First time he's ever had a complaint in 15 years of teaching at this very expensive school in Manhattan, NYU. And he got canned ahead of the fall semester after a student petition alleged that his organic chemistry class was too difficult to pass. That's probably because if you've ever been to the dorms of NYU, you go to the old Palladium on 14th Street off of uh, 2nd Avenue. And, you know, that used to be where all the rock and rollers were, all the big shows were after uh, the uh, Fillmore East was closed. That's all now NYU dorms. You walk into those NYU dorms, uh, they're really into horticulture because through hydroponics, they're growing their own crop there. You smell marijuana on every floor coming out of every door. It's like an atrium. You walk into the lobby, they're growing reefer right there. So they're too busy. They're in a drug-induced psychosis. So the professor is saying they come to class, they're not attentive, they fall asleep. I'm trying to teach them organic chemistry. It's difficult to begin with and a very important course. 
And he wrote an op-ed piece in the Boston Globe about this because they wouldn't publish it in any of the New York papers. You know why? Because they consider NYU a tremendous resource, sort of a uh, a diamond in the uh, crown jewel of academic institutions in New York City. Quote, those of us who teach it, meaning organic chemistry, are trying to produce critical thinkers, future diagnosticians, and scientists. He said that he has witnessed a decline in student capacity in recent years, as well as administrators bending to the wishes of students more often than not. Quote, he said, deans must learn to not coddle students for the sake of tuition and apply a little bit of tough love. He's been fired, ladies and gentlemen. He's been fired. Now, with all this Michigash taking place, who has been hired to come in as a professor to ruin a new generation of students at NYU who pay way too much money? Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. Yep, you know, he was an adjunct professor back in his hometown of Cambridge uh, in Boston, Massachusetts, at Harvard. And so many students disliked him that he's no longer an adjunct professor back in his hometown. I was hoping he'd stay there. He's back, back in Park Slope in his home with Charlene. They're doing puff puff pass at night. They're still copping nickel and dime bags from that Rastafarian who sells it outside of that pizza parlor right there on 7th Avenue and 11th Street, right down the uh, the main uh, drag from uh, uh, the walk-up. Uh, that uh, de Blasio's own. By the way, it's worth about a million and a half bucks. And he owes a lot of money. And he refuses to sell the other building on the block that used to be his mom's that reverted to him when she died. I mean, he owes buco money to a lot of his lawyers, but he refuses to pay, suggesting that maybe they received when he was mayor other ancillary benefits that we are unaware of because they don't seem to be pushing him to collect and there's no collection agency on his jockstrap. But anyway, so he is becoming not an adjunct professor at NYU, but on January 1st, he will be teaching classes. That's right. He will be teaching classes at NYU at the Wagner Graduate School of Public Service. And this is what Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who single-handedly destroyed this city that we so love, it's like uh, he had a Miley Cyrus uh, wrecking ball he took to our city. He said, look, when I graduated from NYU in the 1980s, I never dreamed of a path that would lead me to City Hall and then back to my alma mater. Well, I guess after you smoke a little Maui Wowie and Hindu Kush, that all of a sudden became your drug-induced dream. Now I get to help others develop their dreams. I'm truly excited. You mean you become other students' nightmares. You imagine there are going to be some parents who are not going to have a problem with this failure as a mayor to actually be teaching their kids about civil service, about government, about all of its responsibilities. So NYU put out this, uh, like, four-page analysis of Bill de Blasio when he was a student and undergraduate at NYU. He was wild-haired and called Bill Wilhelm, just like Kaiser Wilhelm. So he's going to NYU in New York. He had left Cambridge, where he was birthed, 
and his name is Bill Wilhelm. He majored in metropolitan studies and engaged in student activism. He received his undergraduate degree in 1984 and later scored a master's degree from Columbia University. And at that time, he had a picture of Che Guevara in his dorm room. Oh, yeah, Che Guevara. And that was at a point in which uh, he was flirting with the Sandinistas of Daniel Ortega, now a totalitarian dictator, a pedophile on a pedestal in Nicaragua. His wife is the vice president. He's taken over the country, lock, stock, and barrel, and even arrested the bishop and priests and nuns there and all adversaries, all insurgents, are now in the gulags. This is the guy that Bill de Blasio uh, viewed as a mentor. And as you all know, when he met Charlene, who had been a hardcore lesbian, even wrote a huge article, I forget in which magazine, how she had belonged to a lesbian commune in Boston. She was born and raised in Springfield, Massachusetts, came to Boston to go to school. I don't know if it was Boston University, might have been Emerson, might have been Northeastern, I'm not quite sure. But she had joined, when she went there, a sorority of hardcore lesbians within a lesbian commune. She even wrote a long article about that. And then she was working in the basement of City Hall. She was working for the deputy mayor, the campaign manager, for the successful uh, campaign of uh, David Dinkins against Rudy Giuliani when he won a four-year term. Luckily, lost right after, and Bill Lynch uh, had to uh, find somebody else's campaigns to manage, which he did. But he was also the first deputy mayor. And ironically, who worked in his office, which was in the bowels, the basement at City Hall? Charlene McRae and Bill de Blasio, the Italian stallion. And that's where they met. And Charlene said at that moment, when she saw Bill de Blasio, she felt some tension. She felt a titillation. She felt that maybe I'm not a hardcore lesbian. Maybe I'm bisexual. There was something about Bill de Blasio that was a turn-on to her. And then eventually they had a relationship. And then eventually they copulated and fornicated and produced two children. Obviously, the most famous is... Uh, Dante, you know, with the fro. That helped bamboozle the electorate and got uh, Bill de Blasio elected mayor in 2013, first time around. And then they bamboozled the population a second time around when he was running against uh, the congresswoman now, Nicole Maliatakis. You remember that? Unfortunately, eight years of miserable that we had to suffer for, suffer through. But that's how he came up. His name at NYU was Bill Wilhelm. Now, why did Kaiser Wilhelm decide to change his name? It was all calculated. And he really is a horrible individual. His uh, father was a war hero in the Pacific. In fact, I believe lost his leg or his leg uh, was severely damaged in the uh, invasion of Iwo Jima. Came back a war hero. Bill de Blasio talks about the time that his father would take him often in the summer to Fenway Park to watch the Red Sox, his beloved Red Sox. He loved Rico Petroselli, who played shortstop, 
who originally graduated Lafayette High School in Brooklyn. Joe Foy at third, who came out of the Bronx. So the whole right side of the Red Sox infield at that time was from New York. Joe Foy from the Bronx, Rico Petroselli from Brooklyn. And that's why when he was mayor of New York and he would go to Shea Stadium, he would have a throwback Met jersey with a Met hat and the number six. And they said, well, what Met is that in honor of? And he would say, no, it's not for a Met. It's for Rico Petroselli, who played for the Red Sox. And people would say, man, you must have been smoking some heavy Maui Waui and Hindu Kush. But he knew his baseball. There's no doubt about that. Bill de Blasio, uh, Bill de Blasio was an aficionado about baseball. And then he calculated that he wanted to run for political office in New York City after he got his uh, master's degree from Columbia University. And you know what he did, Bill uh, Lee, Broadway Bill Lee? You know what he did, telephone talent coordinator Avery? He said to himself, a person with a German last name can't get elected to any position in New York City. So I'm going to take the maiden name of my mother, de Blasio. And then when he was asked by the press, why did you change your name from Comrade, you know, from uh, Kaiser Wilhelm to de Blasio, he said, oh, my dad was very abusive, very abusive to me and my siblings. Uh, he was tyrannical. When he came back from uh, World War II, the Pacific, uh, he was just uh, very difficult to deal with. I didn't want to have his name any longer. Even though his brother owns a steakhouse in Atlantic City, a very successful one, at least before the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020, his last name is Wilhelm. His sister's last name is Wilhelm. He was the only one to change the name. And it was all because he thought it was politically expedient. It would be easier to get elected if people thought he was an Italian-American than a German-American. Well, I guess you can make an argument about that. But an enemy of mine, now an Eric Adams Republican, Eric Ulrich, is German. That's a German name, Ulrich. He became city councilman out there in Howard Beach did a lousy job, and the Peter Principal, he got kicked upstairs. He's now the commissioner of buildings, the most corrupt of the many agencies in government under normal circumstances. So I expect he'll be going to the big house in chains and shackles soon. But he's commissioner of buildings. He gets paid by the Eric Adams administration. He is an Eric Adams Republican. But he's a German. Donald Trump is a German. Donald Trump, in fact, March was the Grand Marshal in the annual Steuben Day Parade up Fifth Avenue in honor of German-American achievements. I think a total of about 38 million immigrated to America. So they have a, a tremendous track record in America of service, of contributions, but also they were vilified during World War I. They were called the Huns, not to be trusted. Since we had entered the war, uh, Woodrow Wilson uh, when the Germans were taking on our allies, the Italians, the French, and the English. And then, obviously, because of uh, the Nazis in World War II. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So they kick out the 84-year-old NYU chemistry professor who uses tough love in his chemistry class that the student said was too over the top to a petition. They fired him. And replacing him, they brought in Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. When we come back, I'll tell you one person who I don't think would have ever tolerated that kind of switcheroony attitude 
on the part of the chancellor at NYU now and its uh, board of directors. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. In 1965, Vietnam seemed like just another foreign war, but it wasn't. It was different in many ways, and so were those who did the fighting. In World War II, the average age of the combat soldier was 26. In Vietnam, he was 19. In, 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 in Vietnam, he was 19. You know, it harkens me back, talking about NYU. I think it was 13 or 14, walking around Washington Square Park. Hotbed of anti-war activism. 1967. This week was the anniversary of the anti-Vietnam War protest. Had to have close to a million people descended on Washington, D.C. It was incredible. I didn't go to this one. I went to the inauguration of uh, Richard Nixon when there was a uh, gathering, uh, a million strong to protest his uh, escalation of the war in Vietnam. He had promised when he was running in 1968 against Hubert H. Humphrey and George Wallace that he would get us out of Vietnam. And what he did was launch a secret war in Laos and Cambodia. And then the Pentagon Papers came out. We found out so much about what a horror had occurred, especially General Westmoreland, who would give us body counts of endless numbers of North Vietnamese and Viet Cong, and it was all all lies. The whole premise uh, of the Tonkin uh, uh, Gulf uh, Resolution was nonsense by LBJ who then decided not to seek re- re-election because uh, he wasn't going to win the primaries. Not against uh, come clean Eugene McCarthy. And then RFK came in as a hawk and then did uh, flip the script and became the dove, marginalizing McCarthy. And then ended up getting assassinated after the California primary, as you know, in the kitchen of that hotel in Los Angeles. With Rosie Greer, the great football player of the Giants and the Rams at his side and so many others who watched him bleed out. And uh, Sirhan Sirhan was arrested, the Palestinian, for that. Many people do not believe that he was responsible for the execution in that uh, kitchen of then uh, Robert F. Kennedy running for the Democratic nomination to replace uh, LBJ, and had he been successful, would have been running against uh, Richard Nixon. Remember, JFK barely beat Richard Nixon. To his credit, he never complained Richard Nixon. He never said the election was stolen in 60, although you could have made the argument 
that the old man Kennedy uh, and the uh, organized crime families of Chicago rigged it in uh, Crook County and gave uh, JFK the margin of victory. But Nixon never complained, never said, hey, you know, it's a corrupt procedure. Went and ran for the governorship of California two years later, lost, and said you won't have Richard Nixon to kick around anymore, and went to San Clemente out in California, just north of San Diego, only to return. Resurrected like Lazarus from the political dead in 1968 to win the Republican nomination and go on and become president of the United States. But I remember the beehive of activity around Washington Square Park in the shadow of NYU. A lot of NYU professors, students, undergraduates, graduates who were involved in that march on Washington in 67. I remember attending a meeting at the Judson Memorial Church, which was right next to it, a uh, considered a peace church, a Baptist church, uh, but it definitely housed a lot of seminars and a lot of presentations given by people against the war in Vietnam. And then it was a Unitarian church on your way to 6th Avenue. Uh, it was just a huge hotbed of anti-war activity. Likewise, up at the uh, Columbia University campus, which had been taken over by the Students for Democratic Society, uh, the SDS. Mark Rudd was in charge, uh, others and then out of that, uh, more radical uh, more radical groups developed, especially the Weather Underground and the Black Liberation Army. But that all took a little bit of time to take place. I'm taking you on the time capsule because back then NYU clearly was at the epicenter of that anti-war activity, at least in lower Manhattan. Comrade Bill de Blasio, known as Bill Wilhelm at that time, I believe was a uh, student in high school in Cambridge. And what high school did he go to that uh, a famous New York Nick went to who played center? Never was able, though, to win a championship because of the Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls were almost like the Houston Astros are right now to the New York Yankees. We can't seem to get past the Houston Astros. I think this is either the fourth or fifth time. Can't get past them. Likewise, uh, when this guy was playing center for the uh, Knicks, couldn't get past Patrick Ewing. Oh, I gave the name out. See that? So you can't have that booby prize out of Wash- out of uh, Georgetown University, but went to the same high school. This will be better. The same high school as Bill de Blasio in Cambridge. What's the name of that high school? Produced uh a lot of uh, infamous and famous people. It's a very, very famous high school in the Boston-Cambridge area. And the only time uh, that the um, New York Knicks were able to get into the uh, the finals, or the NBA finals, is when uh, Michael Jordan, because of gambling issues, a degenerate gambler, very similar to our own Frank Morano, decided he would leave to play minor league baseball with the, I think it was the Birmingham Barons. He bought the bus that uh, took the uh, the team around. He was horrible in the minor leagues. He just he sucked but for two years. He wanted to perfect his baseball skills. And then all of a sudden he decided, you know, let me go back to the hardwood, play basketball. And uh, he won championships again. Uh, who was the uh, team that the Knicks faced in the NBA playoffs? Didn't have to worry about the Chicago Bulls any longer. 
But they still weren't able to uh, win a NBA championship with Patrick Ewing anchoring uh, as the center in the paint. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And speaking of professors, I was thinking back when we're talking about firing a professor who is doing his job and then hiring a deadbeat, a slacker like Bill de Blasio, uh, bringing him on board to ruin a new generation. I thought of the uh, movie Goodwill Hunting. You know, that's where uh, the two Boston Red Sox guys, uh, Ben Affleck, whack, whack. Now, Ben. Uh, <laughs> Ben, Jenny from the block, that's his name, Ben, Jenny from the block, because he's her Maytag, no doubt about it. And Matt Damon, you know how they love the Boston Red Sox. And I I think the theme of Goodwill Hunter was that Matt Damon was uh, at a genius level, his IQ, but he was a janitor, I think, at MIT. And then this professor had discovered him. A professor, Gerald Lambrow, who was having a, a beer with Robin Williams and discussing Matt Damon. In 1905, there were hundreds of professors renowned for their study of the universe, but it was a, it was a 26-year-old Swiss patent clerk doing physics in his spare time who changed the world. Can you imagine if Einstein would have given that up just to get drunk with his buddies in Vienna every night? We all would have lost something. Now, that was about Einstein. But then Robin Williams countered by talking about another boy genius who academically excelled beyond all others. And the other professor he was talking to didn't even know who he was. Hey, Jerry, in the 1960s, there was a young man graduated from the University of Michigan, did some brilliant work in mathematics, specifically bounded harmonic functions. Then he went on to Berkeley, was assistant professor, showed amazing potential. Then he moved to Montana, and he blew the competition away. Yeah, so who was he? Ted Kaczynski. I learned him. Ted Kaczynski, remember? The Unabomber. Now in Florence, uh, Colorado, the Supermax, with the remaining terrorists, uh, Ramsey Youssef, remember the first attack at the World Trade Center? The man who leveraged it the man who also was experimenting uh, with designs to crash uh, planes into buildings, which eventually became the template for Khalid the Schmuck Muhammad, his cousin from Pakistan, who took that idea to who? The head of al-Qaeda at that time, who was considered the black sheep of his family, Osama bin Laden the largest construction firm in the Middle East, was there in Saudi Arabia, owned by his father and family. He was considered the black sheep as he went off into the hills of Afghanistan to tend his goats, created a relationship with the Taliban who were in charge of Afghanistan and operated his band of terrorists from that protected area. And you know the rest of the story there. 1-800-848-9222. one 800 let us go to Dean, who's calling from Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dean. Curtis, good morning. I have two. Que- I have the trivia question on uh, John Lewis, if you want that first. And then I'm the horse player. I got two horses for you. 
in two weeks from the Breeders' Cup, if you're familiar with it. Yeah, sure, so, sure. Uh, share, share, share the wealth of your uh, racing form information. For my knowledge. Now, I won't be able to give them to you until next week because they don't come out. The pre-entries come out on Monday. So next week at this time, I'll call you back again. Oh, wow. And they got a gorilla. Now, yeah, you, you got you got a flight line. You got a lot of horse players out there who are, who are going to be uh, they're going to have anxiety until you come through. You realize that, thing? Well, that's good. They'll give them something to, to, to give them something to. This, these people will be listening, so we we got them on the hook now. You know. Yes. Now, yes. The trivia question. Trivia question is Julian Bond. That is correct. And uh, Dean, the circumstances where I was down in Atlanta at that time with the Guardian Angels, there was a rape crisis in one of the projects near the international headquarters of Coca-Cola. And that was the congressional district uh, that John Lewis, who was not in Congress yet, was running against State Senator Julian Bond, a patrician, uh, well-versed, well-studied African-American first in the state legislature since Reconstruction in Georgia. And they were lifelong friends in the civil rights struggle going back over 20 years. It was a neck-and-neck race. It's like sort of what uh, the polls say now about Kathy Crimewave Holcomb and Congressman Lee Zeldin. Neck-and-neck, the Atlanta Constitution, the newspaper, indicated it was a, uh, a jump ball. And they had a final debate. And now imagine, here's John Lewis. And uh, his adversary, and John Lewis uh, responded to uh, what had been a rumor in some of the political circles that his opponent had a cocaine problem. And he whipped out a piece of paper, Dean, and he said, I have the results of a drug test that I've taken at XYZ Laboratory, and as you can see, I am clean uh, when it comes to uh, cocaine. And then he turned to his adversary and said, will you take a drug test? This is right towards the end of the debate. And what did Julian Bond say? That is an invasion of privacy. How could you do that? I thought we were lifelong friends. And just the appearance of him vacillating, Dean, caused him to lose that uh, election that was followed by many political pundits from all over the country all over the country. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, uh, at, at this point, if I if I knew as much as I know now in the first 10 months of uh, Eric Adams' uh, administration, the swagger man with no plan all the time he spends uh, at the Zero Bond Club, the private club where whatever happens behind those closed doors stays behind closed doors, and I know they toot up there and I know they do Adderall, I would demand that he have to do a drug test. I would say, here's my drug test. Let me see your drug test, uh, Mayor Eric Adams. And Remember watch- the, uh, the, uh, it's the godfather? They said, you're on the Babanya. Ah, that's right. And that's, that's what he's on. He's on the Babanya. Well, think of it, Dean. Uh, you've hung around a lot of guys. I've hung around a lot of guys. He's at the club until 3, sometimes 4 in the morning. He's up by 6.30, uh, out the door at 7. He's active in the morning as a mayor, unlike uh, Bill de Blasio, who <laughs> couldn't get out of bed until about 9.30. But there's no way you do that naturally. There's no way you take an energy drink of vegetables and fruits. Uh, you know, he doesn't have any caffeine. 
He doesn't drink coffee. He doesn't drink caffeinated tea. Uh, he doesn't have other caffeinated products. So how could he be operating at peak peak speed, a minimum of 19 hours a day without some help, whether it's uh, a two to cocaine uh, or Adderall, which uh, helps you stay totally focused. Uh, it's uh, They give that to people who have attention deficit disorder. A lot of stockbrokers use Adderall, football players, you know, when they're trying to focus on their opponent because all the patterns that the opposition is running at times can sort of like scramble your thought process and it keeps you completely focused. And I would bet you it's either Adderall or he's tooting up there. He's on an enhancement, that's what we call it. Yeah. And let me let me ask you this. You know, he's talking about the crime is only six people a day getting killed or getting bumped off or pushed on the trains. So on TV today, they broke it down to six to 24 hours. comes to every four hours, somebody's getting killed or either pushed or stabbed. That's not a that's not a good statistic as far as I'm concerned. Dean, but Dean. he's such a schmuck he doesn't realize it. You let know? me let me tell you something. In front of a group of Italian Americans the night after the Christopher Columbus parade that he marched in, uh, they were Republicans and Democrats there at Gracie Mansion. He said this, and they were applauding. Yes, we must deal with the six felony crimes that happen on our subway every day. But we have to celebrate the 3.5 million people that ride that subway every day and get to their place of destination with no problems at all. Dean, they were applauding that nonsense. Yeah, but Curtis, he, 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 he talks like he's a preacher in front of a black congregation on a Sunday morning. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Mayors don't talk like this. Yeah. And not only Mayors that. As you as you know, Dean, you follow the analytics, you follow horse racing, you read the racing form, racing form, you see the odds. He's 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 totally trying to uh, sort of uh, go around the analytics, saying, "Oh, there's only six felonies a day in the subway." Well, if you happen to be one of them and you just got pushed into the tracks or stabbed or shot, it's not making yeah, you feel any better. Or if it's your mother or your father, who who wants? Who, that's right. That doesn't make you feel any. What he, he's such a jerk. I swear. And you not not only he that, and vote, not only that, Dean, but to the people who take the subways every day, not because they want to, they have to. They they hear him say this because he's like lens lice on the TV news. They hear him say it on radio. They read about it in the papers. And they take offense to it because they're forced to ride the subway every day, and they're having horrible experiences, even if they're not a crime victim, they're just uneasy. They see the emotionally disturbed. They see the homeless. They see people talking trash at them, threatening them. That's not necessarily a crime, but, boy, that's something that's going to scar you. Yeah, how about last week when he says that he goes to all of these places? I go down on the trains, but he doesn't tell everybody that there's an entourage with machine guns and pistols. Try going down there by yourself, <laughs> not dressed up like a clown, and see what happens to you, Eric Adams. Exactly. I'm from Jersey. I really don't care what goes on in New York. Well, but well look, look Dean, Dean, look what happened this past weekend on the PATH train. You had four guys from Newark, and they stuck up a guy on the PATH train coming into uh, Journal Square. The guy resisted. He fought him. 
It came out into the platform. Luckily, the Port Authority cops were there. That's the that's their headquarters there, Journal Square. They arrested all four. But all four of them were a stick-up crew from Newark who were sticking up people going back and forth on the PATH train to 33rd Street in Herald Square, New York. Curtis, I live two blocks away on Bond Street. I live by the VIP restaurant on Journal Square. I'm two blocks away. Oh, and I remember that's where the... Uh... The, uh, That's where the uh, Sopranos had a had a uh, had a, a scene from the Sopranos was on the VIP. That's right, and then it's also that's where they had that big billboard for the uh, journal. I forget the name of the paper there. It's like it became a tabloid. Journal, Jer- Jersey Journal. The Jersey. I love that paper. Man, they used to show all the guys getting arraigned. You know, <laughs> it was great. You'd see all the guys getting arraigned, all the mutts and skells as they're brought in, and you know they would have. Uh, it would be on television conference. They would be in the county jail, Hudson County Jail, and it would be a Jersey City judge arraigning them by teleconference. And you would see them all. And you could easily say, hey, that's the guy who mugged me, or that's the guy who stole my car. So so listen, when they caught these four guys from Newark, they didn't let them go like they do in New York, did they? No. Do you know what, what happened to them? No. Well, obviously, they're sweating them down for information because there have been a series of stick-ups on the PATH train coming out of Newark. Uh Baraka has uh, basically a percolating uh, crime academy in Newark in which he's got all these young guys stealing cars, stealing catalytic converters, uh, stick-up kids, drug dealers, that he turns a blind eye to them when they leave Newark. You know, him, he's like, oh, thank God they left Newark. And they go to surrounding communities, and they'll even come across the Outer Bridge Crossing from Jersey uh, by the port of Newark, Elizabeth, come into Staten Island, do home invasion, steal cars, catalytic converters, and go all the way out to Nassau and Suffolk County and do the same thing, and then drive through Bergen County, Emerson. I was speaking there the other day at a Republican gathering before November 8th at the golf course, and people were giving me all these horror stories about porch pirates. You know, these are the guys who follow the Amazon trucks, the Federal Express trucks, uh, the UPS trucks, uh, even the uh, United States Postal Service trucks, and when they put the packages on your porch... Uh, they'll come up there. They'll follow about a block away. They paid for these vests that say Amazon on it. You know, somebody will claim, hey, I lost my vest. They'll say, well, that's $35. Meantime, they got $100 from uh, Crooks to, to get that Amazon vest. And they'll walk up to the porch with one package. So to a neighbor who's looking, it looks like, oh, yeah, yeah, they try to deliver a package. And then they walk off the porch with three packages, which meant they take two of the packages that have been left there just moments before, and they never get prosecuted. You take the information to the police, even if it's been videoed by by uh, right on the porch with the, uh, uh, you know, right from the bell ringer. They, they, they're videoing it, and they're smiling, they're waving, and they do it again and again. And uh, Amazon and FedEx and uh, the other providers uh, – of online retail will just suck it up, take it as a loss. That's how a lot of these young guys become. You know, they put their beak in the trough, and they realize you can steal, and there are no consequences. Curtis, I called you a year ago and told you a story that it was a guy on a bicycle with a little red wagon hooked up to the bicycle that used to follow the UPS truck. (laughs) And when he dropped off the packages, he'd go pick them up and put them in his little uh, red wagon that was hooked up to his bicycle. And ride off, and not and get arrested. Swag, 
And even though people, right, and even people would see the guy, and even though he might have been on video with all the video that's out there in the streets now, private video, city video, county video, and they don't arrest him, uh, nobody. uh, It doesn't doesn't matter anymore because with the COVID, the COVID screwed up the whole world, you know, because now with the COVID, the cops don't come. It takes them an hour to get here. By that time, the guy already sold the swag and he's got the needle in his arm, you know. So. That's right, but I've I've warned everyone, Dean, out there in the suburbs. That's the entree. That's how they all of a sudden come into a neighborhood they've never been in before. They're porch pirates, three or four in a car. They're following the Amazon truck, the Federal Express truck, the UPS truck, United States Postal Service truck on their route. They stay like a block or two behind. Then all of a sudden, when they're walking on the porches of some of these houses, they see that nobody's home. See a little mail, see some other sort of uh, hints that nobody's home. And they say, man, if we did a home invasion of this house, we could retire. And then all of a sudden, in like 24 hours, there's a home invasion. And a pickup truck is now, they're now in a pickup truck, and they're backing it into your driveway and they're breaking through a door, and they're going into the house, and they're pillaging the house. This is how it starts. So they look at the cars that are parked. Because a lot of people don't park their cars in a garage. They park either in the driveway to the garage or outside. They'll steal the car, bring it right to the port of Elizabeth, Newark, drive it into a container. Next stop, it's uh, Serbia. Some guy's driving it around with Jersey or New York plates on it, which is considered a premium. Or they bring it to a chop shop. Or they steal those catalytic converters. They can steal that. They can crawl in the undercarriage of your car or vehicle. And within three minutes, take that catalytic converter off your muffler. You have no idea until you start up the car. And you obviously hear that there's something different about the sound of your car. Guess what? They stole your catalytic converter and got a few hundred dollars when they brought it to a chop shop, courtesy of... Curtis Lee were telling you how they go into neighborhoods where previously they didn't even know these neighborhoods existed. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lee Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yeah, this is J-Lo. She is uh, now fully in charge. Ben Quack Quack Affleck is her Maytag. But Jenny from the block, uh, J-Lo is legitimately the Bronx, Castle Hill. Went to Preston High School, Catholic High School for girls. In the neck. Whereas AOC, all our crazy Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America and the Justice Warriors, Claims she lives in Parkchester, but really, she grew up in Yorktown in uh, Westchester. Very upscale. Went to Yorktown High School. Uh, they're nicknamed the Huskers. And in fact, um, I think she was called, I forget what her name was, uh, in Yorktown High School. But um, it was not uh, AOC all out crazy. I think it was uh, Sandy Ocasio there, Sandy Ocasio. Well, she uh, spoke like a valley girl then, but claimed she's 
you know, she's Bronx. She's Bronx. She's not Bronx. Her father was an architect, well-to-do. Her mother, uh, I forget what her occupation was, but recently she fled to Florida like so many others. A reporter caught up to her. I think she's living in the Panhandle right near the Alabama border near Pensacola in Florida. And they said, how come you moved to Florida? She said, are you kidding? They're killing me with taxes back in New York and Westchester. Yeah, I don't think AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America and the Justice Warriors expected that. But boy, did she have a raucous uh, two weeks. Last week, she was having a town hall meeting in her congressional district in the Bronx. And uh, she had members of her Democratic Socialists of America, the very people who busted their shoes, went door to door, and helped her be Crooked Joe Crowley, who was not only the Democratic County Chairman of the Crooked Queens Democratic Party, but as Congressman, he would have replaced Nancy Pelosi. He was in that kind of line of ascension. And she beat him. She beat him bad because he didn't even campaign in the district. He was living in Arlington outside of D.C. He didn't even bother coming back to Queens. And so she won. But boy, her friends in the Democratic Socialists uh, of America lit her up in her Bronx town hall meeting. There will be no neighbors if there's a nuclear bomb. You voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. Where are you against the war mobilization? He's telling the right truth. You have done nothing. Tulsi Gabbard has shown guts where you've shown cowardice. I believed in you, and you became the very thing you sought to fight against. That's what you've become. You are the establishment, and you are the reason why everybody will end up in a nuclear war unless you choose to stand up right now and denounce the Democratic Party. Will you do that? Yes or no? Wow, she's the mainstream. You know, that's like... That's like showing the crucifix to Bella Lugosi when he played Dracula. By the way, I think Bella Lugosi just died. I think well, it was some kind of anniversary of Bella Lugosi who played Dracula from what? What Hungary? I think. So it was bad. All her friends, all her allies, all of her brother and sisters in solidarity in the Bronx turned on her. So. Uh, this past week, she had her meeting on the other side of the congressional district, the other side of the Whitestone Bridge in Queens. And, man, it was even more raucous. Two in a row. They were playing those bongos and those war drums. Definitely, that's where they used to uh, play at the anti-war demonstrations. You know, the drummers would be up front. They call them the peace drummers. But um, 
There was a time when uh, she was like riding the wave of Democrats, socialists of America, left-wing progressivism. They were able to turn it out. They were able to win elections. They were able to put boots on the ground. I don't think uh, that's going to happen this time. I think she'll still win her congressional race. But she's not going to have any uh, longer an opportunity to mail it in nor her other allies in uh, democratic socialism who really want all of you to leave. That, that's their goal, leave. They want you to go to Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Texas, Tennessee, parts unknown. They want you to leave, get out of here. This way they can take the uh, flag of capitalism down from Wall Street, turn it into the capital of socialism. They don't want... Uh, New York State or New Jersey any longer to be the epicenter of what we would call mainstream pop uh, politics, mainstream Democrats, mainstream Republicans. No, no, no. They want to declare a Democratic Socialist of America area that they can operate in. California to the west, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut to the northeast sector. They're uh, prospecting in other areas of the country, but for the first time since uh, they became a force to deal with, following uh, Bernie the Altacaca Sanders challenge of Hillary Rodham Clinton in the 2016 Democratic primary, now it looks like uh, there's been a reversal of fortunes, and uh, she and her sycophants, toadies, and lackeys, AOC is now under political attack. All right, all right, listen, all right, listen, listen, okay, listen. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Summer's evening on a train bound for nowhere. I met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring out the window at the darkness. The boredom overtook us, and he began to speak. He said, Son, I've made a life out of reading people's faces, knowing what the cards were. By the way they held their eyes So if you don't mind my saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I'll give you some advice So I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow Then he bummed a cigarette And asked me for a light And the night got deathly quiet and his face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold them Know when to fold them Know when to walk away And know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done 
Oh, well, that's Kenny Rogers. And for a lot of you folks who love to gamble, you gamble uh, in the stock market. You gamble when you go to the track, like Dean from Jersey City, who just uh, called. Or you gamble at home when you have your card games. Or you went to the basement of the nearby Catholic parish and they had a Las Vegas night and you were gambling there. And the Texans hold them up gambling uh, day uh, in honor of some uh, nonprofit, some charity. Or you head down to Atlantic City. Taking the New Jersey Turnpike to the Garden State Parkway to the Atlantic City Expressway to join the Babaluke Frank Morano at the Borgata where he snores everything he can. I mean, here's a guy who constantly talks about the Borgata. Uh, our telephone talent coordinator, Avery, uh, doesn't Frank do like once a week a show about uh, Atlantic City, uh, the casinos and gambling? Yeah, yeah, he does, yeah. Now, you know there's got to be a little kickback on that, right? I mean, think about it, Broadway Bill Lee. You've been doing this over 40 years. Oh, by the way, Broadway Bill Lee was away last weekend. We had Giuseppe, Joey, who was substituting for him. That's because Broadway Bill Lee had to go down and check on his condo in Fort Myers. The one, uh, he lives in the same uh, housing complex uh, compound as Warner Wolf. Let's go to the videotape. And I see the Warner Wolf survived the, the terrible uh, Ian uh, hurricane. And I see that your properties uh, seem to be doing uh, fairly well, uh, Broadway Billy. They're all above water. I have the Guardian Angels there patrolling in Lee County, especially against the many looters at night. If you loot, people are ready to shoot. If you walk in their door, they're going to shoot you between the eyes. And they're encouraged to do that by the Lee County Sheriff. But good to see that you were out there playing shuffleboard with Warner Wolf while you were checking on your property, your proprietary rights down in Lee County, but still not able to beat the Canadians. They seem to fly more maple leaf flags down there in the southwestern uh, portion of Florida now than American flags because of all the expats who come in from Quebec and Ontario and Saskatchewan and the uh, the uh, Maritime Provinces, Nova Scotia, and they settle all along Southwest Florida. Now they're like the ch- the shuffleboard kings and queens down there. But anyway, the reason that I'm playing this song is that there was a front page ad above the fold of the old gray lady, the New York Times. I remember when I was raised, the New York Times. It was said. All the news that's fit to print, it was considered the Bible. It was considered uh, to be the most accurate uh, journal that was published each and every day about the news of the world, the news of our country, the news of our region, and the news of our city. In fact, they used to have a metro edition. They don't even have it anymore. You're lucky if there's like a page or two dedicated to local uh, local uh, news. I don't know why they call it the New York Times. Obviously, it's the base of their operation, but they have little, if any, local news any longer, which is a shame because they uh, sometimes cover stories that other periodicals would not cover. More is better than less. It's like talk radio, I always say. More is better than less because, A, number one, it's job security. 
if all of a sudden you wash out in one talk radio uh, station, uh, you may end up being able to pick it all back up at its competitor or maybe even a third or fourth if they happen to exist in the same market or as you uh, go jumping from location to location. More is better than less. Good job, security. More newspapers are better than less. More news stations are better than less. More talk stations are better than less. You end up getting more information, and uh, you are the consumer of information. You should be to come to your own conclusions. You need to be a free agent. You don't need to be an apparatchik of any particular political ideology, whether on the far left or the far right. You might be a registered Republican or Democrat. You might be a registered uh, member of the Conservative Party or the Working Families Party or uh, another third party. It doesn't matter. You may be apolitical. The point is you need to be a free agent. You need to be able to assess and look at a situation, look at it up and down, check out all the facts and come to your own uh, particular conclusion, your own particular belief uh, system on that issue and other issues without necessarily being guided by everybody who says, oh, you got you to think, you got to act just like me. Bull feathers, bull feathers. So let's talk about this article that rocked the economic community here in New York City. Apparently, Caesars Gambling Enterprise in Las Vegas. That's obviously where they're best known, although they have other venues uh, around the, the world. But Caesars in Las Vegas has teamed up, interesting team, with the S.L. Green uh, Realty Comp Corporation. Now, S.L. Green Realty Corporation is owned by Mark Green, the perpetual candidate, always trying to run for uh, Attorney General, U.S. Senate, Congress, Mayor, Public Advocate, you name it. Uh, Mark Green ran for it. Uh, an adherent uh, of uh, Ralph Nader uh, made his bones that way, but really obnoxious, omnipotent, pretentious, arrogant, just not a guy you ever really become fond of because he's just so freaking arrogant. In a lot of ways, he reminds me of Frank Morano, uh, the Mameluke. You know, he knows everything, right? He's got to in- inter- interject a statement always to sort of correct an incorrection, right? That's a, that's Mark Green, a Weisenheimer. So his brother, Stephen Green, owns the S.L. Green Realty Company, which at one time Stephen Green owned Air America, which was the left-wing alternative to WABC and other more conservative Republican talk radio outlets. Air America crashed and burned because they can never generate enough commercials because a lot of the talk show hosts and hostesses spent a good deal of their time bashing corporate America, bashing products, bashing services. So who the hell would want to advertise with them? So uh, I remember, let's see, who did they have on uh, Air America? They had uh, Rachel Maddow, who was horrible on the radio because... She would read off of index cards, just like she does on TV, except it's out of the teleprompter now, so it looks smoother. She did a program with Chuck D, a public enemy. I remember listening to it. He was like one of the worst talk show hosts I ever heard, because obviously he didn't do any preparation at all. He just thought, hey, I'm Chuck D, so what? Horrible. And who was the... uh, 
Oh, this is the good one. A good booby prize. The U.S. senator who uh, got ran off by uh, our junior senator in New York State, Gillibrand, for being a perv, but actually was one of their main hosts at Air America. Out of the state of Minnesota, although oftentimes he has been seen on the Upper East Side, and the theory was that he was very interested in possibly making his political bones for a political office, maybe uh, running against uh, the whale, Gerald Nadler, on the Upper West Side, uh, who just took on Carolyn Maloney, beat her in the Democratic primary. He's got an independent candidate who just did a uh, sex tape. He hired a professional siren, a female porno queen, did like a 13-minute sex tape, and he is of the assumption that that will get him eyeballs. It certainly will. I don't know if it will get him any votes, and I am supporting personally. And went out just the other day and spoke on his behalf, as I have on other occasions, Mike Zambluskis, who is the Republican candidate running against Gerald the Whale Nadler. That encompasses the west side and the east side. Again, uh, the east side used to be the district of Carolyn Maloney. It merged with the west side of the whale, Gerald Nadler. He beat her, and now he's in a three-way race in the general election. First time, though, I ever heard of a sex tape uh, that was being proudly offered as information about uh, what this guy stands for, as opposed to uh, coming out in a uh, investigative uh, hit piece by a reporter that wanted everybody to know that that candidate was not the holy roller that he pretended to be, not the family guy that he pretended to be, but actually was featured in a sex tape many, many years ago. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So Mark Green's brother, Steve, the uh, head of S.L. Green Realty Company, has developed a partnership with Caesars Palace. And they're going to open up a Caesars gambling uh, emporium right in Times Square at 1515 Broadway. It would be a Broadway theater to house productions of The Lion King. And then the gaming company are also proposing security and traffic improvements to that area of Times Square, which uh, oftentimes, if you happen to be walking around the gateway to the world, you see the uh, naked cowboy, right? You see the naked cowgirl. Oh, God. You don't want to look at her. Oh, you'll go blind. Horrible. And then there are the nudistas. Those are the women who paint themselves uh, red and blue. Although they are fully exposed, they're wearing no clothes. They're all illegal aliens who live in uh, Passaic and come in on the Port Authority bus to the uh, uh, Port Authority um, bus terminal on 42nd Street and 8th Avenue each day before they go into Times Square, wearing nothing at all. By the way, they almost arrive simultaneously from Passaic as now the smaller number of illegal aliens that are being bussed in from El Paso. Uh, by the mayor there, the Venezuelans, and by those who are crossing through uh, Eagle Pass in Texas that are being sent here by uh, Governor Abbott of Texas. So those numbers are decreasing. But they want to set up a casino right in Times Square. The state of New York 
will be offering three gaming licenses for the downstate area. That could include all three. Could be the five boroughs of New York City. It could be what one proposal was. That Give it to Genting. Genting is the Malaysian uh, gambling uh, concern that runs the Racino at uh, Aqueduct and has turned over 60% of the proceeds from the electric slot to the state of New York to support education. 60%. And apparently they run a pretty good operation. I've been there from time to time, but I haven't really uh, focused in on the nuances of the Racino there in Aqueduct. I've been to the track. It helps support the track by building up uh, larger purses for the degenerate horse players. They got a, a what, a, a hotel there now. They're building a convention center. So many have thought they should be given the opportunity since they were turning over so much of their profit in gambling, uh, the electronic gambling, to the state of New York, 60% of their take. Then, of course, you have Yonkers Raceway, used to be owned by the Rooney family, owners and operators of the Steelers. They've since gotten out of the business. I think a Rooney actually runs it, though, the Racino and Yonkers, and it's used to subsidize the Trotter track right next to it. And it turns uh, over, I think, 40%, although I stand to be corrected, about 40% of their take on the um, electric games, especially the slots, to the state of uh, of New York for educational purposes. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So that's been suggested that you go to the two who already have the license for the Racinos, the electronic games, and give them an opportunity to turn those racinos into uh, all-out, full-service casinos. But what the New York Times was talking about is this uh, partnership between uh, Sieges in Las Vegas and uh, Stephen Green and his realty company, brother of Mark Green. And it would be right in the gateway to the world. Well, Frank Morano, our degenerate gambler here at WABC, apparently is protecting his better interests, the Borgata and the Atlantic City uh, casinos that he snores from. Listen to what he had to say about bringing gambling, all-purpose gambling, three licenses to the downstate area, and obviously having the Meadowlands up north have full-service uh, casinos. While I love casino gambling, and I go to Atlantic City as often as I can, but uh, I've also been to casinos in Las Vegas. I've been to casinos in uh, the Catskills. I've been to casinos on cruise ships. I've been to casinos in uh, Pennsylvania. So the reason I am a walking contradiction is because I think it would be an awful idea, capital A, capital I, awful idea to expand gambling in the New York New York area and in North Jersey. I think it would be terrible for, for everybody, really, except arguably the casino owners that get to make a lot of money with the expansion of casino gambling. Now, uh, telephone talent coordinator Avery, you now notice that uh, Frank is very protective of the casino and hotel owners in Atlantic City, especially the Borgata. He doesn't want to see... Any full gambling uh, casino up in the Meadowlands and Secaucus. And he doesn't want to see any all-purpose casinos in the five boroughs of the city of New York. 
Do you think uh, his concern is merited, or do you think he's just protecting the snoring that he does down in Atlantic City? He, he waved for us. Yeah. Um. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, whoa, whoa, the cat got your tongue? No, it was the emergency, the emergency <laughs> signal thing went on. I couldn't hear you. Oh, the emergency signal thing. Is that Gorka trying uh, to contact us that way since uh, he was snubbed by the um, the uh, celebrity booker, uh, Jennifer Grodd, on yeah. behalf of the Frank Morano show, who told him uh, to call in how many months after? Yeah, like four months. Like, you know the emergency signal. Like if you try to watch TV late at night, yeah, yeah. when it gets to the best part of the movie, it's like the killer is, you know that thing. So, yeah, but as far as Frank and, and, and the casinos, man, I think he don't want the other ones up because he's not getting a taste of those. There's no doubt he wouldn't be able to put his beak in the trough like yeah. he does in the Borgata. Yeah, so he opposes them. Yeah, boy, he snores a lot out of the Borgata. He gets to shoot craps up there. I wonder when he loses every nickel, dime, and penny, if they let him walk home with a little pocket money, you know, just uh, just for old time's sake, since he's lured so many suckers, I mean so many of our listeners, to the crap table and the slot machines at the Borgata. I'm thinking something, I'm thinking of something like the relationship with um, De Niro and Casino, with uh, with the politicians and all that. Oh, yeah. I like to do favors, and I love to do favors. But oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That that well could be Frank Mar- yeah. Marano, the Mama that's Luke. What I'm thinking. I don't know why he would get that treatment, but, yeah, that, that, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, the quid pro quo, no doubt about it. Yeah. No, and naturally he talks it up on the radio. Oh, you want to go to the Borgata? It's the best casino. Oh, they have the best service. Look, uh, little Carmine, he had an au pair provided by Borgata. Look, my wife had a uh, spending account, unlimited spending. She could shop till she dropped while I was shooting craps. Yeah, I know. He'll get his whole block to go. <laughs> you know what Frank won't do? He won't tell. He won't tell him. Look. If you go on because of my show, give my special code. He won't do that because then the whole thing will be done. No, no, but uh, he counts. He gives a head count to the Borgata, and, boy, they give him tchotchkes in return. You know, he gets all the benefits that a whale gets, like uh, if a whale were to fly into that little airport, that dinky airport in Atlantic City with a Learjet, say, coming out of Teterboro. Uh, he gets the same kind of treatment that a whale gets who's willing to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars at the gaming tables. And that's because he brings in the business. All the people he bamboozles here at WABC on his show, The Worst Side of the Other Side of Midnight, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. And how many hours does he dedicate to promoting Atlantic City? It's like a free advertisement. Yeah. No. Yeah, he definitely does. He, he puts the time in. I mean, time in, yeah, but let's face it. You think he's getting greased? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, why else would he do it? I mean, he probably knows some people. He probably owes some people. Well, that's why he wouldn't want a casino to set up in Times Square. No, no, no. In fact, um, he talks about the whole idea that three casino licenses will now be made available downstate. It's been bandied about. There would be two in the five boroughs and one uh, maybe in the Mid Hudson Valley. Or maybe in Westchester. 29.
So they're trying to stick a Manhattan casino into the big ugly. State lawmakers right now are weighing whether to fast-track a move to allow three new casinos in the New York City area. Three! Three! How about you start with one? Let's start with one and see how it goes. Wow. Then he talks about the cost of infrastructure. Is that the way a degenerate gambler thinks? I don't think so. So what this is going to cost us in terms of additional infrastructure, in terms of social welfare spending because of gambling, is going to be very problematic. Very problematic. And I'm not convinced that it's going to be made up by the increased jobs or the increased tax revenue. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that's uh, so he can uh, keep getting his um, payoff from the board. Got it. You know, keep the competition away. Don't allow for promotion of other casinos and hotels because, you know, that would uh, crimp the style of his favorite casino, the Borgata, where he gets to shoot craps morning, noon, and night, and then he gets to shoot it over and over and over, an unlimited amount of shooting time that he gets. And once he's tired of playing craps, they let him play CeeLo, CeeLo, three dice, three dice. The four, five, and six. They let him play CeeLo. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And then he uh, talks about the cost of the infrastructure. Do you think Times Square, you think Midtown Manhattan really needs casinos? It takes forever to get anywhere in Times Square now or anywhere in Midtown if you're driving. You really want to add the additional traffic of casinos? And, look, there are economically depressed or economically struggling areas of the state. Manhattan is not one of them. And Manhattan's problems, economically at least, have to do with other issues aside from a lack of casinos. Wow. Well, what, what do you make it? Why he's so negative about having a casino in Times Square, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, because he is a degenerate gambler. You would figure the closer it is, he would snore from the uh, new Caesars casino in Times Square. So what would he care? Well, I mean, look, he has to say this. I mean, you know, obviously I would think that he would want a casino closer to home. And so I, I would think he would uh, be in this casino morning, morning, noon, and night. When he's not here, he'd be here at the casino and at home. But that's his fear. I want you to all listen, ladies and gentlemen. He knows he's out of control. He knows he cannot, he cannot uh, get grip, a grip on the fact that he is a degenerate gambler, Frank Morano. You're going to see us losing our paycheck every two weeks at this casino. We, if you have to, if I'm on 49th Street, right? If I have to pass 43rd Street, and I have to pass a casino on a Friday after I've just gotten paid, what do you think I'm doing? Come on, of course I'm going to go in there and pay. Come on, come on, come on, five, five, six, come on, five, seven, crapped out. Okay, crapped out. You know he'd want to immediately set up the same kind of operation that he has with the Borgata, where he's snoring free stuff from Caesars in Times Square. By the way, you know damn well if they put up uh, Caesars 
1515 Broadway, they're going to put a statue of Caesar outside in Black Lives Matter. Hawk Newsom, the local director, who says, burn, baby, burn, and can't wait to, to be given a chance to tear down statues. He'd probably want to tear down and desecrate the statue of Caesar. Black Lives Matter, BLM, which now represents big, large mansions. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Look somewhere up the myself the musical uh, coordinator since I probably have the most eclectic types of music that I play uh, on any of the shows here at WABC more so than uh, Vinnie Madunio is coming up between five and six he pretty much quantifies I think the 60s and then of course cousin Brucey aka Bruce Morrow from uh, six to ten acts his mentor he generally is like 50s, 60s, 70s. And then Tony Orlando, without Dawn, from 10 to 12, uh, he gets into a lot of 70s and 80s stuff, but I notice they don't play Jerry Val. I wonder why. You know, we have the uh, Frank Sinatra extravaganza, two hours. Ramsey Mazda, I get that. We have Dean Martin. Dina Martin, his daughter, spends uh, his stacks of wax for an hour. I get that. What about Jerry Val? I, I, look, I remember my mother loved Jerry Val. She loved Perry Como and she loved Jerry Val. Jerry Val, if I remember correctly, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, ladies and gentlemen, I think he came out of the Bronx. And then I think he died in Palm Springs, uh, California, which is where Frank Sinatra lived. And Gerald Ford, that's right, Gerald Ford, the former president. But I remember in the album collection that my mother played, and she would play Perry Como uh, records, but really Jerry Vale. I remember Buddy, The Language of Love, Till, Have You Looked Into Your Heart Till the End of Time, Mala Famina. 
This one, this classic, I have one heart. I love this song. My mother played it over and over. I said, hey, Mom, don't worry. Play it again. This was a great song. Summertime in Venice. There goes my heart. This guy's in love with you. Christmas greetings from Jerry Vale. The same old moon. It's magic. The essential Jerry Vale. Standing ovation. Time alone will tell in today's great hits. You don't have to say you love me. Jerry Vale sings 16 of his greatest hits of the 60s. Great moments on Broadway and Girl Meets Boy. Come on. We should have an hour of Jerry Vale each week. I'm going to have to sit down with our owner-operator, John and Margot Katsimatidis of our parent company, Red Apple Media. They might not go for my more eclectic musical taste, you know, like uh, electronic dance music. Calvin Harris that I've been playing lately. Uh, I'll play that tomorrow. But how about an arrow for Jerry Vale? I mean, think about it. Coming out of the Bronx, you had Jerry Vale, you had Bobby Darren. Um, he went to Bronx High School of Science. You had Frank Sinatra, obviously, Hoboken, Tony Bennett, the Astoria, Queens kid. Uh, Dean Martin uh, from uh, came out of the same city in Ohio. Right across the border from Wheeling, West Virginia. Jimmy the Greek came out of there also. What city am I talking about, ladies and gentlemen, for a Curtis Lee booby prize? Don't ask, don't tell, because we throw nickels around like manhole covers. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. What city did both uh, Dean Martin and uh, Jimmy the Greek come out of? In Ohio. Right opposite uh, Wheeling, West Virginia. 1-800-848-9222. What a great song. What a great song. Oh, man. This is bringing me back. At the house there, 982 East 89th Street on the corner of Avenue J, 89th and Canarsie. Half a block from the Canarsie Cemetery. The only uh, secular cemetery in all of New York City. It was owned by the city at that time. I think it's a private owner now. It's not religious. It's secular. And I, uh, I'd be on the corner, and I could hear coming out of my house this song, because my mom would play it on the Victrola over and over, Jerry Bell and Perry Como. And, of course, the Polish prince. You know what the Polish prince says, right? Ah, that's a good booby prize. And so you had uh, Perry Como always wore the sweaters, came out of Washington, Pennsylvania, only a town of about 50,000, on your way to West Virginia from Pittsburgh, Steel City. And uh, Bobby Vinton, the Polish prince, grew up in the same neighborhood in Washington, Pennsylvania, only a town of 50,000, and Bobby Vinton idolized Perry Como. So when Perry Como moved out of Washington, Pennsylvania, to Long Island, I think the North Shore, you know who followed? Bobby Vinton. Wanted to live right by him. You know, it's sort of like the way Vinnie Madugno is with Cousin Brucey. You know, Cousin Brucey, the mentor, Vinnie Madugno, the student. Likewise, the same. You had Perry Como, the teacher, and Bobby Vinton, the Polish prince, uh, the student. But imagine both of those great singers. And by the way, Bobby Vinton could play all of the instruments of in his band. Each of those instruments. He was a fabulous entertainer. 
saw him at one of John and Margot's, uh, I believe it was uh, Margot's birthday party. What was that? The Rainbow Room uh, Rockefeller Center. Oh, uh, by Bobby Vinton. Man, he played every instrument in his band. And he didn't take time to tell stories because obviously the older you get as a crooner, you need a little break in between songs, you know, just to sort of restore your pipes. No, the guy was nonstop. Got to be in his 80s now. Got to be. Oh, Jerry Bell. It's no longer here. Uh, what do you think, Broadway Billy? Uh, you got a pretty good ear, unlike Frank Morano, the Mamaluke, who's got a tin ear. You got a pretty good ear. Uh, yeah, Jerry Vale, uh, an hour, right, once a week. I mean, it should be all entertainment on the weekends. You know, let me do my electric dance music, uh, electronic dance music, Calvin Harris, you know, uh, I'll be, like, uh, DJing that. I mean, look, I think so. We do too much talk, let's face it, too much talk. Strange your brain, you know, always gets down to the same two topics. Uh, Donald Trump is God. Joe Biden sucks. I was listening to some of it today. It made me nauseous. The same old talk. They repeat one another what one another has said. It's sort of like, oh, my God. Where's the entertainment value, right? The weekend, John Katzmatidis and Margot Katzmatidis say they want to entertain the audience Saturdays and Sundays. I'm suggesting an hour for Jerry Vale out of the Bronx. Nobody can doubt his cred. And give me an hour for electronic dance music. You probably bring somebody else in for uh, uh, Freddie Vale. Bring him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. Freddie. What Freddie? That's my cousin Freddie. No, no, no. You caused me to digress. Freddie Bianchino. Some of you out there know Freddie Bianchino. He had the butcher shop at um, right between 89th and Remsen Avenue on Glenwood Road. No, make that between 89th and 88th on Glenwood. He was a butcher. And he would sing, sing all day. The women would come in, you know, get the meat, he'd serenade them. Wasn't the best singer. And then every time there'd be a wedding, and, you know, on the Italian side of the family, oh, my God, it's always like a wedding every every week. There's so many nieces and nephews and relatives that I didn't even know. All I knew is some of these relatives wanted to kill me. I said, I don't even know you. You're my relative. Hey, yeah, but we want to kill you because you're a mutt. You're not a full Italian-American. You're a mutt. You're part Italian on your mom's side, by age, Francesca, and you're Polish on your daddy's side. Polish? What is Polish? It's Polish, you, you, Jadru. You got on. Well, isn't it spelled P-O-L-I-S-H? Yeah. Polish. No, Polish. This is what I got to deal with, right? My cousins, my Supreme Cuisine cousins. By the way, when the Gottis wanted to whack me, you know, they tried twice. I can't say that my cousins had my back. I've had conversations with them since. I said, hey, how come you didn't give me a heads up? Because you were wrong. You deserved it, the way you were talking. I thought you my cousin, right? I had your back. Remember that time I dragged you out? Pilder C. Junior High School, you were getting a beat down. They could have killed you there. I jumped in. Pulled you out of the belly of the beast. He goes, that was then, this is now. Oh, my, oh my. 
Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to the phones. It's Michael calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hi, uh, I'm from College Point. It's your old friend, Mike. Hey, Mike, I see you got the trivia answer, Mike. What happened? Go back to Mike in College Point. College Point. Yes, uh, what is the trivia answer, Mike? Uh, Al Franken from Minnesota. You got it, Al Franken from Minnesota. Let me uh, tell you, telephone talent coordinator, please take care of my my good old friend there from College Point. Love College Point, by the way. They voted for me, for me. Uh, they get no respect from the city. You go to College Point today, it's a lunar landscape. They have dug up and supposedly put in sewers for a month of Sundays. They never seem to put the sewers in. I have never seen more part, potholes in any part of the city. It's like uh, lunar module landings. They're, they're holes in the ground. City Hall hates College Point. You know why? Because they voted for me. Like Whitestone, like Bayside. Hey, they don't like the people there. No, no, no. So naturally, when it's time for City Hall to service these areas, they say, hmm, let's look at the map. Ah, that area went for sleeper. Hey, you'll have to wait last in line. And boy, at College Point, they've been waiting last in line for a month of Sundays. Our number is one 800 Let's go to Teresa calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Teresa. Hey, Curtis. Um, yeah, I, you know, I called about something else, but you brought something up. My dad used to do the same thing. Pavarotti, Dean Martin, it was always blasting in the background just when we wanted to start our big bonfire parties. You know, he's like, not nah, we get to listen to my music first. So, uh, but I actually liked it. It was great stuff. Which way, which was your favorite, Teresa? Uh, I think I liked all of it. I really did, but I didn't want my friends to know it. <laughs> you know, we grew up in a, a town that was half Italian, half Irish. So, um, it, you know, it was just good memories. I remember as a little, little kid in the basement playing... Uh, the Andy Williams album. Oh, that's right, Andy uh, Williams. That that was like a on him. that was like a staple in every household. Everybody oh, always yeah. had to have at least one Andy Williams uh, vinyl album. Oh yeah, but anyway, the other thing I wanted to talk about was only once in my life did I ever go to a casino, and I walked in and it was nothing but slot machines. I don't even know where it was. It was in Jersey somewhere. And uh, I put a buck in first time, and I won 20 bucks. And I said, that's it, I'm done. Uh, now let's go. Wow. So, Teresa, Teresa, hold on. Uh, casino industry can never survive with the Teresas of the world. It puts money in the slots, wins one time 20 bucks, and then she's out the door, never to return again. By the way, I need a little my. Bobby Vinton there. I heard Bobby Vinton. Uh, it's the Polish side of my my body that was responding. Ooh. That's Andy Williams, right? 
Yeah, everybody had to have an Andy Williams album. I really didn't like Andy Williams, but I had to placate my father. He liked Andy Williams, yeah. So we had the Bobby Vinton album. We had the Andy Williams album. We had Tony Bennett. Uh, we had Jerry Vale. We had Perry Como. Yeah, those were the albums we had. We didn't have any Sinatra. Trying to remember who else we had. Oh. It was okay, Andy Williams. It was all right. A little too waspish for me, you know. Oh, yeah. She wore blue. Oh, Bobby Vinton. Polish Prince. First time I heard Bobby Vinton was in uh, Chicago, 46, in Rockwell, Polish side of my family. We were visiting them during the Christmas holidays. And uh, my grandmother, Wanda, who is from uh, Lima Nova, the southern border of Poland with uh, Czechoslovakia, the highlands. And she had the... Uh, she had like three Bobby Vinton albums, the Polish Prince, and oh, they were all sitting around, you know, they were listening to their oompa-pa music in the morning, smoking their cigarettes, you know, having a crumb cake, and their uh, tchotchke, oh, what was it, their klotchkes, klotchkes, and uh, having a good old time, and then in the afternoon, my grandmother Wanda would put on the Bobby Vinton songs when the boys were out, my father... He was the oldest son. That was Uncle uh, Uncle Leonard. Uh, there was Uncle Smitty, and then it was Uncle Ernie. So the four boys, when they were out the house, you put on Bobby Vinton. My grandfather, he'd be smoking those Chesterfields, no filters, four packs a day. You know, he died of lung cancer, four packs a day. But he loved Bobby Vinton, too, man. He really did. But they had uh, good musical taste. I walked into some other houses. I'm not going to even mention. Man, I had some artists on there. I was like, you listen to that crap? Yeah, while we eat. I said, oh, I'm sure that helps to digest the process. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Michael. Hey, Curtis, what's up? How you doing? Uh, I've had better days. Yeah, I, I could. Um, I, I'm just a little concerned about them building uh, this casino in Times Square because you may never be able to get Frank Morano out of there, you know? And I think he's afraid of that as well. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt uh, that uh, Frank uh, would definitely lose his money. That's what he actually said if they put a casino in Times Square. You're going to see us losing our paycheck. Every two weeks at this casino, we if you have to if I'm on 49th Street, right? If I have to pass 43rd Street and I have to pass a casino on a Friday after I've just gotten paid, what do you think I'm doing? Come on, of course I'm going to go in there and pay. Come out, rules. New shooter coming out. All right. Uh, we got eight, eight, eight easy. Wow. You're right, Michael. That 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 temp, that temptation would be too much. There'd be no money to feed young Carmine, who's still gonna, who's gonna be like one years old on about Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, that's 
that's not going to be good. Well, you see, there are other locations, too, Michael, I, I need to share with the audience. There's another idea, this guy Ross, who owns the Hudson Yards, which is really uh, just a ghost town now. There's almost no activity right next to Jacob Javits Center and the number seven train that was built there from 42nd. Uh, they want to build a casino there, and they want to move Madison Square Garden from where it is now, 7th Avenue and 32nd Street, and they want to move it over to the Hudson Yards. Uh, and then uh, uh, Jimmy Dolan, who uh, owns the uh, Madison Square Garden, would still pay no property tax. What a sweetheart deal. But they want a casino there. Then you have uh, the owner of the New York Mets, Steve Cohen, he wants a casino on that property that surrounds City Field. It's always been abandoned, always uh, had glaciers and chop shops there because of the huge Asian population. Boy, that would be a built-in clientele. You have Vito Fasella, who floated the idea on the uh, 5 o'clock roundtable discussion with John Katsimatidis, Lydia Serrani, and their many guests of having an all-purpose uh, casino on the north shore of Staten Island, right there next to uh, Ferryhawk Stadium, next to the mall that's uh, like the catacombs now. It's uh, almost empty. Uh, and where they would uh, try to build that wonder wheel that uh, never, never came about. Uh, and then you have Coney Island, our own uh, owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, has talked about uh, building an all-purpose casino with a hotel right on the boardwalk of Coney Island, further uh, west uh, where the beaches are really nice and you really get the water coming in uh, from the Atlantic Ocean uh, right near uh, Seagate. And I think uh, those are the uh, the sites that are being looked at. The mayor has to make a decision. He has to get way, uh, way in. Uh, whoever the next governor is on November 8th, they would have to weigh in. But there's a lot of money at stake, Michael, and there's going to be a lot of whining, dining, and pocket lining. Oh, that's definitely true. And uh, one other thing, the the uh, I think you were getting set up again tonight by uh, Jennifer Grodd when the uh, the red bat phone went off, and uh, it was that you know the demons among us uh, guy who was supposed to be calling in or something. Yep. I, I think that was just another setup for you, just like, the, you know, the Loch Ness Monster guy. Yeah, it could be. Uh, in fact, just uh, to recall, uh, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, this guy, the book author who called in on that special line that only Jennifer Grodd knows the number to, the special guest hotline, uh, he had called when to book uh, his appearance? August 9th. It was like four months ago, right? August 9th, he booked his appearance. And they told him to call this morning at what time, Avery? He called at one thirty. At one thirty, it was booked by the celebrity um, booker, Jennifer Grodd. And the poor guy, you know, I, I just looked. It's a number one bestseller. It's a, he's a really good author. And he he was, like, really pissed. You can imagine, Michael, really pissed. He lives over in Europe. So by the time he called, it must have been about 5 o'clock in the morning there. Oh, yeah. I I looked him up as well, and I think he's, like, a really big deal in the horror fiction uh, world, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, think about it, Michael. They set it up four months before 
They never double check with the guy like, oh, we're off by a day. And they leave the guy hanging. And you know, Michael, I can't cross over into that lane. That's Frank Morano's specialty interviews. If I were to interview him, that would be considered quite the faux pas. That you, you just don't do that in talk radio annals. I don't think he was off by a day. You know, yeah, I, I get it. You're you're, you're uh, you know you're a stand up guy, and uh, that's that's Frank's uh, line of work. You know, if he was off by a day, wouldn't they notice if they didn't have the guy there yesterday? No, because you know how they are. <laughs> They're still nods. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that they book people and then they forget about it, and luckily they call in, and then all of a sudden they got to scramble because yeah, you know, you know how helter skelter Frank Morano is. He's like. Uh, you talk about a guy who needs Adderall. He's got attention deficit disorder. He forgets half the things you tell him. I tell him, Frank, write it down. You won't forget it. No, I don't need to write it down. I can remember. Frank, yeah, I'm going to give you a Sharpie. Write it in the palm of your hand if you don't have a piece of paper. You can always wash your hands off. No, I don't need to do it. I'll ask him a week later, and he goes, oh, I forgot. That's because you didn't write it down. Maybe you can go check the dice and AC. It's written on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's all he cares about. Shooting craps at the Borgata because he loves to schnorr free stuff. He's one of the last of the old talk radio show hosts and hostesses who live to schnorr free stuff. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. Bill Lee, you uh, hadn't been invited to the uh, Mama Luke's uh, wedding, Frank Morano, uh, were you? Of course not. He treats you like a person of no consequence. And I know that uh, you, uh, Telephone Talent Coordinator Avery, were not invited to uh, Frank Morano's wedding. Is that correct? He gave me a red jacket. He gave you a red jacket. What? To do valet parking? Yeah. That figures. And a plate of food. And one plate of food. One plate of food. After I parked the cars. After you parked the cars. All right. Anyway, I happen to have been one of the invited guests with my um, gorgeous wife, Nancy. And as you know, uh, everybody was assuming the over-under point spread would be that I would be the best man. And Broadway Billy, it was shocking to me with all that uh, Frank Morano has said about our relationship that he did not pick me as his best man. You know who he picked? The Eric Adams Republican Joe Borelli. And I will never, ever forgive him. Plus, as you know, uh, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, it was a very large gathering. And when we went into the catering hall after the ceremony, 
By the way, he did it outdoors. There were mosquitoes the size of horses out there flying around. Horse flies, mosquitoes, biting people. But Frank Morano didn't care. He didn't care at all. He just lit up a big cohiba with Joe Borelli and the rest of the guys. Because, you know, when you smoke the cigar, the mosquitoes, they're, they're chased away. Meantime, everybody else was being attacked by horse flies and mosquitoes out there in Staten Island. And then to sit in the catering hall and to have to be staring, eye-fornicating, mad-dogging across the way on Frank Morano's side and Rachel's side, the entire Gotti family, John Gotti Jr., Victoria Sr., Victoria Jr., Angel, oh, that was his sweetheart, if Rachel only knew. Now, I caught him, uh, Avery, uh, canoodling with Angel uh, Angel Gotti, who is the oldest daughter of John Gotti Sr. and uh, Victoria Gotti uh, Sr. Ah, canoodling. You know what that means? Swap and spit. How horrendous was that? How horrendous, ladies and gentlemen. This is what I got to deal with. This is what I got to deal with. So there are two things here before I discuss the mobsters choking on their lobsters. Halloween canceled. 52% won't give trick-or-treaters candy this year. Many blame Joe Biden inflation. Did you know, uh, Avery, that every year Frank Morano refuses to give candies to the kids who come trick-or-treating at his door? Because, as you know, he's got alligator arms and he claims that he's frugal and he's got to make his uh, mortgage payments. So he gives the he doesn't even give the kids candy corns that are put into a little paper towel that have a little rubber band around it. I mean, that's how cheap can you get? I don't know if it's a cheap thing. I think um, maybe maybe he likes, you know, the disappointment on the kids' faces when they come to his house. Probably, but he brags about the fact that he doesn't give any of the kids who come to his door any kind of tchotchkes on Halloween. And by the way, the Surgeon General has put out this report about toxic workplaces are bad for mental and physical health. And they indicate that you should take at least a week off for a mental health recharge. So you know Frank Morano is going to be using this to take another week off. No <laughs> doubt about it. No doubt about it. Our number is one 800 Let's go to Mike. Mike, who's homeless? Where are you calling from, Mike? Mike, where are you calling from? Mike's not there. I was going to suggest that Mike, if he's homeless, go across the bridge from the FDR Drive to Randall's Island. You know, they got that tent up for the Venezuelans. You know, there's only six of them there now. They were supposed to be have 500 single, able-bodied men from Venezuela. And they got a lounge. They got a 72-inch uh, plasma TV everywhere. They got Xbox, three hots in a cot, and... They send their laundry out, and they launder, and they fold for them, and they bring it back. He said he had a transistor. He listened to the show on a transistor radio. Well, let's see if we can get Mike again. Let's see if we can pull him up. Maybe he had to change his batteries there. Uh, Hey, Mike. Mike's not there. I was going to suggest that he claim that he's a Venezuelan, right, and they'll put him in the big tent. You imagine what normal homeless people think who are American 
They see all the tchotchkes that these Venezuelans, these illegal guys are getting. You couldn't keep me out of there. Damn right. I know if uh, Nancy ever kicks me to the curb like uh, a lot of my former wives, right? I know where I'm going, that tent on Randall's Island. Do you see that lounge they set up for these guys? These guys can't even speak English, right? They're illegal aliens. They follow Hugo Chavez. Oh, we love Chavez, right? And then uh, in Randall's meantime, they got 350 feet away. Have you ever been to the Randall's Island uh, shelter for the homeless? It is horrible. Oh, my God, the smell, the stink, the stench. So these homies are looking at these new guys coming in from Venezuela. They're going to bum-rush that tent. That's why Kathy Crimewave Holcomb is sending in the National Guard to protect them. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Leslie in Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Leslie. I'm calling about Dean Martin's home of origin. It was Steubenville, Ohio. You couldn't be more hopelessly right. <laughs> when I call, I know I'm right. Oh. And, you know, I, lo- I love you, and I love the station, and you're the only station I listen to. Oh, that's great. That's great, Leslie. You make sure it's always WABC, your place to be. I will. Can you send me a cap? Of course. So we're going to take care of you, Leslie, expeditiously, Avery. Don't let Leslie slip through the cracks and stay on the director of merchandise, Jake the Snake Roberts, who's always messing up. First thing I say on Monday, just before I do the show in the afternoon from 1215 to 1, Jake the Snake, oh, everything done. I got it all. I say, how can you have it all? You just got in at 9 o'clock this morning. Done. Already took care of everything. You know, he's a bull feathers thrower. That's for sure. I'm going to take personal responsibility to make sure that Leslie is getting her WABC baseball cap. Styling and profiling in that. Probably on Austin Street or Yellowstone Boulevard. And it will have the patch on it that says... The better side of the other side of midnight as opposed to the worst side of the other side of midnight, the Frank Morano show, which is on one to five Monday through Fridays. When you're on the better side of the other side of midnight, remember it, 12 midnight to six, I take you to the break of dawn. Saturday morning, so nice, the suits then let me do it twice from 12 midnight to six Sunday morning. Nobody goes to sleep. Nobody goes to sleep. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bob, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Bobby. Hi, Curtis. Uh, I I voted for you. I'm sorry you're not our mayor. And, uh, you know, instead of the, the, I like what you call him, the swagger man without a plan. I wanted to to comment on on about Jerry Vale. Jerry Vale, you're right. Jerry Vale is is really a great but underrated singer. He's almost forgotten. And he was my father's favorite singer. My father grew up in Hell's Kitchen back in the days when the name fit the place. And uh, I remember growing up, uh, and we listened to a lot of Jerry Vale and a lot of Mitch Miller and the Gang. That was that was the music that, that was the soundtrack of my life. You know. No, no, hold on. You listen to Jerry Vale and Mitch Miller. Mitch Miller and the Gang. Yeah, we had he. he my father. Most of his record collection was Jerry Vale. And Mitch Miller and the gang, that was, again, the soundtrack of my life. <laughs> you know, people music. people don't realize, Bob, how many a- a- albums that Jerry Vale pumped out. Yeah, a Pro- lot. Prolific, and they were all good. 
They were all yeah. good. You know, you know. I just want to interject. Uh, he does a, a, a version of Can't Take My Eyes Off You that I think is even better than Frankie Valli's version. I, and I love Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. I'm a big Frankie Valli fan. But I like his version even better from that from that 16 greatest hits of the 60s. You know, I bought, I remember going out and buying a new copy of that album because it's really good. He does great versions of those songs like Hello, Dolly and born free and you know great album he was a really great and i and i like his music i bought a lot of his stuff on 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 cd you know well i'm i I, on behalf of you bob and i know many other listeners who love jerry vale i am going to lobby our owners and operators john and margot casmatidis i agree i agree should be a jerry vale hour to be on the show to do the show yeah should you know should be an hour each week uh i mean I, I just I jotted down some notes uh, of I remember the albums that my mother had in the Victrola was mm-hmm. uh, I remember Buddy, the language mm-hmm. of love, mm-hmm. have you looked into your heart, right till the right. end of time, uh-huh. my la famina, uh-huh. I have one but one heart that's the classic, mm-hmm. summertime in Venice, there mm-hmm. goes my heart, this yeah. guy's in love with you. Right, right. I remember that one, yeah. I yeah. mean, it just keeps going. You don't have to say you love me. Yeah, that was a good version. He did a nice version of that. And, yeah, he, he really was – he had, like, an almost operatic voice. I mean, really, he really is very underrated. You know, I, I mean, I know, I know I'm going to offend a lot of Frank Sinatra fans out there, but he's as underrated as Frank Sinatra is really overrated, in my opinion. This is my personal opinion. No, I, mean, I, 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 I totally crazy. agree. I, I completely yeah. agree. I think – uh, everybody gets so mesmerized by Frank Sinatra. I mean, we have a great show every Sunday night with Jersey Joe Piscopo. He plays the right. Stacks of Wax, and they're all good songs. Right. But after a while, you start comparing it to others, and you're saying, hey, this Jerry Val, uh, hey, man, he can compete with Frank Sinatra. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I'm going to do my best, uh, Bob, whatever influence I have here at WABC, if we can get maybe an hour a week of Jerry yeah, Vale. Sure. Sure. I'll listen. I'll listen in. I mean, it's only fair. He's from the Bronx. we got to have somebody from I the Bronx. I didn't know that. that I didn't know. That's, that's a bit of information. I didn't, I didn't really know much about his background, but I just... But I, I grew up listening to... And I liked a lot of his... I like a lot of his songs. I like him. He's, you know... Well, I mean, well, think about it. You have Bobby Darren from the Bronx. Right. I like him too. Yeah. Uh, everybody seems to know Bobby Darren's, uh, you know, background. Right. Going to Bronx mm-hmm. High School of Science. Uh huh. You know, hanging out in Washington Heights. That's where uh-huh. he meant. Uh, uh, what's his name of the swinging soiree? Right. Uh, where they used to do jingles. They used to do tunes. Mm-hmm. And then that splish splash song. Mm-hmm. Came about when the uh, swinging soiree guy, and his name escapes me momentarily, couldn't mm-hmm. come up with lines with Bobby Darren. They were like <laughs> breaking their their thought process, and so uh, he gives the he calls up his mother. He says, he says Bobby Darren, my mother's good as a lyricist. You got to talk to her. He goes, are you mm-hmm. kidding? Your mother? Yeah. He was on the phone with his mother for an uh-huh. hour. And that's how he got that great hit song, Splish Splash. Oh wow, that's interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, I, I love, I love, I love stories like that. How how songs came to be, how this came to be, and that. Yeah, I love stuff like that. All that 
what they, some people call useless information. But there's no such thing as useless information. It's all it's all useful in some way or another, you know. Yeah, and you look at the history of how many top songs Jerry Vale sang, mm-hmm. and how long he was a top performing artist. Yeah, phenomenal yeah. amount of time. Yes. I think he had a total of 16 albums. That's incredible. I know, I know, I know. Like I said, he's very he's he he was popular in the in the 50s, 60s, you know, when he started. But then he's he's sort of like forgotten almost, you know, except among older people like you and I, you know. And I like to see his music revived, you know, really, really. You know, cuz he's a very he was an excellent singer, you know. I think uh his uh Name uh, at first was Vitaliano. Uh huh. Yeah. And they, yeah, they, they made him. They, it, yeah. Yeah. They made him uh, truncate that. Right, right. You yeah. know how they were with Italians. Yeah, you can't sound too Italian. Frank, Frankie Valley's original name was Castel, Castellino or something like that. Or yep. Cast, you know, so yeah, yeah. That's true. Hmm. You got to tell he really, you. He, he really was a great singer. And again, he should, I, I really hope and pray that you. You can convince your, your 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 bosses to, you know, set aside at least an hour a week. You know. But yeah. what I what I remember my mother telling me because she had really studied the guy, uh-huh. is that he was traumatized because um, when they were growing up in the Bronx, I think he had a brother who was about three, four, five who was running out in the streets and he got clipped by a car and run oh, over. Wow! And oh, he wow. died. As a result, he became a real Mama Luke, you know, like Frank Morano, <laughs> like uh, Kanye West, a real Mama Luke. So his mom was always being overprotective of him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she had like a nervous breakdown. Oh, wow. And then he had to get out there on his own, and that's how he developed his singing style. Oh, wow. I never knew that. This is interesting. Yeah, well, he actually was singing... In barber shops at the age of eleven. That I heard. I heard something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you know the guys just sitting around. They're reading the Playboy magazine. They're waiting to get their <laughs> hair clipped. The uh, kid would come in at eleven. You know, he he'd be singing these tunes. They were all like amazed. They put down the Playboy magazine, which is something. <laughs> and he'd shine the shoes. Oh wow! See, my wow. cousin, uh, not my cousin, my uncle Ralphie. Uh-huh. Used to, uh, they were living in Canarsie at the time, right on uh, Remsen Avenue. He would take his shine box on the L train, uh-huh. and they would ride the L train up and down. He would walk up and down, and he would shine shoes, and he would dance, and he would sing, and wow. uh, people would give him a tip. Oh, yeah, a lot, wow. it used to be a lot of shine boys, a lot of shine boys, and they would have to do other things like Jerry Vell. He'd be singing to you while shining his shoes, so you'd give him an extra tip. Wow, wow, interesting. Interesting. It, it, yeah. it, it, I, I don't think people understand what some of these folks did to develop their craft. Like we talked about Tony Bennett. He right. was a waiter, a singing waiter. Frank Sinatra, right. a singing know, waiter. Yes, yes. yeah. Is it, he's from my hood. <laughs> right. They, they took normal jobs, but right. it required them singing. Or they figured, wow, the route to making more money is to mm-hmm. sing while mm-hmm. I perform these services. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am telling you, I am telling you from Vegas to TV to Carnegie Hall, 
Uh, how can we not give Jerry Vale his due? I mean, come on. We don't have Tony Bennett for an hour. We should. Or at least rotate. Maybe one one Saturday we do Tony Bennett. The next Saturday you do uh, Jerry Vale. We got a lot of singers you could do like one week. And then wrote, I'll make that suggestion. That might go, that might be an easier sell to John and Marco Casamatitis. Every other week, an hour, right? Tony Bennett, one hour. Jerry Vale, Bobby Vinton, Perry Como. Oh, I think our listeners would love that. I think they would love that. Rather than just do every week an hour of Jerry Vale, an hour of Perry Como. An hour of Bobby Vinton, the Polish Prince. No. I, I like this idea better. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's got to be it's got to be entertaining on the weekend. It's just too much going on. You talk TV, it gives me a headache. You know, whether it's MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, it's like, oh, the same. Stay, come on. It's almost nothing that's lighthearted, entertaining. And then you listen to these other bombastic shows on radio. It's like, oh, enough already. You need a sanctuary on the weekends. And that has become WABC. That's your place to be. It can be very apolitical. There's no politics involved in this. I haven't, I don't even know what Jerry Vale's politics was. Was he a Democrat? Was he a Republican? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, boy. Hmm. Got to tell you, a lot of work to do, a lot of things to um, entertain people with. But I mean, like so many others, Broadway to Vegas, Carnegie Hall, travel the country, Atlantic City, Las Vegas. So many people love Jerry Vale. Really a great singer, no doubt about it. Let's go to Mike, uh, the homeless guy, uh, again. Uh, let's see if he is connected with us. Uh, telephone talent coordinator uh, Avery insists that he has. Uh, if we can, let's see if we can go to Mike. Are you there, Mike? Hey, Mike uh, seems to be having a problem. Avery, what, what, what gives here, man? Is he playing the rope-a-dope with you or what? Hey, that's that's twice. I, I talked to him. He said he had to go to another location. He had to go inside. He's burning you, man. He's burning you. I mean, now you know three strikes and you're out, Avery. Are you going to give this? That. Are you going to give this guy a third time? I mean, look, one, with me, one strike and you're out. But I mean, what do you want me to do? Well, I, you know what it is. You're feeling empathetic and sympathetic for him. You're feeling sorry for him. That's why you're giving him a second shot. I won't deny that. And now he's he, now he's embarrassed you a second time. Okay. Oh, so you, you're still going to give this chump? Uh, how do you even know he's homeless? How do you know he's not pulling your chain and chewing your BVDs and fruit of the loom? You're right. Thank you. Thank you. You see, yeah, this is pro style. You got to know, man, there's a lot of tricks. People trying to get through, trying to pull your heartstrings. They know you got a big heart because they know. In listening to me, I always talk about you put on your Sunday best. You go to the local church on Sunday, you listen to the pastor, you know, you pour your heart out. Yeah, pastor, pastor, while he's uh, ripping you off for $100, $200, pastor, pastor. Where's the punchline, though? Like, he's just, he just, just not. 
He's been hanging up. Yeah. He uh he does the rope a dope on you. <laughs> you know, he probably gets off on this. You know, that he 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 he, he sells you a sad sack. <laughs> He's like a sad sack story. He's selling you a sad sack story. You're immediately thinking, wow, he's not in the big tent in Randall's Island. He's not playing with the Xbox, watching the big screen, 72-inch plaza, full screen TV at our expense. And he can speak English. So you're figuring like, wow, man, you know, I got to give him a help. I understand, but you're too soft-hearted. You're too nice here, Mike. Yeah, you're wrong for that one, Curtis. Man. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah, you're too nice to this guy, Mike. Man, you gotta, you gotta rough these guys up a little bit. What tough love? Yeah, tough love. <laughs> tough love, or they, or they make a fool out of you. Remember, people are gonna remember. Not Mike, the homeless guy calling up because they're gonna say he's not homeless. How can he be calling up? They're gonna remember Avery getting bamboozled and getting fooled by Mike. That's what they're going to remember, Avery. You try to be human once, and, I, and I, 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 get, I get crucified for it. You know what? Tell it to your pastor on Sunday. <laughs> anyway, let's go to Larry in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Larry. Curtis, I can't take the squabbling between you and Frank anymore. I haven't heard such painful squabbling since I was a kid watching professional wrestling, and I watched the midgets, Sky Lolo and Little Beaver, they had they went on for years traveling the country with this squabbling. I can't take it. I can't take Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron Sheik. They finally got caught driving together in a car eating waffles. This has to come to an end, Curtis. There's some of us that just can't. I'm getting older. I'm a few months older than you. My colon is is constricting over this. This has to end, Curtis. This has to come to an end. I did not see Curtis next to the Gaudis at my wedding. They were on opposite ends of the room. They did not interact at all. There was no interaction. I don't think they saw one another. Uh, The extent, I think, to any interaction they had is Curtis was dancing with his wife on the dance floor and John Gotti Jr. came over to me, and he said to me, hey, do you think Curtis would mind if I cut in with his wife? Do you mind if we dance with your dates? Why, no, not at all. Go right ahead. Larry, you understand why this is a deep chasm here. Curtis, let me ask you a question. What's the big deal? I've never known a wedding that I've gone to where somebody didn't try to kill somebody else, okay? Whether it's over Swedish meatballs or cocktail franks or whatever, somebody was trying to knock somebody off. I want to be shaked. I want to be shocked and shaked. I understand, Larry, this is personal. This is very personal. I developed Frank. He was just an intern from NYU. He had nowhere to go. He was an intern at WABC, gave him a shot at being producer. Then all of a sudden, uh, he wanted his own show. He got smacked down at AM 970, The Answer. I picked him up. I said, don't worry about it. We'll get you over to WABC. You'll have a show of your own. And then poof, John and Margot Katsimatidis buy WABC from Cumulus. And now he's on the overnights, the other side of midnight, Monday through Fridays, 1 to 5. It's all because of me, Larry, and he's... He he shows no gratitude. 
But, Curtis, this is also a man who is struggling. This is a man who has notoriety, who has who is well-known now, not just locally, but around the country, and he's still cashing in bottles and cans for $5 a piece to try to keep poor Carmine in diapers and food. This is not a well man, Curtis. This is a man who's struggling personally. Yes, and you, you got to listen every four hours, you know, to Frank Morano with the other side of midnight so you can rat him out. You're right, Larry. Uh, he does continue to collect bottles and cans. In fact, there's a huge canister on the corner, about double the size of a normal uh, city sanitation can. And there's normally uh, a homeless guy who comes in there and rummages. And the other morning, Frank Morano was like in a bit of a tiff with the guy because they couldn't come to an agreement. You know, I'll take one can, deposit can, you take another. You know, it's all or nothing. I thought these guys were going to square up. I never heard until Frank came on the air talking about squabbles between I'll give you two cans, give me the two-liter bottle. I never heard that before until Frank. Yeah, but he is an expert at that. He has traveled all of Staten Island. He's been on the uh, the various uh, uh, tributaries, the arteries. He's been in the parks. He used to go to the old Fresh Kill landfill. It used to be the world's largest landfill, but it still has remnants on the side of old bottles and cans, and he's the kind of guy, he'll bring in a 7-Up bottle that was from St. Louis, a bottling uh, uh, location in St. Louis that has a date of 1959 on it, and he gets into a squabble with the manager of the store. Are you aware that he talks about his favorite soda growing up, a soda called Tab? Remember Tab? Yes, a Coca-Cola product. Tab was a liquid chemical. Tab, if, if turned into a gas, could wipe out half of any country. And that it is his, that's, his favorite, that's his favorite soda growing up. So you're talking about a man who really is not well. He, he speaks clearly. He, he enunciates. He has a great communication skills. But he is not well. And I don't know. You got to do something to help him. He needs help. I will tell you this: uh, it would be similar to if you saw a guy smoking a Virginia Slims. That's that's the equivalent of drinking uh, uh, a can of Tab. It's sort of like you were considered effeminate. Uh, guys uh, would say if you were drinking Tab, you were quite effeminate. It's like uh, like I said, it'd be a guy smoking a Virginia Slim cigarette. Curtis, my mother, when I was a little kid, my friends' mothers used to wash their mouths out with soap if they cursed. My mother used to give me two tablespoons of tab to punish me. That was cruel. That's how horrible that stuff was. But that was Frank's favorite liquid. Obviously, he grew up not really straight, not really well. He's got problems. You have to take the high road. Granted, granted, he loves the people that tried to kill you. Granted, okay? We understand that. But still, 
you have to take the high road. Yeah, I think uh, I think I have to. I'm somewhat responsible for him. I'm like Dr. Frankenstein, who created Frankenstein in the radio uh, industry. And you're right, Larry. Curtis, take take the bolts out of his neck and let him run free, and let's see if he can do it on his own. It's a brilliant observation. Brilliant observation, Larry. Telephone talent coordinator Avery, how do you think that'll work out if I do an intervention with Frank? Since I am really responsible, like Dr. Frankenstein, for creating the Frankenstein on the radio, Frank uh, the Mameluke uh, Murano. I act more incompetent at certain areas than I actually am. And I don't know why I'm that way. Uh, I think any, any kind of intervention is kind of hit or miss. I mean, he looks up to you, he might listen to you. Or yeah, but you know he is a... Um, he is uh, always very stubborn, very obstinate, but a contrarian. So if you say blue, he says red. doesn't matter. He may not believe it. He just feels the need to be a contrarian, opposite what the norm is. That is true. And he goes out of his way to be a contrarian. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John calling from Freehold, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Hey, Curtis. Um, The lady stole uh, my booby prize for uh, Dean Martin, but... uh... I got some trivia for you. Well, not trivia, but some facts. Uh, Steubenville. You know, um, it was named after Frederick Wilhelm von Steuben. He was a uh, uh, commander in the uh, Civil War. Now, uh, not the Civil War. You mean the Revolutionary War. Oh, Revolution. I'm sorry. Yeah, he had come from Germany. He had some uh, young cadets with him. Uh, he went to Valley Forge to shape up the Revolutionary uh, Army, which was in tatters. He did that uh, for General George Washington. But he was extraordinarily openly gay. He had four uh, lieutenants with him from Germany, all of them like gay. Uh, they bunked together. They were always with each other. But they really shaped up the Army, the Revolutionary Army at Valley Forge, that was a, a band of malcontents, uh, very disorganized, and could never have crossed uh, the uh, uh, the river into Trenton, the Delaware River into Trenton, to put the uh, to put the British on the defensive. So, so they were stooping each other. Apparently, <laughs> so. <laughs> so. Also, um, you know, uh, you know who Guy Mitchell is, right? Uh, say that again, please, Johnny. You know who Guy Mitchell is? Guy Mitchell. No, who's Guy Mitchell? He's actually a singer and songwriter. He's the one who um, brought Jerry Bell to Columbia Records. Huh. He introduced him. Huh. Now, uh, what was your impression of the life and times of Jerry Bell and uh, his ability to sing songs? I think he's phenomenal. Uh, it's a, it's a shame. Like I don't, you know, I'm, I'm 32, but I know that the kids younger than me, they, they don't like to hear the music. They just don't care. It's, a, it's, it's dying out. Yeah, but you so see, uh, you see, uh, our owners and operators, John and Margot Casamitidis, they love Bobby Vinton. 
Uh, I want them uh, to also integrate Perry Como. I definitely want them to integrate Jerry Vale. These uh, these are great uh, singers who have a great set of pipes, and their music lives on and on. I, I think a hipster and millennial, they listen to Jerry Vale singing. They're going to be very impressed. I actually, uh, I got married. I got married in uh, January. Two days before my wedding, uh, I heard Perry Como and I Love You So for the first time. And I made that my wedding song. Wow, that was your wedding song, Perry Como, I Love You So. Such a good song. Well, we, about, we must try, we must try, uh, Broadway, Billy. Look through your voluminous uh, number of songs that you've brought over in milk crates from WCBS-FM. It's amazing. Billy has about uh, six uh, milk crates of uh, vinyl that he's brought over from WCBS-FM when he spins stacks of wax. Uh, I notice it says on there there's an FBI advisory about these uh, plastic milk crates that they cannot be transported across state lines or else it'll be considered a federal crime. I'm excited. I'm not going to ask you uh, how you got your hands on those milk crates. It says Elmwood Milk. Wow. But we got to play this song for John. Harry Como. Man who wore sweater. Man who my mother loved between Perry Como and Jerry Vale. On the Victrola. You know, the Victrola always was a combination of the 13-inch RCA television, black and white or colored, depending on your uh, ability to pay. And then on top would be the phonograph, the Victrola. Curtis, one more question. Um, where, where did Mark take the Say that again, Johnny. Uh, Dean Martin's last name was uh, originally Crochetti or Cochetti or something like that. Where did he get Martin from? I don't know. That's a good trivia question. Uh, I'll ask Dina Martin. She probably knows specifically how the name maybe was truncated to uh, Martin. Because, again, they were telling Italians with all kinds of names, you had to truncate your name. Like, for instance, uh, the King of Talk Radio in the afternoons for many years Bob Grant was Bob Gigante. Uh, and then they said, no, you can't have the name Gigante. You got to choose another name. So it became Bob Grant. Uh, yeah, there he is, Perry Como, with his sweater and all. From Washington, Pennsylvania, a town of just 50,000, on the way from Pittsburgh to West Virginia to Morgantown. And in that same town of 50,000 people, not only did Perry Como come out of it, but a few blocks away was Bobby Vinton, who wanted to travel and be wherever Perry Como was because that was his mentor. Polish prince, Bobby Vinton, and he did. When uh, Perry Como hit it big in New York and uh, had his own uh, variety show uh, once a week on television, I think it was uh, CBS, Bobby Vinton moved out to Long Island and lived in the same neighborhood. Wanted to walk like uh, Perry Como, talk like Perry Como, dress like Perry Como. It was amazing. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Johnny in Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. 
Hi, good morning there, Curtis. Hi, I just have a quick question. I don't need any gift on uh, Caesar uh, and how he was killed. Uh, it was somewhere in between 44 and 50 BC. Uh, it was Marcus Aurelius. And there was about 20 to 60 people in the Senate at that time that wanted to kill him. But, you know, Eteb Brute and everything else. It was also, I think, Bob Grant's birthday, March 15th. Uh, Ides of March. Ah, whose birthday on March 15th? Bob Grant. I didn't know that. You mean the king of talk radio, Bob Grant? Yeah, I listen, I listen to him all the time. Now, could you tell our audience, some of whom are not, uh, were not around when Bob Grant was broadcasting on WABC or at the old WMCA or at WWDB in Philly when he was uh, put yep. into exile for a while, uh, what was it that you liked about the Bob Grant show? He was brilliant. He, he was a brilliant entertainer, yet people took him serious all the time, which got him into plenty of trouble. Uh, I'm 71, and I used to listen to uh, MCA in the morning with Ken, and then uh, you had Leon Lewis, and you had Malachi McCord, John Sterling. Uh, at night, you had uh, uh, what was it, Barry Gray, uh, John John uh, Nebel, and the rest. So I, I I followed them all the time. But Grant was just brilliant, unfortunately, and he spoke very well. His his English was precise, and he was well-read. Uh, I followed him many, many, many years. It was sad when he left over that uh, that little incident, and uh, they they threw him out. But I, I have, you know, th- that's one thing. I have something, with, and I really have to commend you. When on the, after Columbus Day, uh, when Sid had a change of heart, and you, you, you read him the riot act on Thursday, Yes. What occurred that one? What occurred that morning between six and seven, or a little after? John Casamitides said to him, "Sid, you have to patch things up with uh, May Adams." And Sid just took a deep breath. Now, don't take my word. Listen to it. Listen to the exchange that occurred that day. Sid was a little well, you know, you know, you know, you know. Now. From that point on, you're right. There was a change of heart. Uh, his temperament changed towards that. And I had a smirk on my face when yesterday, on, on, when you were speaking about what had occurred on Thursday morning. So the, that that was interesting. You know how you know how you can make him better, and I mean it seriously. John Casamitidis has to get to, has to get involved. With. You should be his partner on the morning show. Oh, no, my days of partnering up with people are over, Johnny. <laughs> I've had so many radio partners. Uh, I don't know what I've had more of, uh, more wives, uh, ex-wives, or more radio partners. <laughs> but I got to yeah. tell you, uh, I worked with so many people, some of who were still here that were my radio partners, and it just never really seemed uh, to work out in the long run. There always seemed to be problems. I'd want to go in one direction. They'd want to go in a different direction, and it would cause a lot of friction, a lot of problems, and it just wouldn't be worth the agita. I I believe in theater of the mind. I believe in entertainment. I'm not going to change one person's mind out there. And people who listen to talk radio, Johnny, they're already setting their point of view in terms of 
their, their political ideology. Now, I may teach you things you didn't know about certain things, but I'm not going to ch- I'm not going to turn you from a Democrat to a Republican, a Republican to a Democrat. Some of these people here at WABC think, oh, they speak and people are going to suddenly, you know, they're going to they're going to be reborn. They're going to be born again. Hell no. Got to entertain. And uh, if you're you with know, somebody and you're not entertaining and then it's like a struggle and then you all of a sudden exactly. you realize it's just not worth the agenda. You know, Jerry Vale, and you brought up uh, Bobby Venton. I went to many concerts in Pennsylvania. I followed uh, Bobby Venton very close to me. My lady friend is Polish. There, there, he had such a following and a crew that followed him. We went to the uh, a couple of places up in Pennsylvania, Atlantic City. Jerry Vale, we went to a place in Sayreville. I can't remember the name of the club, but there's a club where he showed up many times because I still have the records from my grandfather that were from Jerry. They were true singers. And the awful nature of how Bobby Vinton would use all the instruments. His daughter was a singer in that group. Yes. His son played an instrument in that group. But he had a postman for many years that would show up at every single uh, audience, every single place he had. In fact, I know he's retired now, unfortunately. He's down in Florida, Vinton, and he's he's not playing anymore. So I, I share that. I share your good nature on that. No, understood. And uh, these classics need to be revived. Uh, this is a excellent forum to do that since our owner-operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, love uh, this music, love the fact that it's so entertaining on the weekend. You know, it breaks it off. Be. Yeah, it breaks off from the, the heavy weight on your brain of politics. You know, Trump is God, Biden sucks. I know. And after a while, it's sort of like, oh. It's like I a... have all Jerry Vale's music here. I have Bobby. You know, the best, most people don't play it. I love Jerry Vale's Christmas music. I like Cuomo's very well. If you get the Christmas album from Bobby Vinton, it is out of this world. You can't find it a lot of times. Maybe you could find it. During the Christmas season, you'll, you'll, you'll never forget it. You'll probably be applauded for playing it. And I will leave you on that note. I wish you well. But pick up that morning, the day after uh, Columbus Day, and listen to the exchange between John Casamitidis and Sid. You'll, you'll see when this whole esp- 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 episode started with, with uh, Sid starting to take back. Because he was told, we're going to see... Uh, Mayor tonight, and you, you know, I want you to patch things up. He should have done that behind. If he had any inclination to do that, he should have done that be, behind the phones, not on, not on the phones. I have to say that. Ah, well, you have added to the intrigue, uh, Johnny. But I will keep uh, working on Sid, as you know how quickly Sid vacillates. Who, whoever strokes him first. So John could stroke him like the peacock that uh, Sid is, and he'll respond to John. I could stroke him, and then all of a sudden the peacock responds to me. Here he is, the uh, the mayor of New York City, our old friend Eric Adams. Eric, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, pal. How are you? <sighs> it would never have happened if Bernie was still alive. Never, never, never. See, Bernie, Bernal McGurk was the yin to the yang. That's why they made such a great radio team. Each one brought their strengths, 
and they were able to uh, cover up on their weaknesses, and there was a flow. But it was really a yin and a yang. That's why, for all of you, you got to come on out Wednesday, October 26th at 10 a.m. as we remember the life of our 77 WABC colleague, Bernie McGurk, with a special mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. You don't have to be Catholic. You could be a heathen. You could be uh, uh, hugging trees. You could be kissing Blarney Stones. It doesn't matter. You could be a wicca or a witch. doesn't matter. There will be a special mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral, 10 a.m. on su- on Wednesday, October 26th, in honor of Bernard McGurk. All are invited. For more information and to watch this service streamed live, for those of you who cannot attend, or maybe bedridden, but you, you want to... You want to get the feeling that you're right up close and personal. Head over to WABCRadio.com. That's WABCRadio.com. If you plan on attending the service in person, please email at RSVP at WABCRadio.com. So email us at RSVP at WABCRadio.com. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Out of the Bronx, Bobby Darren, Bronx High School of Science. What a fabulous life that was, unfortunately, um, his life was taken at too early an age, about 36 years old. Uh, He had rheumatic fever. That's what my mother had. They said you can't move with rheumatic fever. If you move, it'll cause your aorta to explode. So they would have kids sitting in an asylum, sit on a chair all day long. Put my mom up in an asylum in Connecticut. My grandmother, Nicoletta, didn't know. The doctors told her that. My grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, and then my mother broke out. Broke out of the asylum. Found a uh, country store. Country store called the uh, grocery store Sammy's in Canarsie. Because remember, nobody had a home phone at the time. You called the local grocery store. They fetched my grandmother Nicoletta she got on the phone she heard my my uh, uh, my mother's uh, voice her daughter's voice the last drop of 13 that uh, she brought into the world and she said we're coming to get you we're coming to get you just stay right there and they did they did but uh, Bobby Darren had the same issue rheumatic fever they thought it would uh, really affect your cardio your heart and it does it did, not for my mother, but it certainly did for Bobby Darren. Had a heart operation at the age of 36, I think, at Sinai Cedar Medical Center in L.A. and passed away uh, during the process. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's uh, Victor calling from Brewster, New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Vic. Good morning, Curtis. Yes, Vic. Um. Dean Martin's last name was Crochetti. Crochetti, like uh, Frank Crochetti, who used to hit fungos out to the Yankees? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Frank Crochetti used to be on the sideline. He'd be hitting these fungo flies out to the Yankees. 
Mickey Mantle in center, Roger Maris in right, Tommy Tresh in left, you know, warming them up uh, before the game, and then he'd uh, be hitting ground balls to the infielders. Uh, but he had that fungal bat. That's how I remember that name, Frank Crochetti. Yes, I was I was also lucky enough to see Jerry Vale uh, in the early 90s at the Westchester Dinner Theater in Elmsford. Mm. I took my in-laws, and it was fantastic to see him so close up, and I'm glad I got to see him, you know. And, Victor, I, I think he's deserving to... At least maybe in a rotation. You have a, an hour of Jerry Vale one week, Bobby Vinton the next week, you know, and then you can uh, you can go to Perry Como the following week, Bobby Darren the following week, you know, really revive these great classics because they don't get any uh, airplay anymore. You're right. I agree. Look at the response you got tonight. Um, there's a lot of us out there who grew up with that music, uh, like Perry Como, the Christmas album, uh, the Ray Conniff Orchestra, Jerry Vale. We were lucky. We were raised by the greatest generation. And then remember, everybody always had to have the one album of Andy Williams. Yes. I didn't, I didn't like Andy Williams, but it's almost like, I don't know, maybe it was like, you had to have it. It was like a bookend. You had to have one album of Andy Williams. Yes, I had kept them all for years, and somehow I lost track of them. And I'm upset about that. Well, I'm going to try to revive it here at WABC, if nothing more than uh, one hour. Hey, look, uh, what do I do? Like uh, 29 hours uh, on the weekend? WABC, the acronym means always broadcasting, Curtis. I'll give up one of those hours, right? Would I? Well, let's think about that. I usually take hours from other talk show hosts or hostesses who vacillate, you know, say, oh, uh, I, I need a mental health break. This is such a toxic workplace. It's bad for my mental and physical health. Oh, it's so difficult, this job. What job? It's not a job. It's like a miracle. Un miracula. You know what hard jobs are. I've had hard jobs. A lot of people listening out there have had hard jobs. And sometimes they've had to multitask. We're two jobs within the same framework. Anyway, up next. Oh, man, it's it's bugging me, the Yankees. It really is. I really hate the manager, Aaron Boone. And their excuses that they came up with for, for losing game two in Houston. It's a game they lost. And yet the excuses coming out of his mouth and Severino's mouth, the starting picture, are a double disgraziata, a double shanda. Gary Cohen on Sportsnet New York. By the way, you know it started last night. Yes. The first ever Curtis Sliwa series, the Guardian Angels series. The Guardian Angels, that's too good. Angels beat the Guardians last night 3 nothing, behind Michael Lorenzen. The Guardian Angels, that's too good. This is the Curtis Sliwa Show on 77 WABC. Y-A-N-K-E-E-S. Here comes the Yankees. Let's get behind the chiller. Yankees, they're going to learn to feel 
I decided to break the curse of Eric Adams. It was, um, I believe it was, um, what was it, Wednesday or Tuesday? That um, right after I had finished the program, 1215, the one that I do Monday through Fridays, right after Bill O'Reilly's 15-minute update, got a call from uh, Rob Cole, who had been my campaign manager during my uh, mayoral run, and he had worked with George Pataki and still does for years and years, way back to the point when he was uh, an intern politically uh, as a teenager and then an advanced guy. But anyway, he said, hey, because the night before the game was canceled because of a rain delay, they uh, delayed it three hours, you know, just so that they could sell beer. <laughs> Let's face it. They knew that game was going to be postponed. You couldn't play baseball in that weather. Especially in the outfield, it'll be too slick. You got these thoroughbreds out there. You, you just can't take a chance. Judge uh, for the Yankees, Stanton. Yeah, you know, they pay millions and millions of dollars to these guys. Uh, they don't want them slipping up in the outfield and maybe uh, ripping an ACL or a tendon or another. A uh, situation involving their legs or their hip, and then all of a sudden they're out a month of Sundays. So uh, Rob Cole said, you got to come and break the curse. Now, wh- what do I mean by the curse? The curse actually came about because uh, at the start of the Mets playoffs against the San Diego Padres, and I hate the Mets, but I hated the San Diego Padres even more because of Manny Machado, who has brought over from uh, Baltimore uh, in his free agency. I really hated him. He almost became a Yankee. But um, I actually supported the Mets, something I rarely do. But it was Eric Adams who said he grew up as a um, Met fan. Talked about Tommy Agee in center field, Cleon Jones in left field. So I give him the benefit of the doubt. He grew up in Queens, went to Bayside High School. He's probably a Met fan. Seemed to know a little bit about the team, especially the 69 uh, World Series champions, unexpectedly the New York Mets against the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, he made a prediction then. You may have remembered, uh, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, that the Mets would sweep into the World Series. And, boy, they crashed and burned in that special playoff against San Diego, down for the count they went. Then after the Mets were eliminated, he made the same prediction for the Yankees. He said, oh, they would, uh, they would work their way right to the World Series. And immediately when the uh, Yankees were playing Cleveland, and to me, they'll always be the Cleveland Indians, uh, Chief Wahoo should have maintained the tradition instead of capitulating to the politically correct crowd and should have kept it the Cleveland Indians name. Although Cleveland Guardian, uh, if they said Angels, that would have sounded better, the Cleveland Guardian Angels, because I have... Guardian Angels in Cleveland on the west side, the other side of the city, away from uh, the ballpark, which is down near the basketball arena. But I digress. So um, I sat there along the first baseline, Nancy King. Oh, she's a tried-and-true Yankee fan. In fact, uh, for two summers, she actually went to every Yankee home game. She'd wear her uh, old Yankee hat in honor of David Wells. You know how he had that uh, Babe Ruth hat, David Wells? She had number 33. She loved David Wells. And in 1998, she was in the stands when David Wells pitched that perfect game. 
And then imagine she went to all the summer games in 99 and she saw Coney, David Cohn, pitch a perfect game. So she loves uh, the Yankees. She loves them even more than I do. I've, I've lost, uh, I've lost uh, a lot of respect for the Yankees. And Kate Smith would sing uh, God Bless America, seventh inning stretch. That was always the wish of George Steinbrenner, the owner and operator of the Yankees. And he passed that on in his will. And they promised that they would have Kate Smith always do the seventh avenue, uh, seventh inning stretch, God Bless America, on tape. And then all of a sudden, Black Lives Matter complained, which has become big, uh, large mansions. And just because of of the complaint, Randy Levine, who was the president of the New York Yankees, still is, former deputy mayor for Mike Mbadichich, Rudy Giuliani, decided to get rid of Kate Smith's rendition of uh, God Bless America during the seventh inning stretch. And if you notice, uh, she was a statue outside of the Philadelphia Spectrum in South Philadelphia. They removed the statue. They put it in mothballs, and they have it in a warehouse, parts unknown. All because they said that she had uh, uttered some racist uh, words in a song that she was singing in the 1930s. And I said to myself, oh, my God. I just know that my father taught me that Kate Smith had sold more war bonds during World War II than any other person alive. Millions and millions and millions of dollars war bonds so that the guys would have the proper equipment, would have the proper ability to fight the war on two fronts against the Japanese in the Pacific and the Nazis uh, across the Atlantic. You say to yourself, hmm, all right, let's strike one. Strike two was uh, taking the knee to Black Lives Matter. Remember the summer of 2020, like a lot of baseball and basketball and football teams, they'd be taking their knee before the beginning of the game to Black Lives Matter or right after the uh, national anthem or before it. That was strike two for me. And then strike three was in the second game, the home game at Yankee Stadium. The crowd booed, booed Aaron Judge. Was having a rough first game, struck out four times. Was having a rough uh, second game, had struck out three times at that point. And the crowd booed Aaron Judge. Why do you do that? He could easily pick up and leave and go play for the San Francisco Giants next year if the price is right. He's a Bay Area boy. He loves San Francisco. Barry Bonds keeps whispering in his ear. You know these guys. Stanton is from Cali. Judge is from Cali. Even Aaron Boone, who I hate, I loathe, I despise, is from Cali. It's a totally different lifestyle. If you grew up that way, you might yearn to go back. And so Yankee fans did not do the right thing by booing Aaron Judge, who had 62 home runs during the normal season. And has hit a few dingers during the playoff. Wow. That, to me, was strike three. But I felt it was incumbent upon me, the only person who could break the curse of Eric Adams on the Yankees, predicting that they would sweep their way into the World Series, which yours truly, I'm the only antidote. So I went and I gave the Cleveland Indians, they'll always be the Indians to me, not the Guardians, the Malukia, the reverse Malukia. And the Yankees won as Judge uh, hit a bomb and Stanton hit a bomb. And then they were on to Houston. And I had told you, they're not going to get by Houston. Houston uh, to the Yankees is the equivalent of what the uh, 
Chicago Bulls were to the New York Knicks. Every time you get into the playoffs, as long as Michael Jackson scrapped that, that pedophile on a pedestal, as long as <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> I want to be just like Michael Jackson. Wrong. Wow. I'm getting a little goofy here. Michael Jordan. As long as Michael Jordan was with the Chicago Bulls, the Knicks could never get through the Bulls and get to the next stage of the NBA playoffs, the finals. Uh, Then that one year when Michael Jordan decided that as a degenerate gambler, he wasn't going to stand up and uh, have to submit to an investigation by the NBA. So he went off to play minor league baseball. He always wanted to pursue that with the Birmingham Barons for like two years. And that's the one year that the uh, Knicks were able to get through the Bulls and get right into the NBA Finals against uh, the Houston Rockets. I'll never forget that game. Oh, it was great. It was great. But the the, the Knicks lost. They didn't win the championship. They lost uh, to the Houston Rockets. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So they had game one, and Verlander, after a uh, tough start for the uh, Houston Astros, just bore down, and he was, like, unmerciful. I think they struck out, like, 15 times, the Yankees. And then the second game, they struck out, like, 15 times. They struck out a total of 30 times. If they don't hit a home run, they don't put the wood on the ball. They strike out. Whatever happened to the punch and Judy hitters? You know, get a single. Uh, Go the opposite way, the next batter, the second hitter. This way, if you don't necessarily get a hit, the runner can get to second or maybe even a third. Bunting, hitting opposite field, going for base hits, not home runs. It's almost an oxymoron now uh, with the Yankees. They either hit a home run or strike out. And that wears off pretty damn quick. But it is what it is. It uh, got the Yankees... uh, into the uh, playoffs, and obviously now they're in the American League Championship season series. So whoever wins this uh, series of four games is going to go on to the World Series. Uh, Philly is ahead, I think, uh, two to one against the dreaded uh, San Diego Padres of uh, the guy that I hate, I loathe, I despise, Machado. So. The roof being open kind of killed us. This is uh, what Aaron Boone said. Yankees manager Aaron Boone on one of the reasons why the Yankees lost in game two in Houston. But did you think it had a chance in that short right? Yeah, I think, you know, who'd have thought? I think the roof open kind of killed us. I, I, think, I think it's a 390 ball. I think it was like 106 at whatever. And when I went out to take Seve out, we noticed it a lot with Tucker's ball. You know, the base hit he got to right, it kind of looked like it just went and stopped. And then I think Judgey's a homer all the time. Wind was blown in? The wind was blown, yeah, across like that. So, um, yeah, I didn't think, like, he smoked it like no doubter, but it felt like his homers to right. Smoked it like no doubter. That's definitely Cali, Cali talk, California. He's a California boy. So Stanton, so's Judge. But you heard in that interview, the post-game uh, interview after the loss to the Houston Astros, 
that Aaron Boone said the roof being open kind of killed us. Isn't that what JFK said? Well, he's been dead for so long. Come on. I realize some people would say that's sacrilegious. How could you make a joke about that? But it's also what the starting pitcher Severino said. And by the way, Severino was throwing heat. He looked really good. Remember, he's had injuries. But the Houston Astros starting pitching is really good. We're going to be facing an excellent pitcher at 5 o'clock today. Obviously, our ace, uh, Cole, is in there. Yankees pay him millions and millions of dollars. Uh, He's got to deliver in the American League championship against his old team, the Houston Astros. But I just don't think they got enough hitting the Yankees. It's either feast or famine. They either hit a home run or they strike out. And they strike it out a lot. You were thinking, it's just none of that old school way of playing. Get to first by any means. Get hit by the pitch. Walk. Steal second. Then that next hitter goes the opposite way. So even if it's uh, an out, you end up going to third. And then on a sacrifice fly, you could score a run. First inning, nobody's gotten a hit. Wow. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But I just think the Yankees' lack of hitting is just not going to be able to do it. In the air to right field, got some carry. Tucker, Tucker makes the catch, crashing up against the wall. Bader tags up, safe at second. That was the shot in which Judge went the opposite way. It almost went out, but when they uh, opened up the retractable dome, remember it's the same effect on the Houston Astros. There were winds gusting up, so anything they hit. Is affected by the wind just like it was for the Yankees. I just think uh, the Houston Astros, they do have a few punch and Judy hitters out there who can get a single or a double and then uh, capitalize on that. The Yankees, no. See the home runs? Uh, that's it. And if they're not on their A game, if they're not hitting the uh, ball, you know, right, uh, right on that seal there, if it's on the, if it's inside, if it's on the handle, if it's off the barrel, it may not go out of the park. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to uh, Mickey, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mick. Yes, Curtis. I, uh, every evening I listen to Rita. And then I listen to Dominic Carter, who I think is the best one on WABC. Now, Mickey, can you uh, put your mouth closer to the microphone so that I can hear you better than I can hear you now? Yes. Can you hear me now? Better, better. Go ahead. Okay. Dominic Carter is the best one you guys have on WABC. I really, I really respect that man. Now, now, hold off, hold off, hold off. Lower him, lower him, Broadway, Billy. Uh, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, see if you can uh, straighten Mickey out so that he gets into a position where he's not uh, vacillating on the discronificator because uh, he's coming in all broken up. Seems like he's got a, a lot of important things to say. 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Giuseppe calling from Ronkonkoma. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. Hey, Curtis. Great show. Um, listening to the music before brought back so many memories. My mom would have been 82 yesterday, uh, and she loved Perry Como and Jerry Vale. When we were kids, me and my sister, my parents took us to see Perry Como, uh, Jerry Vale, and Woody Herman at Westbury Music Fair. And I think you're one of the best broadcasters on WABC. Um, you brought back so many memories. And what you were just talking about with the Yankees, I agree 100% with you. They got to step up to the plate. They got to start smacking some balls, whether it's base hits, singles. It can't always be home runs because they're not getting enough people ahead on base. And when they hit that home run, it's only one run. And we need to get more, and we got to get aggressive. I got to tell you, Joe, uh, for me, it gets quite boring to watch Yankee after Yankee striking out and then occasionally a home run and then a bunch of strikeouts, no singles, no doubles, no triples, no strategy, no sacrifice bunts, no hitting the opposite way, no stolen bases. It's just like get up, try to hit a home run. Most times you'll strike out. Next time you're up, try to hit a home run. Yep, I agree with you 100%. And before I get, uh, you move to your next caller, Frank Morano, I love him. He's a good guy. And he talks about this drink he drinks. And I actually went to the liquor store and I bought a bottle. I couldn't afford the uh, regular size. So I get the middle size. This Bombay Sapphire that he drinks. Curtis, when I tell you, my wife, she likes, you know, she's Irish and German, so she loves her alcohol. And even she said, you could take the paint off the hood of a car. This stuff was so strong, I, my eyes were watering. I couldn't even finish the drink. Um, and again, a great show, Curtis. Have a safe weekend, and uh, let's just hope Lee Zeldin pulls this one off. Because I watched that debate last night. I had to shut it off. Hopeful sounds like she's got marbles in the mouth. Have a great weekend, Curtis. You got it. Uh, just an update. Uh, I believe that uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin will be in Whitestone Park at 5 o'clock today, Saturday, for a rally. 5 o'clock in Whitestone Park. I can't be there. Because obviously I'm uh, I'm on with uh, left versus right, Anthony Weiner from 3 to 4. And then i got to prepare for the evening. And then I've got to go to uh, the uh, relaunch of the re-election campaign of Vicky Palladino, who shocked the world when she won the city council seat of uh, College Point, Bayside, Whitestone, Flushing. Uh, I helped her a little bit. She certainly helped me. I won the vote there against Eric Adams, and she won the vote against her opponent. But not only are the Democrats coming to uh, try to knock her off, but uh, a lot of dep- a lot of Republicans who are Eric Adams Republicans who are going to try to knock her off. And she's making the uh, major push uh, starting tonight. I'll be there with uh, Nancy and my oldest son, Anthony. Then I got to turn right around and get back here because I got to do it all over again Sunday, 12 midnight to 6 in the morning. And I take you to the break of dawn. Let's see if we can get Mickey back, if his uh, connection is a little better in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mickey. Okay, Curtis, can you hear me? Loud and clear, Mickey. Okay, here we go. 
Dominic Carter is the best one you guys got on the radio. I like, I listen to Bill O'Reilly, Rita Cosby, and then when Dominic comes on, I get real excited because I, I think he's the best one besides you, Curtis. But, but anyways, after Dominic gets off, he has this, he has this mama's boy. I can't stand his voice. You got to destroy the monster you created. You created Money, Mama a monster. Luke. I, I can't stand his voice. Every time Dominic introduces him to the show at at, at one o'clock, I got to turn the radio off. He, you created a monster. You got to destroy your monster you created, please, please. So, Mickey, uh, what you're saying is the voice of Frank Morano is like a monster voice. It irritates the hell out of me. I get irritated. I have to turn the radio off. I got to turn the radio off. What is it about his voice? What is it about his voice? It tears the insides out of me. It tears my. It makes me want to jump through the radio and, and put my hands around his neck and strangle him. I want to strangle him, Curtis. I want to strangle him with my two hands. No, no, he definitely gets on people's nerves. You're not the first one to remark uh, on that, Mickey. But I, I have to turn the radio off. I shouldn't have to turn. I shouldn't have to turn the radio off. You got to destroy that monster. No, no, no. I, I, I know that, Mickey. I take full responsibility. I am culpable for the monster oh, yes, that he has become. Oh yes, you are. You, you got to destroy your monster. No, that's true. Because remember, he he was going to NYU at the time. Uh, uh, he became an intern, and he became the producer of the morning show for me and Ron Kuby, whose mommy is a commie. Uh, and then he uh, became the producer of mine when I had a syndicated show at WABC when they were warehousing me because they didn't want me to go to WOR, William Women's Only Radio, to do the morning show. Uh, so he was producing that. You're right, and uh, basically... Uh, you created him. I don't care where he came from. If Mickey Mouse Club or anybody, you got to destroy your monster. Please. I want to be shaked. I want to be shocked and shaked. No, no. Please. Oh, my God. I want to put my hands around his neck and strangle him. Oh, my God. Please, Curtis, destroy your monster. Now, you're right. Uh, Dr. Frankenstein created Frankenstein. And as we approach Halloween, uh, the stories uh, become clearer to everybody. When you create a Frankenstein, you have the responsibility to destroy that Frankenstein. Frank Morano is a pathetic excuse for a man. (laughs) He is. He is a pathetic excuse for a man. You you created the monster, Curtis. I'm going to hold you to it. you got to destroy your monster. Please. And tell Sid that he better straighten up, too, or I'm coming into the city. I don't care if I get killed coming in. I'm going to straighten Sid out, too, myself. I'm the man. Yeah, he, uh, he has a very uh, elevated uh, point of view about himself there, Mickey. I'm insane. Well, he better not, he better not cow up with this here Eric Adams guy, because I'll tell you, I'll risk my life coming into the city and straighten that guy out myself. Here he is, the uh, the mayor of New York City, 
our old friend Eric Adams. Eric, good morning, pal. How are you? Call him pal, Mickey. Pal. I heard it. I hear him. I heard it. You got to stay on him, too. But the main thing, the priority here is destroy your monster you created. I don't want to have to turn my radio off every time Dominic introduces him at 1 o'clock. Every time he says, oh, here's Frank Morano in the studio. I says, oh, my God, I got to, I want to jump through the radio. No, 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 you're not alone. You're not alone, Mickey. I hear this often from a lot of other people, uh, both here in the city and the surrounding suburban areas and even beyond the tri-state area where they can hear the 50,000 powerful watts of sound of WABC, Mickey. I stick it in my ear. Feels great. If it was, Feels absolutely great. Giving it a little twirl, a little rotation. It's outstanding. Yeah, I, I don't want to risk my life coming into the city. No, 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 no. I completely understood. So let me get to work on this, Mickey. I promise you that um, I'll try to resolve that because I know you are just an example of what exists out there with tens of hundreds of thousands of WABC listeners. They get a sense that Frank the Mameluke Morano is definitely trying to push-pull, 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 and push us against one another to our own detriment and to his elevation. Oh, no doubt about it. And you got to listen every four hours, you know, to Frank Morano with the other side of midnight so you can rat him out. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Uh, let's see. We've had the uh, Cuomo crime family, led by now Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Brota Cuomo, King Cuomo I, and his brother, Fredo, pretty boy Chris Cuomo, and their leg breaker, wartime consigliere Joe Pacoco, right? They've hit the mattresses, they're stirring the marinara sauce at uh, Chris Cuomo's mansion in uh, Southampton. Interesting. Uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, was on with uh, John Katsimatidis and Lydia Serrani and the Five at Five as he was uh, on his comeback uh, tour, on his comeback tour. Although when he was talking about safe cities, safe streets... The special legislation that enabled uh, David Dinkins to hire thousands of new cops by imposing a special tax on some of the realtor interests in New York City. They made it a lot easier for Michael Baticic, Rudy Giuliani, to take back the streets. What uh, he failed to mention was that it was a uh, double-headed combo between David Dinkins... And the president of the city council at that time, Peter Vallone. And so uh, Judge Weinberg, who uh, worked uh, as the chief of staff for Peter Vallone Sr. in the uh, city council, said, uh, my God, I'm going to have a heart attack right now in the misinformation that Andrew Evilized Cuomo was giving up. Well, let's hold off on that. Because Hunter, Hunter Biden is the black sheep of the... uh, Biden family, no doubt about it. 
And James Biden is uh, the brother of Joe Biden, the president, and the political wild card. And I equate it to uh, Billy Carter. You remember Billy Carter, Jimmy Carter's brother, who uh, when Jimmy Carter became president of the United States, Billy Carter was off in Libya three times with Muammar Gaddafi. And Billy Carter got $2 million from Gaddafi to invest, which eventually, I believe, ended up sending him to jail. It's interesting because this is the week that it's the anniversary that Muammar Gaddafi, first a friend of America, then an enemy of America, then a friend, then an enemy, then a friend, then an enemy, stupid enough to give up his nuclear payload of weapons to Bush 43. And then all of a sudden, when Hillary Rodham Clinton, the Secretary of State, decided to wage war on Gaddafi, with the aid of the French and the English as they uh, sent sorties in to bomb their compounds, there was a rebel fraction uh, faction that revolted against Muammar Gaddafi, and if you uh, ever remember the picture, it was a Libyan with a New York Yankees hat. And he took a pistol and he uh, shoved it up uh, Gaddafi's uh, tuchus and then fired that gun and basically splatted him into a million different directions. That was the fate of Muammar Gaddafi. But now we're going to talk about what has become uh, an interesting mob talk segment about the Zatola family. I'm going to get you uh, into the nitty-gritty. But first, I'm going to open up the phone lines uh, as I take you to the break of dawn at 6 o'clock. And then it's the best of Sid Rosenberg from 6 to 7. And then it's uh, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurden. And boy, did I uh, give him an attitudinal readjustment about his so-called musical prowess. I cold-busted him last week because he thought it was the birthday of Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones, who, by the way by now should have died of every socially transmitted uh, disease imaginable and somehow had survived against all odds with a spike in his arm from all the heroin and fentanyl he shoots on a regular basis. But it wasn't the birthday of Keith Richards. And so uh, programming had to do a lot of scrambling as a result of that misinformation. So James Golden took umbrage to that. He let his complete crew know that I'm a rat. Then I eat the Parmesan cheese, and I said, no, 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 I'm just an observer. I listen to all the shows. And if I hear something that is uh, not connected to reality, I'm going to bring it to everybody's attention. Oh, he had a hissy fit. He had a real hissy fit. He'll probably have a hissy fit between uh, 7 and 10 uh, this morning. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Mario, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mario. Hey, what's going on? You, um, the TV show, I brought it up to you a month ago about East New York, and you didn't know about it, remember? Anyway, I tried to watch it for a couple of minutes. I'm hysterical laughing. They arrest, uh, I guess, handcuffed maybe five African-American men, and they're standing in line like soldiers where this woman cop is, you know, yelling at them. They just stand there like soldiers, like like Boy Scouts. I said, the show is so unrealistic. Oh my God, what a joke! So that's Only about uh, Mario. That's about the seventy fifth precinct, the largest precinct in the city. 
oh, what a disaster. Yeah, well, they I did. Mean, it, we, uh... Unless you're from there, you can't comprehend it, unless you're from, you know, those streets. But, you know, when you were on with Kubi, all right, when's the last time you were on with How many years ago, about? You and Kubi. I like a month of Sundays. Right, okay. Well, one time uh, you got on and uh, you said, oh, my God, all you people investing, you've got to invest in East New York. East New York is where you want to go. And that's six, seven years ago. It's a disaster, that area. And, 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 I, and I wanted to say about Frank Morano. I mean, God forbid this guy's driving with that heavy alcohol in him. He's going to get in trouble. Because that alcohol he's talking about, it stays in you for a couple of days. You know what I'm saying? No, there's no doubt. I mean, look, by 12 noon every day, he's had six stiff martinis, and his eyes are rolling in the back of his head by 12 noon every day. Every six day. martinis that's is so a lot. Cool. That's, the, that's the most oh that I've God. ever had in one sitting. And, and it always ends in disaster. <laughs> Whenever you have six martinis, it's... Lights out. I mean, there's, something's going seriously wrong there if I've had six martinis. There's going to be some story that is not necessarily going to put, portray me in a positive light if I've had six martinis. I've done that maybe five times in my life. Each time, total disaster. Total disaster. What a kia down. What a Pinocchio. Only six times in his life. Huh? Please. He can't wait. He's got a flask on him when he does the program. From 1 to 5, Monday through Fridays, the worst side of the other side of midnight. He has a flask. Now, now don't lie. Don't lie, telephone talent coordinator Avery. You know you've seen uh, Frank Morano nipping from a flask that's in his uh, pocket. Yes or no? Yes. See? A flask. Who who carries a flask anymore? That is really old school. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC.
Meatloaf, who I never liked. But I like that uh, little uh, spiel by Phil Rizzuto, the scooter. Holy cow. Actually, uh, I think came out of a ball game. It may have or was specifically done by Phil Rizzuto for Meatloaf. It's part of Paradise by the Dashboard Light. And in fact, on uh, this date in 1977, Meatloaf released the album Bat Out of Hell. And uh, that's the one cut that was unique, that was so different than normal to actually hear the broadcaster, in this case, Phil Rizzuto calling a game, a Yankee game, and then making those references. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, interesting, uh, you have the scooter. Phil Rizzuto came out of Richmond Hill High School in Queens. A shorty short, thin. But he was a punch-in Judy hitter, a guy who eventually became MVP for one year, shortstop of the Yankees. And he uh, knew what he had to do, which was to get on base. That was his job. Get hit by a pitch, do a Ron Hunt, lean into a pitch, bluff up his uh, his uniform, so that the pitch might hit him, take a few pitches, make uh, the pitcher walk you. If not walk you, make the pitcher pitch to where you wanted to pitch, not where he wanted to pitch. So it was like a cat and mouse game, always, especially between the leadoff hitter and the pitcher, because oftentimes the leadoff hitter is uh, a guy who's got a set of jets who uh, can run those bases. And uh, oftentimes might be walked. And then right away, they're beginning the uh, the rally, the relay rally, as they attempt to uh, get around the, uh, the circle at uh, three. And then all of a sudden, continue on. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Ray, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ray. Curtis, can you hear me? Loud and clear, Ray. How you doing, brother? Good morning. Great job, always. You and Bo, but there does need to be some house cleaning. The guy Mickey is right. I'm telling you, I agree with him 100%. And Mick and the other guy should never admit to how many martinis he had. Six now, six then. You never give a number. But regardless, the Yankees got balled out by A-Rod last week. For You know, they got a top-up team. I hope they get home runs. I hope it works out. But uh, I'll take it all ground ball, grounders. Keep pushing them over the plate. That's what we got to do. That's what it's about. We got to keep them alive. We got to stay alive. No, no, that's true. But, Ray, it's gotten to the point where when I grew up watching baseball, watching the Yankees, that was my team. You'd have You'd have Bobby Richardson. Right. You'd have Bobby Richardson come up. He'd lead off. And he'd be trying to just smack uh, the ball between a shortstop and second baseman or a shortstop and third baseman, you know, whatever he could to get on first. Uh, yeah, then, of right. Then you'd have your second hitter. In some instances, that was Tommy Tresh, who was a, a switch hitter. And his job was to advance Bobby Richardson by hitting the other way. So even if it was an out, at least yeah. Bobby Richardson got to second. Right. So there was strategy. Mickey Mantle. Well, baseball's a little different from what it used to be. They better get down and dirty, Curtis. I'm telling you, 
There's no more time for room over here. There's no place. We got no room on each side. Oh, there's no no, no doubt, Ray, but uh, I got to let you know that uh, when Mickey Mantle was in a slump, like Aaron Judge has been in slumps and Stanton has been in slumps, the big home run hitters, uh, he would drag bunt in order to get on base. He was an excellent drag punter. He was an excellent stealer of bases. He was excellent at taking the extra base, even though he had all kinds of medical issues, physical issues that prevented him from turning it all on. Our number is one 800 Let's go to Giuseppe, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. Hi, Curtis. Yes, Joe. Listen, I love you to death, my favorite, but let me tell you one thing. When both Snurley was speaking on a Friday, it was the 14th of October, I was listening to his show, by the way, he mentioned Cliff Richards' birthday is today, not Keith Richards. So uh, Keith Richards' birthday is on the 18th of uh, December. However, Cliff Richards, you know, who's not as famous, his birthday falls on the 14th of October. So after all, both Snurley, who keeps playing more music then everybody else uh, combined, you know, uh, as far as the hosts go, uh, he plays far more music while you got 10 uh, uh, persons at the time callers waiting to speak to him, you know. Uh, and then he does analysis uh, about singers and so on and so forth. He should be on FM, by the way. So uh, so the, there's a, sort of a correction, if you don't mind. He, he said Cliff Richard's birthday is today. That's 14th of October. Right, but you see, uh, he said Cliff Richards, but then played the Rolling Stones in the background and assumed that Cliff Richards was part of the Rolling Stones. That's why I had to call him out. He couldn't be more hopelessly wrong, Giuseppe. It wasn't coincidence playing the Rolling Stones while mentioning Cliff Richards? Well, I'm going to go back and check it out to double check. It's only an hour. I'm going to listen to the podcast. Yes, please, please do, uh, because it's I... On the 14th of October. Right, I, I seared him. I dropped, I dropped verbal napalm on him, uh, and immediately he responded, him and Diego. Oh, yeah, Diego, who's going to yeah. take over the board for you, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, is a real Weisenheimer, Diego. You know, he was feeding information to uh, Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. The Troublemaker. Because Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. James Golden, was trying to get under my skin. You don't get under my skin. But Diego was aiding and abetting him, who will be his board operator, who will be relieving you at 6 o'clock when we take everybody to the break of dawn. Because nobody's going to sleep. Nobody's going to sleep. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So... I, uh, yeah, in fact, that's right. Uh, let's take a break here because I'm, I'm ready to tell a story about, uh, oh man, a great combination of Yogi Berra and Phil Rizzuto. They actually owned a bowling alley in Clifton, New Jersey, right next to, uh, Patterson. I think it was called the Berra, let's see, the Berra Scooter Bowling Lane, or was it the Berra Rizzuto Bowling Lane, maybe somebody out there remembers bowling or passing by in Clifton, New Jersey. 
the bowling alley that was owned by Yogi Berra and Phil Rizzuto. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. The Yankees, uh, whose game is at home at 5 o'clock, don't beat the Houston Astros with Cole, their ace on the mound. I don't know how they come back from a three-zip uh, deficit. Might win another game in Yankee Stadium, but eventually they got to go back to Houston. And uh, they don't seem to be able to really turn the key in Houston. They always seem like the Houston Astros have their number in the playoffs. But anyway, let's go to Antony, who's calling from Middle Village. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Antony. Hey, Curtis. I'm glad you called me Antony because I love that name, you know. That's what but, I call uh, my son, Antony. Antony. Yeah, he's a, that, you know what? They're good people. Antonys are all good people. Yeah, but, well, they're, uh, they're named you, after St. Antony. St. Antony. Right, right, right. Well, you, you always used to meet my brother in St. John's Cemetery. When you, you used, I don't know, you don't walk through anymore, right? No, I used to walk through with my two youngest sons when they were small. Yeah, my, my, used to meet my brother, but, you know. But anyway, McGurk, you said, was the best radio guy. But then a week before, you said Bob Grant was the best radio guy. So who's the best? Well, you see, you have to, you have to, <laughs> Anthony, you got to rate him differently because Bob Grant I know, I know. was the broadcaster yeah. alone. Uh, the thing about right. Bernard McGurk is he was the best producer ever, without whom Don Imus could not have done so well, because he would read the books, feed the lines to Don Imus. I got you. Yeah, he was right. the feeder, yeah. And yeah. then he was nice. he was a great uh, talk show host in his own right, so when you combine the two, he would multitask, but yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody uh, could entertain, could inform and uh, regale an audience like the King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant, my mentor. Right. Nobody could. Right. I, in 1972, I went to Party Palace on Queens Boulevard, and I wanted just to shake his hand, just to shake the man's hand. He was doing an, a book signing or something. I don't even know. But, you know, he was the greatest. Now, weren't you surprised at how short he was? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because people he thought... People thought when they would hear Bob Grant on uh, the line, they would think, wow, he's a big guy. He's going to punch your schnoz right no, down no, your yeah, throat. Yeah, big, yeah, big voice, big everything. Yeah. Cut it out. They, yeah, no, I used to love, get off my phone. Cut it out. <laughs> oh, he was the best, Anthony. Yeah, he was. He really was. All right, Curtis, maybe I'll see you in St. John's. I'm over there all the time. Yeah, I love St. John Cemetery. That's uh, where Fidel and Nicoletta Bianchino are buried in the mausoleum. You know who else is buried there? in there. You know yeah. who else is buried in there? Yeah, sure, sure. My enemy, Everybody. John Gotti Sr. I know, I know, you know he's there. Um, my whole family's in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, remember, the Roman Catholic Church, which runs that, said, 
will never, ever allow mobsters choking on their lobsters to be buried. Yeah, okay, right, yeah, right, right, right. And yet they slip like, them some scatol, and then all of a sudden right. they not only get buried, they got a mausoleum. Like the like the Pope invited the, what the hell's her name? The, the, the woman from California. I don't even know anymore. Oh, you see, you're Stangat. Pelosi. Pelosi. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah Nancy. Nancy Pelosi, yeah, yeah, yeah. He invited her, yeah, yeah. This beautiful thing. A lovely person. Oh, my God. All right, Curtis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Although. I'm sorry to bother you. No, no, you're, not, bother you're you. not bothering me at all, Anthony. You're talking about good times. Taking my two youngest sons to St. John's Cemetery. And uh, we would play Slay the Dragon there. We'd have we'd have swords out. Plastic swords. And we'd do battle with dragons as we would go from mausoleum to mausoleum. And on occasion, I'd say, hey, look, Carter who's my middle son, and then Hunter, my youngest son, I said, somebody's broken into that mausoleum. They may have been body snatchers. Yeah, yeah, stealing from the grave. I mean, how low can you go, stealing from the grave? But they break into the mausoleum. They break through the, oh, the stained glass windows, which are amazing. And then they rummage through the mausoleum. They'll try to, to open the crypt, you know, open the casket, and sometimes people will uh, bury uh, their loved ones uh, with um, jewelry or things of value, and they'll strip them clean uh, like uh, locusts would through a cornfield or wolves would through the Mojave Desert. That is a double disgraziata. That is a double chanda. Well, remember, I'll be returning in just a few hours. After Anthony Weiner's uh, in the middle between two and three, it's left versus right, Weiner versus Sleewood. Coming up next, uh, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdy from uh, 7 to 10. Took some shots at him uh, last weekend. We'll see if he responds. And right now, the best of Sid Rosenberg. And I better be included in this. I had better be included in this. He said my appearance with him on Thursday morning, which we played at the top of the show, was the best of all time. Now, do you think he was pulling my shorts? I'll make that my chain and chewing my BVDs. What do you think?